Something has crept or has been driven out of dark waters under the mountains. There are older and fallow things and orcs in the deep places of the world. And you're listening to one of them. This is Pop Culture Leftovers Podcast. You shall not fast forward. Episode 364. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall, Brad. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, recording a little earlier today, Jake. It's weird. It is weird. It's still light outside. <laughs> is it usually dark when we start? I guess so. Yeah, it's six o'clock when we start, man. The fucking sun starts going down at five here now. It's like fucking Alaska. <laughs> I'm in like a dark ass room no matter what time it is, so uh, I couldn't really tell. What the hell? You just gotta live life a little bit to know what time it gets dark, Jake. That's all you gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I was all about the lockdown before the lockdown. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it didn't really affect me either. <laughs> there's like a there's like an imprint of my ass on my fucking couch it's just it's like waiting for me it invites me <laughs> the most comfortable spot yeah yeah hey we're not alone jake we've got uh tristan brown welcome tristan hey shifting tristan here Shit. and this episode will not be seven hours yeah we're not going seven hours there's no way fuck i don't even know how that happened that was <laughs> i like how the guest is demanding it oh my god the guest is like well the guest is like you know what you know it could go seven hours i'm not gonna be here for the full seven though <laughs> you know the, the, the guest is already basically letting us know like no uh-uh you, brian yeah you call yourself the showrunner but not not this episode <laughs> i'm just saying i got stories and things in me but not seven hours worth yeah, yeah. We're, that's why we got you. We were like, man, I can only spend maybe three hours with Tristan. And then I was like, how are these guys talking about Lynn Bias and shit all of a sudden now? Dude, I, 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 I <laughs> when I got anybody that I can talk basketball with, I like to go off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It was about an hour of just ESPN discussion. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that, man. Yeah. So somebody enjoyed that conversation out there. No, I enjoyed it. I'm just not going to be a part of that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fuck it. You know, I don't think I've ever been more punch drunk than I was during that last half an hour of that episode. What do you mean? How, like, how did it go for you the last half hour? I just felt like incredibly stupid. Like every word coming out of my mouth felt dumb. Yeah, like the fact that you've never seen Wolf of Wall Street. 
hey, you're not alone there. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you guys? I get the two motherfuckers on the planet. They haven't seen Wolf of Wall Street on the same it's episode. Like one of those, it's one of those movies that, you know, like when I'm looking for something to watch, I see it there. And then I just think, ah, it's like three hours long, maybe another time. Oh, it's one of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. I was an Irishman. Did you see The Irishman? Yeah, yeah, I did. It's it's fucking longer. <laughs> yeah, I, I did see the first season of The Irishman. Yes, the first yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is longer, but I mean, it was you know, it's it, when it's an older movie, you know, like I, I have it on my list. Wolf of Wall Street is one of those movies I that I should have seen that I haven't seen, but I just I'm, I'm just never in the mood to just pop it in and watch it. I don't know why. You just need to do it. You just need to buckle down and do it. Isn't that weird? You're calling it an older movie and it came out in like late 2013. <laughs> like seven years ago. Yeah, it's got ago. like Margot Robbie in it. <laughs> <laughs> that old timey actress. That old dame Margot Robbie. <laughs> Gosh. No, this is wild. Stick around, everybody. We are going to be talking about – I mean I'm not going to bury the lead. We're going to be talking about WandaVision at the top of the show once we get through all the – stuff here at the beginning so don't worry about that i don't like to bury the lead jake i like to get this fucking shit out there no i completely agree whatever the biggest news is we need to talk about it first yeah yeah do have a little bit of housekeeping this week don't worry i'm not gonna don't worry trissa i'm not gonna ask you who your favorite housekeeper is i'm not we're not going there we're we're not doing seven hours i was gonna go with when i heard that question i was gonna go with um uh uh marla gibbs from the uh, Jefferson. Oh yeah, Marla Gibbs. Marla Gibbs went on to do um two two seven. Yeah, and I loved two two seven. Yeah. Oh man. Let's see here. Uh housekeeping. Leftover Army Facebook group. I mentioned this maybe like once every six months, and since it's a new year, I thought I'd let some of our new listeners know that there is a leftover army Facebook group. I think Jake, all they have to do is search on Facebook Leftover Army. Correct, correct. And Please answer the questions. The questions is how we weed out people that don't realize it's the podcast. Yeah, some people think that this is like, it's an army thing, and yeah, have, legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so if you don't answer the questions, we instantly hit decline. Yeah, it's smart. That's smart. Yeah, so answer the question, and don't be a smart ass about answering the questions either. Don't be a cunt. Just answer the questions. Don't don't, don't try to be clever. Okay. <laughs> if we think you're being a cunt, we also instantly hit decline. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh god, we're gonna get more of this in the fucking leftover army Facebook group. All right, fuck off. You're done. <laughs> yeah, we, we've reached yeah. our our cunt quota in the leftover army. Yeah, we're yeah. not taking any more cunts. Ugh, it's even it's even worse when you do answer the questions and we don't like you. You know. That's it. <laughs> 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 and I also I want to thank everybody that does use the Amazon shopping link on our website. It does help out the show, and uh, so I, you know I know Morgan Freeman tells you about it pretty much every fucking week, but I I don't think everybody uses it. All you need to do, and it doesn't affect your purchases at all. It just helps out our show. That's it. You just go to popcultureleftovers dot com. You can see like this little Amazon link. It says like shop, connect, or whatever the fuck. I don't know. This is a bunch of shit on it. Click on it, and then just purchase whatever the fuck you're gonna purchase. You know, and then uh, it helps the show. So I appreciate everybody doing that, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you see what people are buying? No, oh, that's like an invasion of privacy. Mm, what, what the? I'd be interested. Well, I mean, maybe you wouldn't see who's buying what, but like a list of what's being bought and the commission that you get for it. No, no, nothing like that. I just get a statement at the end of like, you know, a month where we finally qualify for whatever. And it, yeah, it's usually like once every three months because nobody's buying shit from it. 
I know, I know our listeners are using Amazon. They're just like, ah, fuck PCL. <laughs> I don't care if the lights are on over there. <laughs> I'm too lazy to go to one extra website. <laughs> They're like, Jake doesn't even leave that fucking room. He doesn't even know when it turns dark. Why the fuck would I want to? <laughs> you know what I did by speaking of lights, um, fucking Amazon, and I did use our fucking shopping link to get this. They had a deal on the Amazon Alexa plugs. Have you seen these plugs? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, you know what the Amazon Alexa is. Correct. All right. So anyway, you got a plug here, and you plug it in, and it's connected to the app on your phone, and then you can ask her to turn your lights on or off, and she'll do that. She'll. And so, like, I go into my bedroom now, and I'm like, Alexa, turn on the light. And boom, my light comes on. Yeah, that's pretty dope. I fucking love it. Can you plug anything into it, and it'll, Alexa will control it? I think so. I think so. I don't, I haven't, I just was going to use it for the lights. It's not like I fucking needed to turn on my toaster or some shit like that. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need this fucking robot burning down my house, Jake. <laughs> going all Skynet on my ass. <laughs> Uh, so yeah yeah that's cool dude and they had a deal on it it was 24.99 to uh, 20 yeah 24.99 they gave me 25 24 dollars off and made me pay a dollar plus shipping to get it it cost me seven bucks oh fuck yeah that's a hell of a deal i know it was like a one-day deal i had to do it i was like fuck it i'm gonna do it i fucking love it i go into my room and i'm fucking i'm like ordering this robot to illuminate my room and it works, dude. <laughs> I feel like I feel like fucking uh, what's his name, Daniel Knight from Knight Rider. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need the Alexa car. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Did my. Do you guys God. ever have the clapper? The clap? No, never. Commercial. I've never had the clap. Oh, the clapper. <laughs> <laughs> The clapper, the clap on, clap off. No, I never did. Yeah, it was one of those things that everybody would see in the infomercial, but I don't think anyone ever had, actually. Yeah, the one thing that everybody did have was that fucking singing bass on your wall, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then I forgot every, about that dumb shit. And then every fucking, like, you know, uh, uh, privately owned business that you ever walked into had that thing up on the fucking wall. Yeah, they thought they were so unique with it too. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> what song does the singing bass sing? Uh, it sings. I don't know. It sings. It sings multiple songs, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like different songs. I think you could even plug him up to other songs. Um. Yeah, but it just you know it's just that annoying fucking bass that you know sings and yeah turns his head and looks at you and goes back to flat position again it's annoying if i ever <laughs> the one i searched online sings take me to the river <laughs> if i ever walked into a home and the people that lived there had the singing bass the singing coke can and the dancing santa claus i would set their house ablaze <laughs> <laughs> oh i forgot about that dumbass coke can too i know oh god you know who drove me crazy and everybody loved her everybody loved her and i didn't find her funny i found her annoying as shit i couldn't the the chewbacca mom i i couldn't stand her from day one hated chewbacca <laughs> hated chewbacca mom 
<laughs> uh, she, was, she was cute at first. No, oh, and then she gets like an agent and all this shit. She was never cute for me. I know it's subjective here. We're talking about, she, well, you know, Brian, uh, to be quite honest with you, I was a bit a fan of uh, her early stuff. But... <laughs> <laughs> I fucking, I couldn't stand her day one right out of the gate. And I know she brought a lot of people joy, but my <laughs> God, this woman annoyed the fucking piss out of me. I thought it was cute at first. I, I agree with Tristan though. Once once it was past the like accidental cuteness, it got it got pretty bad pretty fast. Like, oh, was she was she like trying to try on other masks and do the same thing? Like what was her career after that? I only saw the one video. I think she tried to force her way into that Tiger King documentary. Like she was like <laughs> she's like she's like my fucking five minutes of fame ran up. She's like, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna kidnap some tiger cubs and try to start a zoo oh my god (laughs) uh, she drove me nuts what was your question tristan i had i was forming i I had that joke in the hopper i was just wondering what the (laughs) hell she did after that video god i don't know she probably got divorced from her husband i see she's on cameo you guys ever look at cameo she's probably got her own yeah she's probably got yeah she's probably got cameo where she fucking that's that shit's it, ridiculous too. All it, these Z-list celebrities. Thirty dollars for her to to uh, say something. How much is it? Thirty dollars. Thirty bucks. Fuck oh that. God. Does she put the Chewbacca mask on? I don't even see it in the videos. It looks like it's just her. Like, so That's what's really the point? I wish for the Chewbacca mask on. I wish fucking like some like rich guy like Mark Cuban or Jeff Bezos would pay her one lump sum to fuck off forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Cameo's pretty cool though. I actually just used it for the first time about a month ago. I got my um, I got my fiance uh, Jim Cummings uh, Winnie the Pooh uh, to wish her a happy birthday. That's cool, dude. You know, if yeah. if if I if I if I would do it, but I would only do it for Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime. Is he on there? No, he's not. I check religiously because mm. if they get him, dude, it's like, man, I want to. Anything, and I like you know to have him be like your voicemail message or some shit would just be incredible. There's not just like D-list celebrities on here. Like Floyd Mayweather's on here. Yeah, like, I don't know why because he you know he just made a hundred two hundred million dollars or something last year, but he's on here. I think it costs like a grand or something for yeah, him to wish you a happy birthday. Gary Busey's on there. It's ridiculous what they're charging. Mike Tyson's on here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, guys, uh, we've got a, uh, I've got an announcement here. Our favorite band, Volk, fans of the show, they're doing a live stream event. Uh, it's gonna be Friday, January 22nd. It's from 8 p.m. Central Standard Time to 9 p.m. And they're playing live from the five spot in Nashville. And, uh, tickets are available. I'm gonna have the link in the show notes. Tickets are available. And you should be able to find the link, uh, on Volk's socials or on their Facebook as well. Um, and then all, it's, it, it's pay what you want. And all the proceeds go to Tennessee's own, the Equity Alliance. So, um, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Volk, Jake, check this out. He also, he also, Chris left me a little note here. He said, also, please let Jake and the leftover army know how profoundly we appreciate all the love we've gotten from everyone. We absolutely adore this podcast and community. Y'all have been bar none. The highlight of releasing the song, making connections with so many new awesome people has been such a boost while we've been grounded during COVID. We are hard at work 
on a PCL theme song cover. And it will. Oh shit. And it will make, and we will make sure to book a gig during the next C2E2 to premiere it. Also, our first album is coming out in March, but if anyone wants a sneak peek, message us on Twitter and we'll send a private SoundCloud link. Jake, that's awesome. A fucking cover of our theme song by Volk. Oh, I can't wait to fucking hear that. Oh man. <laughs> a band is going to cover our our theme song and that I can't tell you how excited that makes me. Yeah, we've waited forever for that. So it's awesome that someone we respect so much is finally going to step up to the plate on that. Trust me, Jake. We we both have thought about that in the past, haven't we? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just is anyone ever going to play our song? Will that go out there anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think that I do think that we have probably one of the best podcast theme songs ever created. No, I I don't disagree with that. I, I I still remember the first time you sent me that link for that theme song and just listening to it like twenty times in a row. Me too. I, I was at work and I went on break and I could not stop listening to it in my car. Like oh my god, this shit is real. And I'm like oh my god, they have an ex- <laughs> they have an extended version. It's so good. It was almost intimidating. It's yeah. like, fuck, we have to be as good as the Steam sign. We've already <laughs> failed. Well, the whole thing was, I was like, we suck. And I was like, we are going to suck. And I was like, we gotta, we gotta give some pe- people something good to listen to before they listen to all the suckage. So that was one of the main reasons that I had like this band record the, the theme song. And I knew Scott, the, the uh, lead singer of Love You to Death, which is now a, they've got a different name for the band. But um, I knew at the time that the, this guy was like a wizard with lyrics. Like you tell him what you want and he's going to turn it into something amazing. And he did. Yeah, it's still the best part of our podcast. So check out, yeah, everybody. Volk is going to be doing a live virtual performance uh, January 22nd. You're going to see all the details in our show notes. So, yeah, you pay what you want, and all the proceeds go to Tennessee's own The Equity Alliance. So and I hear they're nothing like Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Oh, man, we need to get rid of this COVID so we can hear Volk live at C2E2. That sounds fucking awesome. I know. Oh, my God. That's awesome. And, and singing our theme song. Oh, my God. Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, you can go up on stage and kind of strut around during it, right? Ah, you can do that by yourself. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll act like I'm going to go up there and join you. <laughs> and then you're going to be up there by yourself. <laughs> uh, that's the classic move. <laughs> strut around like Jagger. I'll tell you, yeah, Jake, we're both going to wear tuxedos. And I'm going to show up, you know what I mean? And like fucking shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. And you're up there in a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into iTunes reviews. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. You guys screw too much and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada yada blah blah fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. All right, iTunes reviews. This is a part of the show where we read iTunes reviews. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I'm 100%. One hundo. One hundo. Uh, first I- iTunes reviews review comes from UIC Nessa, and it's titled, 
It's a celebration. It's a five star, and it goes on to say that is all. It's a celebration. That's from from the uh, Tuppies episode. All right, nice, nice topical review that no one will get in three months. You, you, and you say that sometimes. You say that sometimes about like, especially last year when you were talking about COVID and people were talking about how we were, you know, essential. And uh, a part of their lives during COVID and how, you know, during lockdown, we help people. And you were like, that's so that's so dated and timely for that time and blah, blah, blah. And you act like people aren't the whole world is going through this, Jake, this fucking COVID-19. You act like people aren't going to be able to read the date as 2020 and realize all oh, COVID was going on. Yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe whole- I just hoped that it would be something that was a. a- flash in the pan and that no one would know what they were talking about i get it i get it here like the, the fla- talk, speaking of flash in the pants the tuppies episode right i mean like this yeah this review's fucking garbage like nobody's gonna know what this fucking means uh three weeks from now but the, i'm kidding you i see Ness. i appreciate the five star um but the fucking the covid thing the whole world has gone through covid the whole goddamn planet yeah yeah i was i was wrong on the covid thing it's you know going on a year here in a couple months so i I backpedal on that one. Jake concedes. Very, very Jake, timely. Jake very concedes. Timely Jake concedes. Jake concedes. That's, I want to hear like a crowd applaud as Jake concedes. <laughs> I wish I would have been right. Oh, I, I wish you would have been right too, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, next uh, iTunes review comes from uh, Pachinison. It's titled Episode 363, Listener Talent. It's a five-star, and it goes on to say, Hi, Brian and Jake. I've been listening since the Godzilla episode and wrote in a review once. Tried a joke. Didn't go over well, it seems. But who cares? We need we need one of the uh, one of the uh, pop culture leftover historians, the PCL historians, to let us know what was Pachinison's. I remember this name, too. What was Pachinison's yeah. original review? Hmm. It was an iTunes review? I would imagine so. So how do you leave another one? He didn't change the one he already did? It's got to still be there somewhere. He says, right? yeah, I wrote in a review once. Tried a joke. A review. Tried a joke. Didn't go over well, it seems. I mean, what iTunes review jokes do go over well? There's been a few. There's been a few. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. <laughs> but there's been a few. Now, I, I would say less than half of those that went over well went over well with you, you nitpicky son of a fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Facebook, not login app store. <laughs> nothing. Oh, Delim Chacal, you are a celebrity, man. Oh, my God. Facebook. Did you see my Bart Simpson one that I put up, Jake? I just saw that today on break <laughs> looking through Twitter and I died. <laughs> I was like, that's I, fucking awesome. Did you make that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that was great. There's, there's a Bart Simpson chalkboard generator on the Internet. And I was like, OK, that's what I'm going to do. All right. There we go. That's <laughs> funny. People are going to like that. <laughs> Uh, anyway because i didn't go over well it seems so who cares anyway just wanted to mention in episode 363 you mentioned your listeners have a lot of talent but since i've been listening i've noticed you have a natural talent with doing various voices have you ever looked into voice work before anyway keep up the great work loyal last top 200 listener for life 
uh, answer to that question is no. And the reason being is because I don't, Jake, do we have any voice talent at all? (laughs) I think you have some voice talent. (laughs) I do not. I'm pretty impressed sometimes. I expect, like, off the top of my head, the um, Tony Danza stuff always fucking sings. Me too. I've been working on a, uh, and I kind of, I've been working on a, I'm not going to do it on the podcast. I can't perform under pressure on the podcast. (laughs) But I've been working on a Don Knotts that's actually pretty dead on. Barney Fife, I've, it, my dad is the biggest. I've been wanting to do this for my dad. My dad's the biggest like Andy Griffith fan. Like, let's hear it. No, no, not going to do it right now. Not going to do. It. I have, I because like as soon as I try to do it, I'll fucking, I'll, it'll sound terrible, and I'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe I did that. Well, so, let's hear it, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Tristan set the bar so low, I, <laughs> oh my god that was 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 that was that don Knotts having a heart attack what was going on <laughs> i thought that was puberty kid from the simpsons <laughs> oh my god but yeah thank you Pachinison. i don't know i can't i can't i can't agree with that i don't think that you know i might every once in a while do something i just don't think that it's uh i think if, if anybody jake i think if after nearly eight years of doing this podcast if i had any talent whatsoever someone would have noticed in eight years <laughs> Pachinison noticed. oh i know thank you Pachinison. thank you Pachinison. wow listening since the godzilla episode that's that's quite a long time too. the godzilla podzilla jake the godzilla podzilla yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Did we do a whole episode on Godzilla? You were not there. That was, you yeah. were not there. It was me, Jay, and that was Frank's first episode. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. I came the very next week. I think soon after it was the Days of Future Past episode. That's true. Yeah. Um, Godzilla was the first episode that Daniel Hefner listened to. And that's how we became friends with Daniel Hefner. I would have guessed that that was his first episode. Oh, of course. I actually just did a, uh, episode of his podcast on Thursday. It should be going up on the leftover army RSS feed soon. I'd imagine. I don't know why I'm talking like William Shatner <laughs> right now. I don't know. What's going <laughs> I was going Chris Walken. I thought is what you were doing there. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you never know with all, with my voice talent, Jake. <laughs> I know. It with could be anything. <laughs> anything with my God given voice talent. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Lucasfilm was, that was a shift in move right there. That was a shift in Tristan move. I heard that. What were you? What, <laughs> what, 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 what are you doing over there, Tristan? You fucking uh... practicing my Don Knotts. <laughs> yeah, keep practicing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's uh, that's all the iTunes reviews. Uh, so thank you everyone for the iTunes reviews. Got an email here. I've been holding on to this one for a little over a month. Uh, it's from Josh Davis. He's one of our writers on uh, popcultureleftovers.com. Josh does a fantastic job with his reviews. Absolutely fantastic. I can't thank him enough. So I, everyone that re- uh, writes reviews for popcultureleftovers.com, I thank everyone who's ever written an article. You guys are fantastic. He goes on with his email, and he's like, had to share. I wrote this down in the middle of the night last night. I got to st- stop eating weird shit and drinking vodka before bed. I had a dream that Brian invited me on PCL, so one day I drove to a studio in the middle of nowhere, middle America. It was a big farmhouse with separate studio area. 
with a big room with a mixing board and a separate isolated area with drums and instruments and soundproof foam all over the walls. Yeah, yeah, I know Brian does the show in his house with his cats. It's a fucking dream. So it's me, Brian, Jake, and Brooke. The first thing we do is Brian assigns everyone an errand. I'm supposed to get beer. Brooke wants cores. Jake wants some weird energy drink and at the last minute asks for a craft beer I've never heard of. Brian is like, yeah, yeah, get whatever. Because he's busy fiddling with the massive mixing board. I go on the run, supposedly to a convenience store. Did you like my natural voice talent where I imitated myself there, Jake? Did I sound like me? <laughs> I Yeah, I was like, oh my God, it's like Brian's on the podcast. Brian, Brian sounds just like Brian. It sounds like Brian on the podcast. No one could do you better. No one. No one. No one. No one. No one. I don't know. Now I get that. Nobody does it like Sarah Lee Jingle. I'm fucking <laughs> floating around in my head right now. I go on the run, supposedly to a convenience store around the corner, but end up in a creepy cavernous bar sitting at a table and trying to get someone's attention. So I grab Carrie out. A giant biker dude in leather walks by and warns me about the owner, owner Bertha, and that she's in a foul mood today, so of course I steal some hot sauce from the table, leave, and find a store nearby with beer. Of course I steal some hot sauce from the table. What's that mean? Of course. Like, would that be your first first move there, Jake? I think the of course is that he's going to try to fuck with Bertha more so than the hot sauce. Oh, I should be misreading that, though. Okay. When I finally get back, Brian has... All of us grab two to three skits that he's written on the back of crumpled like chewing gum paper or something. They're funny, but don't really make any sense. <laughs> but but we're all game. That's not even – dude. Oh, God. Can you imagine if I wrote – We have never once read a script. Never once. Can you imagine if we wrote down little skits on this show? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's been mentioned before. Oh, yes. People have tried. People have tried. Uh, Jake goes first, and one by one, we all have to walk down this dirt road and stand there and record our skit into a microphone duct taped to a tree. Brooke goes next, and I go last. Before I walk out there, Brian grabs me by the arm and says, there are no bad performances. Oh, that's very unlike you, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He can tell I'm a little nervous. I see he's chewing gum, so I ask to borrow a piece and tell him it's for my character. He winks and laughs. I walk down the dirt road and record my two skits. One was about a ditzy gum-smacking valley girl, hence the prop. I can't remember the other one. Then I walk back to the studio and join the gang. Everyone's in good spirits and the show is going great, but we never once talk about movies or TV or pop culture at all. <laughs> Dreams are fucking weird. Yeah, nothing, 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 uh, no payoff for the whole Bertha storyline, Jake. I, I tossed this dream. I really did think Bertha was going to like show up at the fucking barn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had like this whole hot sauce thing. Like she gets dumped, a bunch of hot sauce dumps on her like it's fucking Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my eyes! Ah, it's fucking Frank's red hot sauce. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh your, boy, what, yeah. Let's let's never actually invite him to be on the podcast. Yeah, Josh. Yeah, you're way better at those articles, man. Keep going. Keep going strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a voice for articles. Yeah, man. You're great on paper, bro. Did you get five stars for that? No, that was that was an email. Oh, that was an email. Yeah. Oh. Do you not know how emails work? <laughs> 
Tristan. (laughs) (laughs) I turned that into a Tristan insult, didn't I? Fucked up. I gotta, oh god, I don't know, am I gonna do this? Oh my god, I, I, this has been, I've been, this has been driving me crazy, hold on. I wanted, and when I say this, you guys are gonna have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm gonna actually have to play it. I've been wondering, like, whatever happened to Donnie D? You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No, no clue. Alright, hold on, let me pull this up real quick. I gotta get through this commercial, it's on fucking YouTube. Sonic Cheeseburgers. This is where I wanna get to. Here we go. Here we go. You guys can hear this, right? Yeah. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got the microwave going? Alright, we're back. Alright, here we go. I wanna know what happened to Donnie D. Here we go, listen. Oh, this is the remix. That's not what I want. You know what? Fuck this. You remember the part where in the song, <laughs> you know the part in the song in Marky Mark where he goes, uh, Donnie D, break it down. Okay. And then they do the whole like record scratchy yes. bridge part. Yes, they do that. And he comes back and he says, he immediately says, Donnie D's on the backup, drug free. So put the crack up. I forgot about those lyrics. Well, uh, is it, are, is Marky Mark like? Is this like a thing? Like when he's out? Like what, is Donnie D like a recovering crack addict? And he's basically like, hey, yeah, Donnie D's here, but like put the drugs away. You know, <laughs> this isn't the uh, drug addled Donnie D of old. So put the crack away, everybody. We finally got well, this fucker was, clean. It was right after the crack explosion in the eighties, so that's plausible. Yeah, but like. It, it, he has to literally fucking say, come out and say, Donnie D's on the backup, <laughs> drug free. Drug so, free. so put the crack up. Like, is this He's guy get free? But if he fucking sees it, that's the end. Of that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this guy, this guy's like, is he recovering crackhead? What's going on here? Is he talking about his brother? Is he talking about Donnie Wahlberg? Don, is Donnie Wahlberg Donnie D? I haven't heard what I'm asking. Yeah, I have no idea. I think Donnie Wahlberg was doing pretty well at that time. He he was with the new kids. Yeah. And what's Donnie D up to these days? I think he probably (laughs) fell off the wagon. I would imagine. (laughs) R.I.P. Donnie D. R.I.P. Donnie D. (laughs) Donnie D's. He's got to make this declaration right in the middle of their concert. Like, oh, don't worry. He's he's drug free now. And like all the drug dealers, I guess at the concert, like I, I guess they're putting the crack back into their pockets at this point because like, <laughs> <laughs> they had a nice crack buffet going, but that all got ruined. Yeah, what like, the, hey, you guys, you heard the song, put the crack away. And how do you think Donnie D feels hearing this? Like it, he's like, like out of nowhere. Like maybe this is his first time hearing the fucking song, and he's like, oh, you got to bring that up. <laughs> I googled Marky Mark Donnie D, and the first thing that pops up is Donnie Wahlberg's Wikipedia. It's Donnie Wahlberg. So Donnie D is Donnie Wahlberg, his brother? Yeah, I, I, I'm not 100%. Donnie D's booming bass. Hmm. Maybe it is someone different. Hmm. I'm Donnie D's booming bass. The bass is booming because you got so much crap pumping through your veins. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I just thought I, I like I heard that lyric and I'm like, that is so fucking weird. That is fucking weird. <laughs> Put your crack away. <laughs> Either he really hates crack and drugs or he's trying to get clean. And if you know Either one. Either one I'm fine with. Crack is not a good thing. Yeah, maybe he's just a giant fucking narc. You better put it away before Donnie D fucking calls the cops. Yeah, Donnie D. (laughs) Fucking Donnie D. Can't have any fun around Donnie Donnie D. D. snitch. Fucking straight edge (laughs) cunt. Donnie D. That's why you're on the backup, Donnie D. That's why you're not... That's why why you don't get a last name. (laughs) Snitches get stitches, Donnie D. All right, let's fucking let's move on into. <laughs> what made you bring that up? I was listening to the song, and I've been I, that that one line has been driving me fucking crazy. And I wanted to talk to anyone else to see if like if it if if it just doesn't fit with the song. It is so weird. Donnie D's on the backup, drug free. So put the crack up. Like, are you just looking for shit to rhyme? <laughs> Trying to be topical about <clears throat> drugs? Then, and, 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 and fuck at the same time we got Cypress Hill over there fucking who knows what the fuck they're smoking <laughs> mostly weed <laughs> I know but we don't know what it's laced with Jake that's true it's true you never know could be that Donnie D strand of fucking weed that came out <laughs> <laughs> the Donnie Dank the Donnie Dank weed <laughs> oh man let's jump into uh let's jump into WandaVision how's that sound gentlemen yeah, oh, it sounds good. good. I shut up. I was waiting for a bumper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a WandaVision bumper. <laughs> the fuck? Wanda, WandaVision. What's, how's that song go at the beginning? No, I don't know. Oh, here's it's the, different here, for both episodes. Here's, <laughs> here's the, uh, here's the, the WandaVision, uh, bumper. <laughs> <laughs> Donnie, he's on the back up. Talk free. So put the crack up. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There's your, your Wanda Vision bumper. Put the crack up before Vision sees it. <laughs> Fucking drug riddled Vision. Oh man, Donnie D's on the back up, drug free. All right, oh, no. all right. Wanda Vision blends the style of classic sitcoms with the MCU, and which Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Uh, two superpowered beings living their ideal suburban lives begin to suspect that everything is not as it seems. We may rate WandaVision, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. Uh, let's see here. So uh, we got two episodes that dropped of WandaVision. And uh, I guess, you know, I do want to just kind of start off with you guys and, and figure out kind of like where you are with the show and what you thought of it and what you rated it. And we could, you know what, we are going to jump into spoilers. So I'm going to play our spoiler warning. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned, spoiler pussies. All right. I'm going to start off with Tristan. What did you think about uh, the first two episodes? You can rate them together if you want to or rate them separately, however you want to do it. Yeah. Um, you know what? Um, after the first two episodes, I'm just going to rate them together. 
They both had a similar vibe. I'm going to give these first two episodes a very high tasted. Um, I'm not at a Tupperware yet because, you know, there's just a lot of questions and a lot of intrigue. Um, I did enjoy them. Um, me and my entire family really enjoyed them. And I have to say that I really love the fact that even though this isn't something that I would prefer to see in a, a Marvel movie or, you know, a Marvel or comic book um, series, I love the fact that Marvel and Kevin Feige are taking swings like this and that they're doing something different because it just uh, gives some confidence to, to the fact that when these Disney Plus shows comes out, we're not just going to get the same thing over and over again. And so I'm really excited to see that they're really trying to do something different and take us places that we've never been before. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a high tasted for me. High tasted for both episodes. Jake, what do you think, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's it's the highest of Tupperwares for me. And I mean, Tristan said it wasn't a Tupperware yet because of all the questions, because of all the intrigue. And those are the exact reasons it is a Tupperware for me. I I just thought it was so bold and so daring. I, I'm almost glad that Winter Soldier and Falcon got pushed back and this became the first TV series because not that I'm not looking forward to that, but that would have been very much in the vein of kind of what we're used to for Marvel properties instead of right. just this really like wacky kind of swing for the fences that they're doing here. Um, I thought they achieved what they were trying to do just perfectly, you know, the homage to different eras of sitcoms and just that right tone of cheesy and creepy all in like the same scenes. I, I just thought it was really fucking good. I loved Catherine Hahn in it. I thought the two stars were really great. And it's one of those shows that you can watch a second, a third time and like just see little things, little performances in some of the spoken lines, images that you didn't notice the first time. Um, oh, it's so much fun. I've seen a lot of complaining that this isn't just all released at once and it's a week to week thing. And man, I just don't get that. The The fun of this show is going to be the week to week. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I don't know. Did people not enjoy like their experience with like that first season of Westworld or I mean, for you, Jake lost and you know, it's, it's, it's it, Legion is another one. I just think people are so spoon fed <laughs> and spoiled these days with how a lot of the streaming services drop television shows that, there's, they just don't have the attention well, span. For the second season, thing. second season of the boys is testament to that, right? It got low reviews because people were upset that they were releasing them. You know, they released like, what was it? Like the first three episodes. And then after that, you had to wait week to week or something. And yeah, it would just be a, and if they released all nine at once, there's no fucking way that I would get all nine episodes watched before some jackass online was telling me exactly who the villain happens. was. Yeah, right. Exactly. You'd, you'd be seeing pictures of the villain. You'd be seeing screen rant articles. Why so-and-so appeared in WandaVision, right. what this means for the future of MCU and blah, blah, blah. And now one episode a week, I, you know, there's no, I can ignore the internet for 24 hours and be good to go and find out at the same pace as everyone else. I, I fucking love this show. I cannot wait to see more episodes of this on Friday. I'm fucking in for the long haul. Yeah. This show was made for me. I grew up watching like, you know, Nick at night and stuff like that. I grew up watching shows like the honeymooners. I watched the Dick Van Dyke show. I watched my three sons, Donna Reed, Patty Duke, all of it. I, the, it. This show is such a callback to that. Um, and the way that they made it, like, it felt 
I was, it doesn't have to be like this. And this, uh, this is just me. This is my opinion. Like I want it to get to the overall MCU stuff and I want to know what the mystery is and everything. And we're going to speculate and talk about that stuff, but just the fun that I have with this episode and how much it felt like an old 50 sitcom, you know, Dennis the Menace. My, these are, I used to watch all these shows when I was a kid and like, it felt like I was watching that, but then they sprinkle little elements of the MCU and the relationship that she has with vision and some awkward moments in this as well, where I was just like, and all the Easter eggs, I, I was just, you know, yeah, that's the thing I could, I could sit here and say, and I understand you, Tristan, I understand. And a lot of people have this kind of like mindset where like, I can't give it like this final rating until I see where it lands or see where it goes. Yeah, I want to be clear that a high tasted doesn't mean I didn't like it. Exactly. I, mean, I, I really liked it. It's just that I can't, it's just so, so incomplete yeah. that I can't give my thoughts on it yet. What? And, um, but yeah, I, I love where it's going and, and you just have this feeling that it's going to end up somewhere really, really cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I've kind of like, I've kind of like been on the fence about like what Kevin Feige's plans for this are, it, you know, is it going to be this grand reveal? And I mean, honestly, we'll get into that later. I'll just, let me get into my rating. I, I, I am here for the mystery. I am here for the fun. I am here for everything in the show. I absolutely Tupperware it. It's made for me. This show is made for me. And I can understand if you didn't grow up watching those kind of shows and we've never seen anything like this kind of like handled this way or tackled in this manner in the MCU, I can understand why like this is not going over well with everyone, even though it looks like the Rotten Tomatoes score shows that most people are loving this show. Are most people loving this show as far as the audience members because they're we're just programmed to love the MCU? I don't think I don't so. Know. I've seen I've seen critics love it, but I, I've gone to a lot of Facebook posts from articles written about this show, and I see overwhelmingly hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people not into it. What do you, what do you say, Tristan? I was just saying, I, I think I see a lot of positivity, um, but I think it's going to be one of those shows that once uh, a lot is revealed and once we get to the, the really, really um, good reveals and good parts... Um, you're going to be telling people, oh, no, give it time, give it time, give it time. I think that it's going to be that kind of show for a lot of the general audience that yeah. that isn't necessarily having the patience to kind of peel back the layers. Um, but I can tell just given the vibe and the, and the way that this was shot, the attention to detail, the way that they're even um, situating the cameras and and, um, you know, playing with the special effects that there's a lot of attention um, pay to this show that they're real. They're really putting some money and thought into this thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like even just the little subtleties, we're in spoilers, right? We're in spoilers. Yeah. Yes. Um, like, you know, when she creates the, um, the rings on the finger, mm-hmm. they do that. They do that little stop, uh, you know, where they stop the camera and then put the rings on and then, and then show it magically appear. They didn't just use CGI. They used that actual old school. Technique. Oh yeah. They're from like bewitched yeah. and I dream of genie. Yeah. 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 So, and just the, like the little camera angles and, and the way that, uh, you know, the acting styles, the, uh, the, the jargon, 
um, all that stuff is just so much attention oh, yeah. paid to it that I, I thought I was like watching Nick at night. Catherine Hahn saying, it's going to be a gas. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, this, <laughs> this feels like it's straight out of like, it's almost like they've taken, we talked about Barney Fife earlier, but it's almost like they've taken Pleasantville in a way too and done a little bit of Pleasantville in this, you know, um, I loved that movie, by the way, Pleasantville, Tobey Maguire. Yeah. Oh, oh it's a great movie. Fantastic movie. Um, what? One thing I say, I can say that I'm really excited about is that um, Scarlet Witch, Wanda, um, was not one of my favorite MCU characters. And I just love the fact that we're able to kind of sit and breathe with her yeah. and kind of get to know her. Because I think her appeal on screen in the movies is just going to be much better after we have this time with her. Doesn't it and, feel like, the, like yeah. these shows are kind of made for that? Where it's like, yeah. the, 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 you know, like we've we've gotten plenty of Tony. We've gotten plenty of Cap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plenty of the Guardians. I mean, I feel like this is like opening up the door for some of like these characters that haven't been like on the forefront. We didn't even get to see the the blossom of this relationship between the two. We saw hints of it in Age of Ultron and and uh, hints of it in Civil War. But we didn't see we didn't see Wanda and Vision fall in love. By the time we get to Infinity War, I mean, they're in a, they're in this romance together. Yeah, yeah, their story was kind of rushed a little bit in the beginning. Well, Wanda's, Wanda had a weird arc in the very beginning when um, Age of Ultron came out. Um, that was just a very rushed arc. And then the whole Vision romance was just sort of implied in between what um, Age of Ultron and Civil War or something like that. That all of a sudden yeah. just became a thing. Um, but yeah, like I love the fact that these shows are going to give you the opportunity to really just sit and breathe with some of these secondary characters. And I think Elizabeth Olsen, just after these first two episodes, I'm liking her as, you know, being a top tier MCU character, um, yeah. just after seeing her in these. Absolutely. I think, I think like this show is going to bring her to like the forefront in some of these, uh, Avengers, yeah. uh, level films. I think people are going to see a lot more of her. Going forward, I think she's going to be a very prominent player, and we know she's going to be a huge player in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So I wanted to oh, talk yeah. a little bit about the authenticity that you brought up to like how authentic the show feels to like the time period that like it's set in to, you know, like this this part of Hollywood, this part of TV Hollywood where they actually met this is from the variety article that they met with Dick Van Dyke and uh and sitcom boot camp they had a sitcom boot camp with Dick Van Dyke and this is from Variety. In order to remain as authentic as possible, director Shackman and Feige met with sitcom great Dick Van Dyke, who shared his wisdom, quote, I remember Kevin and I had this amazing lunch with Dick Van Dyke that remains one of the great afternoons of my life, and we asked him what was the governing principle behind the Dick Van Dyke show? Why did it work so well? And he said, if it couldn't happen in real life, it can't happen on the show. Shackman said, they met with Dick Van Dyke for crying out loud. Guy's like in his nineties now, but like, I forget Dick, he's still alive. Yeah. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Um, I th but I mean, he was still even working up until like night of the museum movies. Like this guy, this guy's still, yeah, he, he had a role just in uh, Mary Poppins returns. Just I heard. Ago. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He was in that. And so was, uh, Angela Lansbury too. They both were in it. Yeah. Was Angela Lansbury in that? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, she had yeah, a very briefly. small part. That's yeah. awesome. They're um, both still alive. I also found out that uh, when they did these shows, they shot these shows in front of a live studio audience. 
Yeah, that was one of the things Dick Van Dyke said is kind of a must from what I've read. Yeah, yeah. They talked to Elizabeth Olsen about this, and she said it was so nerve-wracking. There was a lot of adrenaline. There were a lot of quick changes, and it totally confused my brain. So they shot in front of a live studio audience, just like they did back in the day on these shows. And then there was, by the time we get to the 90s sitcom episodes, they it is going to be pulling from um, influences like... Um, Full House, and 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 they were talking to Kevin Feige, and he didn't put it together right away that Elizabeth Olsen's sisters were on that show. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah, even think right. about it honestly until you said that. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this is what Feige said. Family sitcoms meant a lot to us, dated and silly as they may seem. There's a comfort factor there. There was the primary factor behind the co- uh, the comic inspiration versus what led us to us to putting these ideas together. There is a wonderful thing that happened with Matt's background as a child actor, as he's talked about, which is so amazing. Lizzie's background with her sisters, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, which didn't even occur to me until I think we were standing in the writer's room with pictures of full house on the wall. And I went, Oh, right. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, it's not like she's distanced herself from her sisters. I just don't think people kind of put that connection together all the time. Yeah, she's made a name for herself. You know, I, I used to make that connection in the early stages of her career, but she's so separate from them, you know, and so yeah. different from them that, you know, aside from the fact that they look the same, you know, that's the only connection that I can make sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild. It's wild. She's she's really, I don't know, you'd think like, of course, she's probably had connections in Hollywood because of her sisters, but she's really made a name for herself without her sister. Uh, I would say at this point, she's more famous than her sister's. Oh, like at this stage in her career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're looking yeah. at like as adults, yeah, definitely. As uh, yeah, I mean, those yeah. those girls were a billion dollar company themselves with their with all their movies. They had a makeup line. They were huge, man. You go back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, she's definitely not peaked as high as they peaked at their prime. That's right. for sure. But yeah. they they've just kind of take, taken a big step back from the limelight in the last decade or so. They don't they yeah. They don't really have to do anything at this point. I mean, they've, they've, they could, I mean, they could have retired years ago and not done anything. And I I haven't seen them do much lately. So it's, they didn't do the Fuller House reunion show. So it's crazy. I wanted to talk about, um, some of the, some of the theories and stuff like that as we're watching this show. Um, we talked about, in the past, like, you know, the scene that we get in this with, with the wine bottle, and that was from the first trailer and had the M on the top label that was hinting to what I believe is the house of M. And I'm, I'm going to go back and I still think that they could be using WandaVision to introduce the X-Men. I still think it's a possibility. Like these shows need to matter. I think that Kevin Feige firmly believes that these shows need to matter. Why else would he do them? I think I think that real stakes are going to happen in these shows. And I'm not saying we're going to I'm not saying by the end of this season we're going to fucking have Wolverine showing up. I'm not <laughs> saying that, but I'm saying this could be planting the seeds of 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 the X-Men going forward in the universe. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point you made about why even do these shows. I, that's kind of one of the big failures of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was they made such a big deal about it being connected, but none of the like revelations ever actually impacted anything in the movies. The like, movie, it was almost like yes, the movies impacted the movies in, them. The movies impacted the shows, but the shows never impacted the movies. And the same went for the Netflix Daredevil and the Iron Fist and the Jessica Jones and the and the Luke Cage. Yeah, they loved referencing the movies, but the movies were like, I don't know you. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And, and I think, you know, it all goes back to kind of like the, I think the feud between Jeff Loeb and Kevin Feige as far as like, and some people will tell you that there was no feud. I firmly believe that there was. Um, and uh, th- now, now this is Kevin Feige who's in control of all of this. And I think that like, why why do this if it doesn't matter? And I think that they see how much the Mandalorian has meant to the Star Wars universe and how big these shows can impact a property like this. And there's no there's no reason why this show shouldn't matter. I mean, think about it. Like if you just look at sheer numbers, everyone that's going to watch this series is pretty much going to be in line with who would watch a movie. So, I mean, there there's no reason not to put important details and important connections into it. Right. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Like, okay. What do you think is going on here with Wanda? What do you think is going on here with her character? I mean, there are things that are happening in this show. We get certain characters that act oddly throughout the sitcoms that we're watching. And, you know, just to point out a couple of things, um, was it Dottie, the blonde woman who is like the head of like the, that, 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 the, the committee that the community, yeah. Yeah, the, the neighborhood she, community, she breaks character in one moment. It feels like, and she's looking at Wanda and saying like, I don't trust you. And I feel like there's more to that scene than what's going on in the sitcom episode. Also, Dinner with the Hearts, which is not a Paul Hart <clears throat> pod, it's not a Paul Hart podcast. I want to point, I want to point that out. <laughs> Paul does a podcast called Movies from the Heart. Anyway, um, they're having dinners, dinner with the Hearts, and that's his boss. And there's this part where like he, the boss is like insistent on like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And it feels doesn't feel like a dinner scene at that point. It feels like an interrogation. Yeah. There, yeah, I picked up on that as well. There are things happening in this show that I feel like there are outside influences affecting Westview, Westview, the town that they're in. Um, I have my theories. I don't know. What do you guys have? You guys formed theories on what you guys believe what might be happening in this show? You know, from the trailers and the previews, I kind of thought that maybe this was something that Wanda created herself as like a coping mechanism to deal with the loss of vision. And it just kind of went awry. But now after seeing the first two episodes, I've kind of scrapped that, that idea. And I really do feel like someone is purposely putting her in that situation for some nefarious means. That <laughs> someone is using her for some kind of agenda. We hear the voice over that radio. No, go. I want to hear what you have to say, Tristan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Similar to what Jake is saying. Um, yeah, I assume that Wanda was just going to be coping with something, but I think it might be. There's obvious that it's obvious that someone else is involved and someone is controlling to some extent because she's obviously being watched. 
and she's also not completely in control of whatever it is that that is going on. So, you know, I was thinking that possibly she's coping with something and in this sort of dream state or imaginary world, but that there's a bigger entity that is inducing that, that's controlling her or at least keeping her in that state. Um, you know, I don't know if it's them trying to keep the lid on things, uh, if they see her going out of control or if she willingly put herself in that position. But, you know, I mean, we can get into the theories and all that stuff, but obviously there were the, there was the, um, the sword reference and, yeah, uh, some other stuff. So, so yeah, she's not in control. I mean, that's kind of clear. Yeah. It, <laughs> there's part of me thinks that like, yeah, I'm with you. Like, like this is a, I feel like part of it is a coping mechanism because there's the point at the end of episode two where it's revealed that she's pregnant and they hear a noise outside and they go outside and a manhole cover is, you know, out of a manhole cover, you see a beekeeper and he's got the sword logo on the back of his beekeeper outfit. And she says, no. And I feel like she's like, all these, this, whatever this outside influence is that is doing this right now, I don't want any part of it. And this is part of her coping. But on the, and, and I want to point out at the beginning of that episode, it's alluded to these, these, these sword, uh, characters, these people from sword, all these, all this sword element stuff is alluded to by Vision himself. It's like it's seeping into the sitcom world. He is in bed at the beginning of that episode and he's talking about how, um, you know, he overheard some guys at work talking about some unsavory nary doers moving into town and doing, you know, these unsavory things, these bad, bad things they're setting up in the, in the neighborhood. And I firmly believe that, that that's what we saw at the end of that episode with the, the beekeeper showing up that other people that are in this world are seeing this too. So like, is everyone in this world a part of, I think that there are people that are a part of this. It's kind of like a, a Truman show thing where maybe they're trying to yeah. keep her kind of like trapped in this world. She's created it. I think she's created it, but there are people mm -hmm. there trying to keep her kind of like, I guess, I don't know what the word would be sedated or kind of control her in this world. But then on the flip side, we, we see elements from the outside bleeding in. And I think that the, I think we're supposed to think that the people from sword are the bad guys. And I think they're the people trying to get her out. And I think FBI agent, um, um, uh, Randall Park's character of Jimmy Wu is the guy on the radio that was saying, who is doing this to you? Who is doing this to you? It um, sounded like him. It sounded like him. We know he's going to be showing up in the series. We heard his voice in the first trailer. I speculated back when we had the first trailer discussion that, that I thought that that was, uh, Jimmy Wu. And I think that, I think it's still Jimmy Wu. Um, I don't know. So like, I, I don't know if, if, if the FBI has, um, if he's not with the FBI anymore and he's been promoted to sword, that could be, that definitely could be part of this. I still don't know how Darcy is going to show up in this show. Um, Kat Denning's yeah. character. That'll be interesting. Um, we, and I think, I think that we know that, that the character that we've, we've met Geraldine, it, we know that that's Monica Rambo all, yeah. all grown up. 
and I think she's made her made her made her so she's gotten herself injected herself into this world and she's playing a character but she's trying to help Wanda get through this. She's kind of like undercover for Sword. I think she's working with Sword. We met this character back in uh Captain Marvel when she was a little girl and and she we now we know her as Geraldine and she's wearing this um silver brooch and it um it has like a like this kind of it's like a swirl it looks like a portal or something i don't know if that has anything to do with her being in this world i mean westview could be an actual town that wanda has actually turned into like this sitcom version of westview and yeah that um, makes a lot of sense um when they ask uh geraldine her name she kind of hesitates a little bit like yes. as if she is undercover yes um she's not as sure of her life or her role as everyone else around so yeah, that does make a lot of sense that maybe she's in on this and, and kind of is trying to infiltrate. Well, remember, I sent you guys a picture and it was from the first WandaVision trailer that came out. And it looks like it's from the 70s and it looks like Geraldine's character now in the 70s of the sitcom. And she's yeah. and she's like waking up, opening her eyes on the ground. And if you watch that in the trailer, you'll see like she's uh, it looks like she's uh, out, out near a road and you see cars passing her. I think that just like when Wanda said no to the beekeeper, mm-hmm. I think that Geraldine kind of like makes herself known to Wanda and Wanda wanting to be back with vision basically throws her out of Westview mm-hmm. so she can keep so she can keep this rea- this new reality that she's created that's being kind of like supported by whoever we find out we'll talk about who the villains are going to be on this series but I mean who we think are going to be the villains but like I think that like Monica Rambeau is undercover for sword and she gets thrown out as well she gets the beekeeper treatment that we saw this episode right I could see it. Some people are definitely here against their will. It feels like though, it feels like there's a bit of both going on, right? Like his boss and his wife. It doesn't feel like that they're undercover agents by any means. And I'd they, say Dottie probably isn't an undercover agent. No, I think I think I think those people are with working with the villains of this series, Jake. They're trying to find out why are you here? Why are you here? Is like I don't trust you. Why are you here? But then on the flip side, we have people like trying to throw her like um, a lifeline. They're, it feels like they're trying to help her, and I think Geraldine's one of them. I think um, you know Jimmy Woo being on the radio trying to break into Westview and saying, "Who is doing this to you? Who is doing this to you?" You know, and I think that I th- I think there's two separate groups of people here. I think right now we're led to believe like the beekeeper is like evil. Like, who is this guy comes out of a fucking manhole and he's got surrounded by a swarm of bees? Who is this? Oh, he looks, it looks evil. I think that's the good guy trying to help her. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. They definitely paint them as the villains, but I I think you're absolutely right that they are trying to free her or figure out exactly what is going on. Does, I don't think that the big bad at the end of the day is going to be big red chewing gum. I thought that that was so funny. <laughs> I, I really got a kick out of that. How, like when he chewed the gum, they, they did like the, they, they did the cartoon 
thing where they like oh look. yeah i love the animated <laughs> insert to show the chewing gum mucking up his works i loved it and then he was acting like he was drunk almost you know when he had this like this foreign substance inside of his uh his uh android body i i fucking thought it was great yeah, I like that they're using these opportunities to give Paul Bettany a chance to kind of expand that character beyond the, you know, the 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 usual vision personality. So yeah. is it? That's my big question here. It is. We know, of course, it's Paul Bettany playing the character, but in this world of Westview that maybe Wanda has created, who is Vision? It's a weird thing, you know. I was thinking because if this is all in her mind or her creation. How is Vision off doing his own thing at work, you know, with no one around him? Usually, like, you would think that she would be a part of that. Is know, that she a, was creating it? Is it another? Yeah, that really it, threw me for a loop, too. Is it, a, yeah. is it a villain playing the part of Vision here? Because there's a point at the end of that first, uh, the second episode, where she looks at him. She looks at him, and she's like, is all of this real? She finds out she's pregnant, and it's like she's so, like... She wants, I mean, she wants to be with Vision. She loves him and she looks at him. And it's almost like there's a point, a de- there's, a, there's doubt within her. Like she, I think she knows deep down that like this isn't real. This is all fabricated. This is all made up. But she's even under her own spell or someone else's spell. And she says, is all this real? And Vision looks her deep into her eyes and says, yes. It's real, you know, and it's like, it's like, would the real vision do that? Is this a, is this a physical manifestation of vision that she's created or is someone else playing the part of vision in this? And that's going to be a huge reveal. Like I have a feeling like I can't see this ending well with her finding out that this world's not real visions dead. But then there's that scene in that first trailer that we got where Catherine Hahn is sitting outside in a car and I think she's like smoking a cigarette or something. It's like she got done for work that day at the Truman Show acting this character and <laughs> and she looks at Vision. She's like, and you're supposed to be dead. So is he really hmm. truly back? I, all these questions like this is what this is what I'm here for. This is like. I, I want to know what's going on. I, I'm, I'm here for this. I cannot wait to see this. And this is our first introduction to sword. And I know you can say like there was the scene at the end of far from home um, with uh, Nick Fury up in space. And I do think that Nick Fury since captain Marvel and since the events of like, um, you know, the Avengers and things like that, he is probably the head of sword right now, which also makes me think, man, oh God, now that I'm saying I'm jumping ahead, like now that he's the head of sword, do they need a new head of shield? Could that be, could that be old man cap? We'll talk about that later. But, um, oh my God, Mm. all these questions are driving. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, It's so fucking good. And and the, these two episodes just gave so many more questions than I had from the trailers. Even like I, I really did from the trailers think that vision was never back alive, that he was just another creation of Wanda. But now I'm, yeah, I'm questioning even that anymore. Right. I mean, has her, has, has her powers of the mind stone that are still carrying over, even though that stone's been destroyed. And I guess people could say like, why is she choosing to bring vision back and not her own brother? I think if she brings brother ba- sucked. I well, first off, I I think 
I agree with Ouch. you. That's not the version of Quicksilver that I fell in love with. I fell in love with uh, Evan. Um, Evan, yeah. He's going to be in the show. Yeah, he's going to be in the show, too. Yeah. What's his name? Evan? Evan um, Peters, yeah, yeah. yeah. like, but anyway, I think that like I, the reason she doesn't bring him back is because I think in her heart of hearts she knows that he's dead. To bring him back would would definitely raise some questions. But Vision died too. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I just think it. I just, of course, I don't want to see Wanda Pietro. I want to see Wanda Vision. So I'm fine with her not bringing back Pietro. What about this yeah. scene that we got in this with? We it, Wanda's in the house. Wanda's in the house. Did you guys notice the number on the house, the address? Twenty eight hundred. Twenty eight hundred. Which, yeah. if you go back and you read the Tom King Vision comic, on the front of that house it said six one six. And so this is, I think, what it's saying is basically that this universe is the MCU is set in twenty eight hundred, and the comics are set in six one six. I think that's just a slight. Easter egg, but we hear oh, okay. a loud crash, kind of like a, a loud thud or something outside. And she goes out there and it's something that shouldn't have created a loud crash. Like we heard from inside the house. It's a toy helicopter and it's got the sword logo on it and it, and it's got the number 57 on it. Some people are looking at it and it's colorized and it's got it. Some people are saying it's got the Iron Man colors on it. I don't think that that Iron Man has anything to do with that at all, but it does no, have. I, I don't think it really had the colors either. It was so much more red than, but maybe it does have a little bit of gold. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's got the, it's, it's, it's got the sword logo on it, which is basically it's the sword basically is just like the spaced, the space-based counterpart of S.H.I.E.L.D., if people are curious. And um, they deal with, like, more cosmic threats and things like that than 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 S.H.I.E.L.D. that deals with, like, the, the global threats. But the number 57 is on that, and that's just a slight nod of the, the first appearance of uh, Vision was in Avengers 57. Jake, you probably thought it was Heinz 57. <laughs> really 57 huh? i thought it was much earlier than that but Aven- I, I yeah guess it- it's avengers 57 it's got a cool cover to it too yeah her scarlet witch and vision both show up in that episode right in that issue i don't know if it's the first uh appearance of scarlet witch i thought her first appearance was also with pietro in another comic oh i think you're correct about that um and i think that that was an x-men comic wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. They yeah. first show up in an X-Men comic. Vision's like a villain in that first Avengers issue. Right. But I think that a real helicopter crashed. I think that that was a sword helicopter that crashed, and she's what she's actually seeing is is like this this delicate toy that fell into the shrubs. And I think I think a real I think a real sword helicopter crashed right in the in the real Westview. And this is what she's making herself see. 
That would explain the noise, the yeah. noise that could never come from this toy. Do you think that's something that – do you think at some point in this series we'll kind of see flashbacks and the reality of what was happening? Or is it all just going to be you have to figure that out? We're going to get that Tyler Durden moment, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I th- I'm I, giving I, the beer to nobody. I hope we get it, man. I, I do hope we get it. I don't think that's spoon, I don't think that's spoon feeding the audience to fucking go back and show us that shit. No, I agree. I agree. Especially when you're in a TV series. It, it's kind of annoying when it happens in a movie because it's like, yeah, I've been here. I remember 90 minutes ago. But <laughs> eight eight weeks from now, it would be nice to revisit a lot of these moments. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What, I, what are you thinking, Tristan? Just thinking we still have about five hours left of the show. Like it's like it's like um, I think. Kevin Feige was saying six hours total, like a six-hour movie. Dude, 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 so. dude. Trust me, trust me. Most of this episode, all of our listeners that are Marvel fans are going to be happy to hear that most of this episode. I'll just let you know right now. There's no DC news and there's no um, Star Wars news. This is this is basically a fucking Marvel episode. So if you're not a Marvel fan, you're not going to enjoy this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but I'm excited. It's um, you know, I, I think the. Uh, the reveals are going to come slowly over time. And I think like, I, I just have this hunch that after they get to the nineties, you know, after they pass the nineties, this is just going to turn into a different genre of a show. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it, it's exciting. Like I, I love the week, the week reveals, you know, I love waiting. I mean, we got enough shit to watch people. It's not like everything has to be dumping you at once. I feel like, you know, like when you watch the Truman show and you've got like, the one guy that plays the role of Jim Carrey's best friend and like Jim Carrey's like putting it together. Like this guy's a hired actor and like all these moments were made out to play out on TV. It's like, what if Wanda finds out that this is not vision? I feel like right now it's like, that's why you've got all these other characters kind of trying to like figure out, you know, what is she doing there, you know, and saying that they don't trust her and all this shit. It's, it's like they're doing the interrogating. Is there a moment in this when, when we get the flip or are we going to find out like this is vision, like vision is back somehow. Like I, Jake, I keep flipping. Yeah. I'm leaning more towards he's back somehow. Honestly, it's, it's, if he's some kind of other entity that's a villain then why are we seeing scenes with just him at the office he feels just as trapped in this world if not more trapped than wanda herself yeah but he's a computer how is the magic affecting is the magic affecting him you know what i mean he's a he's a fucking ai yeah yeah i get it yeah (laughs) i no, dude yeah we can talk we can get into the we can get into the weeds on this fucking show if we wanted to yeah they're connected by the mind stone so that's obviously going to play a a role and also just the fact that nobody fucking dies in the mcu you know i i I don't doubt that vision's back um they're making paul bettany a very lovable character in this and and i think people are going to get attached to him and to just find out that he's just a figment of her imagination, I think, is going to piss people off. So, yeah, I think a figment that, of her imagination is better than he's some kind of nefarious villain, though. Yeah, yeah. I just feel that the fact that we're getting more vision than we ever have before, like they're setting him up to be something more than just uh, a decoy of some sort. 
<laughs> I love how often he brings up being a, a human. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. stuff was really funny to me. Uh, yeah. All the eating stuff and the yeah. stuff in the office about how he could work so fast and all these like real tongue in cheek examples of him bringing up that he's a, a carbon life form. <laughs> it, it, that guy that worked with Vision in his office, um, did he remind you of David Schwimmer? 100%, dude. <laughs> I, I You stole the words right from my mouth. I knew as soon as you brought up that guy, you were going to talk about David Schwimmer. He totally did. Oh, my God. Dude, David Schwimmer and Shia LaBeouf had a baby. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my, every time I every time I see that guy, I hear that fucking cardigan song. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like Catherine Hahn's character may be, may be a villain, honestly. Like, she seems very much like an enabler of, like, keeping into the fantasy. Like, she doesn't seem like she's trying to help Wanda see anything but the reality that she sees inside of these sitcom worlds. She's playing the nosy neighbor, 100%. She's working for whoever is, like, on the opposite end of what I think S.W.O.R.D. is trying to do and pull her out of this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I think, just like you said, how they make the beekeeper out to be a bad guy, but he's probably a good guy. I think the opposite's going on with Catherine Hahn's character. Yeah, there is the weird scene, though, in that trailer where she's uh, where she's, like, sitting in her car... And it looks like she's outside of Westview. Like, it looks like Vision has, like, gotten outside of Westview. And she's, like, just kind of very candid with him. Like, you know, I thought you were dead. And I'm just, like, I think she's she's definitely acting, playing a part. And, and you know, she's playing the nosy neighbor. Of course, she wants to get the, she wants to get the dirt on them, you know? She wants to get the scoop. I thought one of the, one of the odder scenes was when uh, the dinner scene where the boss's wife is doing the stop it, stop it, stop it mm-hmm. over and over again. And at one point she's like, it feels like she's directly talking to Wanda and not addressing her husband joking. Right. Yeah. It, it, that felt like a very pleasant moment where it was like breaking the world and she didn't want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That moment felt very twilight zone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I noticed that, you know, uh, it, it it didn't seem like she was addressing the husband. It looked like she was breaking character or something. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of questions, man. It's it's going to be fun figuring all this shit out week by week. Well, I you know I'd seen a bunch of articles about like who the the main villain of this series is going to be, and none of the articles were getting deeper into what other information was out there. And some of the information we talked about last week, Jake, was the Roger Wardell leaks, and. Roger Wardell, if, you know, if you've been following Roger Wardell on Twitter, you know that this guy has, um, been breaking scoops on these MCU projects for a couple years now. I mean, he basically laid out a bunch of like huge reveals from Avengers Endgame, uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and then also Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then, he had an original account at Roger Wardell and then that account went away and he came back as at Wardell Roger. And then this new account started to like drop new, um, possible leaks and spoilers for different upcoming Marvel Disney plus series, uh, Loki, uh, the Falcon and winter soldier. And then of course, WandaVision and, this was a tweet that he had put out on 
December 26, which I don't know. It makes me think like he could be onto something or he may have just, this person may have just had access to the first three screeners. Um, I'm waffling, but I think I'm leaning more towards like this guy is legit. But the, the tweet that he put out was, he put up many tweets actually. He put out this tweet and we talked about it last week. The tweet was, in order to not arouse any suspicions and to blend into the community, Wanda and Vision will pretend to be stage stage magicians known as glamour and illusion. That happened in this episode. Yeah, it's just kind of one of those like benign facts that like how how would he has to have some kind of scoop to know that I guess other than seeing the screeners early, but such a weird thing to throw out there. I think maybe he thought it had more of a meaning than what it ended up having. Well, uh, some of this, some of this, some of the people that get these scoops, it's not like they've seen them, so they're just they've they've talked to somebody else or they know somebody within the production before this stuff actually gets released or whatever and they're spilling what they know just what they've heard from people that were on set and so even the people that are on set they might know they might not know everything about it like you might talk to somebody that's in the costume department for you know like let's say Lucasfilm and they're like oh man we saw we saw a Yoda puppet they don't know how Yoda's going to show up in like, you know, um, The Last Jedi. They just know that they saw a Yoda puppet and it looks like Yoda from Empire Strikes Back and they think that Yoda's going to show up. Same might be here. This might just be like what they, like somebody showed up the set one day and this is, they, they, they were a part of just this one episode and they know about this and they pass this on to Roger Wardell. You know, we just, we don't know. Um, because if it was screeners, he could have he could have given us a lot more detail, right? Yeah, exactly. It, it, what makes me think it's legit is that's what he's leaking. Like that's what he knows, so that's what he's going to tell us. Like, yeah. If he'd seen all three episodes, there's definitely more pertinent stuff to tell us than their you know magician neighborhood names. It, it, oh, go ahead, Tristan. I thought you had something to say. Uh, maybe he was just shifting. Yeah, I was going to say he's just shifting, <laughs> just shifting. Um, yeah, I was going to say the same thing. You know, like if, if if you had access to the first three episodes, which a lot of media did, um, they saw the first three episodes. It's like, why are you? Why is the one thing you're going to say is the most irrelevant fact? You know, in right. the second episode. You know, so. Well, he also tweeted something that we have not seen in the, at least the first two episodes. And he went on to tweet on the 28th, two days later from this original tweet. There is no such thing as vision per se. It will be revealed that he is something else. WandaVision will introduce multiple villains with Mephisto and Grim Reaper being the main antagonists of the series. So there is the one Easter egg that I did see in the second episode of the series where we get the animated intro and we're following visions character in that animated intro and it's following the character and we see a helmet a cartoon helmet and it looks like the helmet for grim reaper this lines up yeah yeah that that was pretty crazy i saw that article as well and the grim reaper 
what they could be setting up. And I did an article on popcultureleftovers.com about this because I saw a lot of articles coming out about Grim Reaper. I saw a lot of articles coming out about how he's, you know, this Easter egg, but I did not see any of the articles com- basically taking into account Roger Wardell's leak and also some of the stuff that came out from the Loki trailer that lines up with this. And if you're, if you're looking at that helmet and if you're thinking, okay, Grim Reaper could be, you know, the main villain, what does that mean? Um, this could be based off of the 1995 miniseries, The Last Avenger Story, where William Maximoff, the son of Scarlet Witch and Vision grew up to be known as the Grim Reaper. And in the comics, he allied with Kang and Ultron against the Avengers. So, uh, we've heard rumors of Kang. And I've also heard rumors of Mephisto. I'm going to get to, uh, let me get to the Kang rumors, uh, Kang rumor here first. And Roger Wardell on the 20th of December tweeted, Jonathan Majors Immortus is one of the timekeepers. Mephisto's manipulations of Immortus will get him to create alternate timelines and to become Kang eventually. Jake, we've heard rumors that Jonathan Majors character they haven't confirmed him to be Kang, but everything that we've been hearing is that he's going to be Kang. We've also heard the rumors that he could be a timekeeper in the Loki series. And this Roger Wardell's leak here kind of like lines up if that's the case, because like we could see an alternate version, an alternate timeline, and we see a Mortis, one of the, one of the timekeepers, become Kang in the comics. And I pointed this out in the article, you know, there's an alternate version of Kang. That's, that's, that's Tony Stark an evil Tony Stark. So, I mean, I can see this happening with him introducing the multiverse. Um, we could get our first. Yeah. Intro- I wonder within the, it'd be cool that if there were multiple Kangs, even within the MCU. Yeah. 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 So, cause I think that character is a, a really fun character because sometimes he can be a hero. Sometimes he can be a villain. Yeah. You don't cast Jonathan Majors, um, as Kang for him not to be a big fucking deal. I don't think so. At least like this guy, his stock is on the rise. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Everything I've seen him in. I even, I even liked him in Captive State, which not a lot of people like that movie, but I loved his performance in Captive State. And a lot of people know him from Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft Country. I just think he's a fucking great yeah. actor. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, and he's one of those guys that can play both sides, too. You know, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's going to be uh, something to pay attention to. I think you're, you're going to get a very complex Kang as well. Well, here's the thing. Basically, we'll see him playing both sides if this rumor is true. Yeah. He starts off as Amortis, one of the timekeepers, and then Mephisto manipulates him gets him to create an alternate timeline, and then he becomes Kang, the Conqueror. Which, okay, where does Mephisto fit into all this? Is there any legitimacy to Mephisto showing up in any of these series? Well, if you go back and you watch the Loki trailer that was released, one of the big things that people were talking about was there's a scene that we see very quickly of... Owen Wilson's character of of who we think is going to be Mobius M. Mobius, one of the uh, members of the Time Variance Authority, and he's meeting with a young girl, and behind them is this stained glass 
artwork on the wall and it looks like he's in a church, but the stained glass artwork on the wall, if you look in the back, like most stained glass, like if you look at it, it's going to have like a religious deity like Jesus or something like that. This is clearly, it looks like Satan and yeah, that's Mephisto's character. I mean, it, I think that it's Mephisto and I think that, I think that there's going to be, I think that Mobius and Mobius is in a, he is in an alternate multiverse here an alternate reality where people worship Mephisto. In the comic books as well, Mephisto plays a huge part in the Scarlet Witch vision saga. Not to say that any of that matters here, right? but I mean, in West coast Avengers, the reason Wanda becomes pregnant in the first place is revealed to be Mephisto's the one that made her pregnant. I think we're going to find that out, dude. I really Hmm. do. I think grim Reaper is going to be, um, the one of the villains in this and i think i i I think it's going to be whatever child she's having in this like we can talk about her creating physical manifestations if she has in fact brought vision back why could she not bring her children to the forefront like real children i know and i know in the comics it was like if she wasn't thinking about them they would kind of like vanish you know kind of like a but they don't have to do that here. They, they, they've done things differently in the MCU. She could actually bring her kids into existence. And by the time we get to the 90s, her son, William, could be much older. And we, we could be, I mean, we could go down this path where he becomes Grim Reaper. And then we find out that, you know... You know, he's got a he's got another father, and that's Mephisto. Yeah, I have a feeling that the Grim Reaper in the MCU will be very different than the Grim Reaper in the comic books, right? I feel like yeah. they're they're going to ignore the Simon Williams of it all. So I, I like your theory of it being her son William that becomes the Grim Reaper. It's still kind of an ode and a nod to Grim Reaper's comic book name Eric Williams, but it's not you know, the exact character. I I just have a hard time believing that Eric Williams is going to get introduced before Simon Williams, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I am. I don't know. I I am really looking forward to how this is all going to tie in. And I think that, uh, I don't know. And I'm still kind of like under the belief that instead of Wanda wiping out the mutants, she could be the catalyst that creates mutants. I don't know if that's going to happen in this show, but I'm not going to say it's not going to happen in this show. Yeah, I, I believe it now more than I did when we first talked about it. Um, have you seen this stupid theory where uh, maybe it's not stupid, maybe there's some some weight to it, but a lot of people think that the, the beekeeper people are like AIM because they're wearing the beekeeper helmet. But and they, then they've drawn the line from it being AIM to Swarm being the main villain of this series, which is like the dumbest fucking theory I've ever heard. If you look at the logo on the back of the beekeeper's back, it's the sword logo. It's the same sword logo that you see on the on the um, airplane. It's the same sword logo that you actually see on a notebook, um, I think. Uh, oh, at in, the very end of episode one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, at the very end of episode one. I think it's sword. I think it's sword. I don't think it has anything to do with aim. Now, we did get the Hydra drop from the Strucker, um, the Baron Von Strucker watch commercial. Yeah, I feel like the commercials are, are, are just fun little moments. I don't know how much Easter egg stock I'm taking in the commercials. Yeah, um, there's a mention of... Um uh, Hydra Strucker, right? Um, and then there's a 
there's that stark uh what was it the toaster or something yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a reference to age of ultron when they were talking about how the stark um uh, uh, bomb or whatever it was was blinking and they were, or, or they were waiting for it to detonate. I don't know if you remember that, but her and her brother were caught somewhere and there was a Stark device that was about to explode and, and you see the Stark toaster and, it's, and it has this red blinking light on it. Um, it seemed like it was a reference to that. Probably was. Well, yeah. like if you, if you look at the watch, um, the, the Strucker watch, it uh, of course it has the hydro logo on it, but the the hands are both pointed to two and eight, and we learned that they live on twenty eight hundred. Twenty eight hundred. Yeah. yeah. Mm, good call. Good call. Like, I thought it was yeah. it was odd that in that toaster commercial, I think that might have been the very first moment we saw any color in this show. The red blinking light. Yeah. I think that was before the helicopter, before any of the the other stuff. So I, I thought that was an odd choice too. Yeah. 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 What's the significance of that? The color stuff, is it just stuff from the real world trying to break through? But it's only scarlet. It's only like red that seems to break through. Yeah, blood was another thing that we saw color on. Yeah, when Dottie cut her hand on the glass, right? Yeah, yeah. Blood, the helicopter, the blinking red light. It's In Sixth Sense, they used red to like represent death. Grim Reaper. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Mephisto is also kind of like he's red. Mephisto yeah. is red. Yeah. Very red character. Hmm. I don't, man, I'm, dude, I love it. And I love the week to week and I love going to the WandaVision Reddit subreddit and reading what everybody's posting there. And I'm just, I'm having a blast with this show and I can't, you know, of course we all want it to stick the landing. We don't know if it's going to stick the landing, but right now I am in for the fucking ride and just the attention to detail that they put on this show and, you know, having these conversations with Dick Van Dyke and like filming it in front of a live studio audience, like they are really going all out on this one this is definitely like you know i think tristan you brought up like this is something we would never get from the movies but like they can do this kind of shit when they're giving us like these half hour episodes uh, were you guys upset at the se- seven minutes of credits <laughs> i had already the one spoiler i had from the show before watching it was that there were seven minutes of credits with no end credit scene yeah so I was prepared to just hit menu and be done with it the 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 seven minutes of credits are just as long as every episode of Marvel Studios Legends. I just want to point that out. Jeez, oh, jeez. <laughs> another really, another thing I find really cool about this show and possibly other future Marvel, Marvel shows as well is it feels like they don't have to worry about creating something that will create a demand for a season two. Like they're allowed to be creative and do these one-off seasons, mm-hmm. yeah. Without the threat of a network, without the threat of advertisers, and so they don't have to like leave off on a cliffhanger. They don't have to set stuff up for next year. And I think that yeah. opens the door for a lot of unique ideas and concepts that you know you could sign different actors that wouldn't commit to doing multiple years of a show. And I just think it really opens the doors to creativity when you're not trying to create this machine. It needs to chug along for seven years. Well, listen to this. If we get a second season of WandaVision, it might not even be called WandaVision. We could have gone through another phase of Marvel. These characters have evolved. And by the time we could we could go three years before we get to see another season of whatever WandaVision becomes – 
because we've also been following this character in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is dropping in 2022 or 2023, whenever the fuck it's going to drop, because we don't know, because we keep hearing about delays. But whenever that drops, I mean, we might not get the second season of Loki for two, three years out. We know it's getting a second season, but we don't have to get. And the second season of Loki might not even follow up from the events of what we saw in the first season of Loki. We might have already been following that character from what that character might be doing in uh, Thor uh, Love and Thunder if the character is in that or if the character's in any other Marvel movie. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin yeah Feige I love that, that so much. Yeah, he made clear that this is a different approach here. Um, they're not shooting these as just TV shows to fill in um, gaps. Like, they're basically six-hour movies, is what yeah, he said. Yeah, yeah. And so these are all just, I mean, we basically are just getting a movie that's being drawn out over two months. Right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's what I think he said that Anthony Mackie has said that about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's like a, it's like a th- three, four-hour-long movie. You know, I mean, yeah, it's awesome. It doesn't feel like a commercial selling machine and it just opens the door for so, so many more creative ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've got, that's, I, I don't know. Did you guys have any final thoughts on the first two episodes of WandaVision? I'm excited to see more episodes and see what they do with further intros as they homage different television shows. Uh, yeah, these episodes could, um, the length of these episodes could be different going forward. Kevin Feige talked with TV line about the episode links. He said, um, this is from TV line. Feige also cleared the air for us on WandaVision episode links, seeing as the first three episodes screened by the press on Friday all hovered around a half hour which frankly makes sense given the way the character's life is presented via fantastically faithful homages to sitcoms from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Once the series begins to break away from that creative construct, as the close of episode three most strongly suggests, running times start to vary more. Yes, Feige assures TV line, quote, that's one of the fun things about streaming. And even on the shows that I watch as a fan, you don't have the rules of network TV and selling ad time where it has to start now and end now. Episodes can grow or shift or shrink or expand to fit the story you're telling. Even in the first three, the links are somewhat different and that will continue through the rest of the show. So. We might get episodes that are 40 minutes long. We might get an hour long episode. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. From what I heard, um, Kevin Feige say is that basically their approach is that each of these prop, these, uh, properties are about six hours and they're just going to divide them in the best way that serves that story. So Mm. in this situation, 30 minutes is working and, you know, maybe the episode length might increase later down the season but like we may get something completely different with falcon winter soldier those might all be hours you know yeah um, or 45 minutes or something yeah, like that. yeah 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 i agree I, I i do like the way that they set this first episode these first two episodes up you know like that's what that's what the sitcom links were back in the day you know you know you had your you had your half hour show and they even they even went to the <laughs> they even went and gave us commercials for crying out loud, which I think is a nice touch. 
You know? Yeah, love the commercials. Hope that continues. Yeah, I agree. Oh, 100%. Let's, I got, we got, guys, uh, we're not going away from Marvel. We are going to finish Marvel news, but we're going to take a break first and, uh, we'll be right back with more Marvel news because we got a fuck ton of it this week, man. <laughs> oh my God. Awesome. Hi, I sound like Morgan Freeman. I bet most of you do some online shopping with Amazon. It's just so easy. I myself logged in today to buy adult diapers. No, I'm not embarrassed. I have zero shame. And I really don't give a fuck what you think. I'm at that age. You'll get here too one day. And don't think that you won't, you naive asshat. One day you too will be just like Jamie Lee Curtis and shitting your body weight and Dan and yogurt and the next thing you know you'll be on Amazon ordering adult diapers saying holy shit that freckled face fucker was right anyway the whole point of this is to tell you that popcultureleftovers.com has an Amazon shopping link what that means is when you click on the link from their website it helps the show it doesn't charge you extra at all you just shop like you regularly would and Amazon takes care of the rest. It's easy and convenient. Just like these diapers. I literally blew up this diaper while recording this ad. Hashtag truth. All right, hey, we're back. I just got an email from one of our listeners. Uh, it's a WandaVision email. from listener good, good timing. <laughs> Perfect timing, thank you. I want to thank Ryan Jennings for sending this to me. And of course, some of the stuff we've already talked about, but check this out. Hey, Brian, just wanted to share some of the Easter eggs I have found that seem significant. Of course, he shows me the picture of the Grim, Grim Reaper helmet. Also, bones. Yeah, there are bones there. There's a spider web there, too. Does that mean Spider-Man's going to show up in this series? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Avenger, and then, oh, uh, the there's a scene of uh, just the, the cartoon introduction with Vision. And he's at a um, water cooler, and the cooler has the has a fifty seven on it. And Avengers fifty seven is the first issue. Vision is introduced. Um, there's also a, a, a shot in the cartoon intro of a vase, and he goes on to say, "This vase seems pretty obvious, but can't figure it out. Maybe you have an idea about it. I thought Thor, but I don't know what the V would be. There's a V on this vase." I should probably pause and send this to you guys. I just paused. I'm going to send this to you guys. Yeah, let me see okay. this face. Face. How low can you go? <laughs> Feel the face. Down. There we go. I'm going to send that to Tristan. Oh, I got Jake. I'm going to send it to you. Crap. What the hell am I doing? I'm recording myself, Jake. <laughs> there you go. See, there's the vase. I'm sending it to you, Jake. Hmm. Are you guys ready? You see it? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Three, two, and one. All right. So we're looking at this vase. It looks like it's got like Thor's helmet yeah. on, and the V 
Do you think the V stands for vagina? Do you think it has anything to do with a pussy, possibly? I mean, there's that chance. I hope we get a flashback explaining how that that's possible. <laughs> could be, could be is half it, of a it, W. Is it Citizen V? <laughs> is it V the television series, Jay? <laughs> yes, maybe it's lizard people that have uh, have them trapped. I don't know. This vase seems pretty obvious, but can't figure it out. Maybe. I mean, yeah, this is a weird Easter egg. It, it's a it's a vase, and it has like at the top of it. Is it a vase, or is it um, something that you would use to mix drinks or something? Hmm. You know, like some kind of drink mixer. It definitely has like a lid. Yeah, yeah, and the lid looks like the Thor helmet. Hmm. V. I don't know, and of course he says. Clock set at 2.24, and he's looking at the Strucker Swiss-made watch. This one's kind of weird. Avengers 2.42 is the comic issue where Vision gets repaired and comes back to join the Avengers. Okay. Yeah, oh, the clock is set at 2.40. Holy shit! He sent me, I said the clock is 2.8 for 2,800. He's sending me a picture of this. The clock is set at 2.42. It's set at 2.42, not 2.24. 2.42, and Avengers 2.42 is the comic issue where a vision gets repaired and comes back to join the Avengers. Mm. Wow. Jake, he might be back. That could be saying that he's back. Yeah, yeah. We didn't talk about this, but a lot of people think that Agatha Harkness plays a, a big role in this, too. And that I've seen a lot of people think maybe that's who Catherine Hahn is, who's the like was the nanny for Scarlet Witch's children, but revealed to be a uh, like a witch character. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And they make it makes sense, too, because Ag- Agatha Harkness, um, A.G. and E.S. are the last letters of that name. And, and her name is Agnes on that show. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, WandaVision leaked Funko Pop. Uh, guys, if you don't want to know any spoilers about this, you might want to skip ahead. And Ryan Jennings says, have been hanging on to this for a while. Was hesitant to share because I'm not sure how real or not it was. Where I got it from, it was removed pretty quick. Not sure if you've seen it, but thought this is pretty interesting. I am going to send this one to you guys right now and i want to hear your live reactions to this as i send it jake you're getting it tristan you are getting it now these are (laughs) funko pops fucking up spoilers for everyone (laughs) wow mephisto for sure and quicksilver is that evan Evan peters quicksilver that's evan peters quicksilver (laughs) oh fuck man they just these and it says it's it's these are funko pops and these are gamestop exclusives this could be fake but that's yeah. Quicksilver, and that is that is Mephisto, and then who's the other character up there at the top? <sighs> Fuck, I don't know. Is that supposed to be maybe Simon Williams? Is that silver headband of importance? Mm-hmm. Character wearing a silver headband. He's got a a black cape on underneath the cape. Black on the outside, red on the inside. Um. I'm not sure who that character is, but oh my, Evan Peters Quicksilver? Are we introducing the multiverse so quickly? Yeah, that's that's crazy. These are definitely artist renditions, though. Those aren't pictures of real Funko Pops. Like Those look like drawings to me. Well, I mean, well, before anything comes out, we get this kind of stuff, like when they send it off to these toy manufacturers. 
Yeah, yeah. I have seen a Funko Pop of um, Wanda being pregnant, and I've seen, like, the actual fully realized pop. Okay. It's definitely Catherine Hahn, the witch down there. You think so? Let me take a look at that. I think she came out in the trailer in the witch costume. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah. I will post this picture uh, on after this episode drops. You'll see this picture on our Twitter and on our Facebook. So at PC leftovers and then on uh, Facebook as well. And I'll, I'll put it in our, I'll post the picture in our fucking show notes as well. Thank yeah, you. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear some listener ideas on who uh, silver headband is. Yeah. Let us know who silver headband is. Um, I send me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at popcultureleftovers.com and title it Silver Headband Guy. And <laughs> let, us know, <laughs> let us know who Silver Headband Man is. It's Donnie D. Donnie D's right <laughs> down. Oh, my God. Are they going to introduce crack into the fourth episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, Ryan Jennings, for the fantastic, perfectly timed email, sir. Jesus Christ. Got great listeners, Jake. I'm telling you. Yeah, shit. They have like fucking ESP or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's jump into Marvel news. I'll play that fucking bumper. Here we go. Marvel news. Jake, I love having Tristan on, man. He's a great guest, dude. Oh, yeah. I'm always excited anytime I hear that's who we're having on. Yeah, Am I really? Dude, you're yeah, fucking great, I, man. We don't lie. You got, great fucking, you got great fucking input, great theories. I fucking love having you on this show. Mm. You, know, you, haven't, you haven't shifted around too much this episode as well. I am so, on my meds. <laughs> always a nice surprise. <laughs> news from uh, Dark Horizons. Ethan Hawke has closed the deal to join Oscar Isaac in Marvel Studios' Moon Knight TV series for the Disney Plus streaming service. Hawk will play the series' lead villain in this comic book adaptation, which is aiming for a March production start in Budapest. Um, May Kalamwa from Rami also stars. What Hawk's role might be isn't clear. Moon Knight's biggest enemy is Bushman, a fellow mercenary Bushman, was also one of uh, the enemies of one of my ex-girlfriends. Jesus Christ. It's that, <laughs> the pubic hair joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies. Jake is like, oh, my God. We just <laughs> Jake's like, we just lost some female relationship there. Brian, that's not, it's not, that's not your place to say that, buddy. We could have gained some. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, Bushman, a fellow mercenary who turned on the hero after he became a conduit for an Egyptian moon god and had to deal with multiple personality disorder. Egyptian helmer Mohammed Diab, along with the endless duo Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, direct the project. Uh, I just wanted to point out that Kevin Feige has confirmed that it will tackle the Egyptian god part of the story as well as the mental illness. So, um, yeah, Ethan Hawke, that's a get. Yeah, holy shit. He's someone that's gone on record as being kind of one of these nose-in-the-air-to-superhero-movies people, too. So yeah. it must have been a pretty big check. Yeah, mm-hmm. or, I mean, they've 
given him a role that he really wants to tackle. I mean, you got guys, you got to kind of change. I think actors need to change how they feel about these comic book movies. When you got stuff coming out like Joker, that was, and I know not everybody liked Joker, but it was kind of like in discussions, you know, during the Oscars and stuff. I mean, it, I think like, you know, some of these, some of these characters are characters that these actors can really fucking bite into and give them something to chew on, something to work with here. And Ethan Hawke, I mean, this guy is very particular when it comes to his roles. Like we see this guy doing, you know, like Training Day. And then, of course, like even doing stuff like, uh, you know, First Reformed, like these A24 movies. Like, um, you know, working with Richard Linklater and Boy uh, and Boyhood. Like this guy, you know, and most recently in the Showtime series, uh, The Good Lord Bird. Like this guy, he's an actor, Jay. This is a fucking actor right here. Yeah, and, and playing a villain in any comic book movie, that's something to, to sink your teeth into. I mean, you really get to just go all out there with that kind of a role. You got Christian Bale playing the God Butcher, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Bale's not opposed to comic book movies, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but it's crazy, these actors coming back to comic book movies. You look at, you, Michael you know. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, another good one. <laughs> I don't think he ever left. Never, never. Like, he's like, I'm Deadpool. Uh, no, I'm Green Lantern. No, no, I'm Deadpool again. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't know. They, 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 uh, they talked with Kevin Feige about, um, I got this from the Ronin.com. And while speaking with Kevin Feige about various runtimes on the upcoming Disney Plus shows, the Marvel Studios president mentions to Collider that Moon Knight will land six episodes, but run a bit longer than something like She-Hulk, which is going to have 30-minute episodes. He also added that the upcoming Moon Knight will fall into the 6, 40- to 50-minute episode category. Uh, a similar episode run in length as 21, 20, uh, 2021 shows such as Loki and The Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, yeah, it's six episodes. So it's going to be a tight, tight six episodes. And, um, oh, my God. Ethan Hawke, that's 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 huge. Yeah, that, yeah. that's crazy, and, and for such a unknown character too, it's really exciting that Moon Knight's going to definitely get pushed to the forefront as far as just people knowing who the fuck he is. Because I think, other than the comic book reading Faithful, I, I don't think it's a character that too many people are familiar with. How how true to the comic is the costume going to be? I bet it's 90% faithful. Yeah, the MCU doesn't have a history of really diverging that much. I mean, there's always usually like a hint of the comic costume in there. They just don't get ridiculous with it. Yeah. Well, I I would say that the the Avengers Captain America costume is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one sucked. Um, I love Even those, that though I was made to look like the Ultimates kind of costume. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. I, I just, yeah, I think it goes down as my least favorite Captain America costume. <laughs> that one, <laughs> just, I don't know. It's just, it's my least favorite. I loved his Winter Soldier costume. I thought it was fucking incredible. 
All of them are great except that fucking first Avenger costume. I I agree. I agree. I agree. (laughs) I remember Chris Evans trying to justify it to um, in the press for Avengers. He's saying, oh, the new costume, it's so much more sleek. And like, dude, this thing sucks, man. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't no one stealing that offset. Only person that would steal that would be Agent Coulson (laughs) to go with his card collection. Um, oh my god Ethan Hawke joining the MCU fucking exciting playing Bushman I would imagine that like in the first episode we gotta get an origin story with Moon Knight like it, like this is not Batman where we've seen like his parents die a hundred fucking times this is um, you know this th- this is Moon Knight yeah you can't do WandaVision stuff where he's already in the middle of some crazy ass shit full of intrigue right like you just kind of have to lay the character out at least for the first episode so I think like when we start this first episode we're probably going to be following you know um Moon Knight who is in the comic books he's like he's an archaeologist and and you know and then and he's probably going to be Bushman who is who might be Ethan Hawke character is is with him and um and uh basically turns on him was he an archaeologist jake uh mark specter i he was already rich right i guess like, it depends on I, yes he was yeah he's one of the rich ones hmm, i'm looking it up i didn't i don't remember the archaeologist stuff yeah maybe i'm making that up Jesus, yeah. it's taken way too long for me to figure this out. Fuck I it. thought it kind of depend on the er- the era too. You I think he, he was different and true. I'm betting Ryan Jennings by the time we're done with this episode will give us the answer. That just is kind of <laughs> the kind of fucking email that this guy's check, <laughs> check your emails. He was a heavyweight boxer before becoming a U.S. Marine. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they that's... stumble upon an archaeological dig, which yeah. is where he. he but he's not an archaeologist. Oh, okay. Right. I I guess just if you stumble across a dig, it doesn't automatically make you an archaeologist. That's bullshit. I know. That I would think that if I stumbled across a dig, that would give me like uh, archaeology credit. You should be able to put that on your resume at that point. Exactly. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> fucking. Just, I'm gonna put that on. People put shit on Twitter all the time that they're this or they're that. I'm a oh I'm an actor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're an extra. <laughs> I dude, I was in a fucking movie. Hey dude, what happened to that? It's still coming out. It's that like they had their they had their premiere. They had their premiere in Rockford, Illinois. That's where the director's from. They had their premiere. They're just looking for a streaming service to put it on now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they had a one night streaming event. And uh they're just looking for a streaming service to put it on now, so yeah. Do you, do you have your own trailer? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am on IMDb though, which is pretty cool. That's dope. I'm on IMDb twice. I'm on IMDb as a producer of the Doomed documentary, the Roger Corman movie that I helped back on fucking uh what was it Indiegogo and then I've got this one for this movie too. So Awesome. 
But yeah, uh, news from Collider. Kevin Feige confirms Deadpool 3 is an MCU movie. He teases R rating and when it's filming, Collider's own Steven Weintraub recently spoke with Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige in anticipation of Marvel's first Disney Plus series, WandaVision. And during their conversation, Feige gave a promising update on Deadpool 3, revealed when filming will begin, and most importantly, confirmed the sequel will be part of the MCU. That's right. When Deadpool 3 happens, it won't be as some tangentially related property with a couple of jokes about the MCU. Ryan Reynolds' foul-mouthed mercenary is officially joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he'll be keeping his R rating. Feige said sisters Lizzie Mulneau, Luglin, and Wendy Mulneau are hard at work on the script with Reynolds overseeing, but Deadpool 3 filming won't begin until 2022 at the earliest. Quote, it will be our, uh, it will be rated R and we are working on a script right now and Ryan's overseeing a script right now. It will not be filming this year. Ryan is very busy, very successful actor. We've got a number of things we've already announced that we have to make, but it's exciting for it to have begun. Again, a very different type of character in the MCU. And Ryan is a force of nature, which is just awesome to see him bring that character to life. So, God damn it, this is, you know, Disney investment came and went, and it's not like it came and went and didn't make an impact. It made a huge impact on me. But one of the questions that I had after the Disney Investor Day was, where's my Deadpool 3 announcement? And I guess, I guess our Deadpool 3 announcement I don't know. I feel like it deserved a – I'm still bitching. I feel like it deserved a little bit more than just a fucking Collider interview. No, I agree. I agree because <laughs> it really hasn't had the impact on the news feeds that it would have had had it been announced at that investor meeting at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I've seen news. the articles here and there, but it wasn't like – Deadpool 3 would have been fucking trending had they announced it at the investors meeting. Right, and to find out if it's in the MCU and not adjacent to the MCU, and yeah. it's going to be rated R. Now, that's great news. I know I am sound like I'm bitching right now, like, oh, it's never good enough for you, Brian. First you're <laughs> bitching about them not making an announcement, and then he makes an announcement, and you're bitching about the announcement. Now, oh, fuck you. <laughs> I, you know what? I do what I want. I do what I want, and I was a little upset that it didn't get the Disney Investors Day treatment. I feel like, yeah, Jake, you're absolutely right. It would have been trendy. It would have been all over the fucking place. Everybody would have been talking about this, but, but – the big question now that I have for you, I'm excited about this. I'm super excited about this news. The question that I have for you, I know, yeah, let's talk about how he's going introdu- how he's going to get introduced. Let's talk about that first. How are they going to introduce him into the MCU? How they, have is gonna- a, they have a task ahead of them and and I don't know how they're going to do it. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't care if I was Bob Iger and Kevin Feige. I would just throw them in there, but Disney has a reputation where they they can't create too much brand confusion. You know, like you can't have a movie that some kids can see and then say, hey, kids, but you can't see this one right here, even though he's connected to the, the MCU. That's going to be challenging for them. Like, I don't know how they're going to, you know, um, fit him into that MCU library without. Well, let me throw this out there here real yeah. quick. We just saw a possible leaked Funko Pop of Evan Peters Quicksilver. Yep, yep, yep. That was what I was yeah. going to suggest. Was Hold on. The- Let me throw this out to you. What if 
what what just what if when we're watching doctor strange in the multiverse of madness we get a multiverse and a really quick funny scene of deadpool going where the fuck am i yeah yeah that'd be a great place to use their one f-bomb in that movie too yes 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 (laughs) you think they would actually use that one f-bomb yes Yeah, yeah, I think that um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to be the thing that unites all the Marvel properties. I'm pretty sure that's where we're headed. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be the vehicle. I don't. I even think that's how the X Men are going to be introduced, as opposed to a House of M situation. Ah, big question here, Jake, and I'm I'm dying to hear what you have to say. Is and after all the back and forth on Twitter. And Instagram or all the socials. Is there a chance? Is there a chance that Hugh Jackman, not saying for the long run, but shows up as a cameo of Wolverine in any of these movies? I think there is a chance. I think he's still a big fan of that character. Um, I, I think once you get removed enough from Logan it starts to become more and more possible. That's the only way I could see him saying no, is that was such a highly respected movie. We all know what happens at the end of that movie. He may not want to take away from that drama, but maybe we could do, we could do a flashback or something like something that took place. We've got news this week, Jake, that Chris Evans had a beautiful send off in Avengers Endgame, And looks like he might be coming back. I'm not going to spoil anything about our discussion about that, but like, I mean, for as beautiful as send-offs are, there's been a lot of back and forth between Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman online about Hugh Jack- uh, about Ryan Reynolds begging Hugh Jackman to come back and and portray the character with him in a movie. I don't know, man. I I I don't I don't see Hugh Jackman doing it for the long term, but I think I think there's a chance that he could come back for one we're getting Michael Keaton coming back and playing Batman for crying out loud in a flash movie. I don't know. Is there Jake? I think you are kind of agreeing with me that there is a slight chance, albeit not like him playing the character for another 20 years. Correct. I I am agreeing with you. I, I think they have to find a way to make it possible without bringing his character back to life. I think Hugh Jackman would be opposed to that kind of reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Tristan? You know what? I feel that the task that Kevin Feige has is that they need to separate themselves as much as possible from the Fox X-Men. I think Deadpool is going to be one of those few exceptions that's going to carry over. But I think they're trying to establish the next generation of X-Men as far as, you know, the, the familiars that we that we know Magneto, Professor X, uh, you know, Storm, uh, Wolverine and throwing Hugh Jackman back in there. Just, I think it's just going to muck the waters a little bit. So when they're throwing Evan Peters back Evan at Peters it, Peters back. Right. In. Hold on. Let me, let me muck the waters even more about a story we're going to talk about here. You know, shortly Charlie Cox, possibly showing up in Spider-Man three. I mean, and then uh, I don't know, man. I would even go out on a limb and say there's a chance that we could fucking get uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, whose stock has exploded since the Queen's Gambit, coming back and playing magic in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and being our magic going forward. I don't know. I feel like maybe fucking Kevin Feige's just cherry-picking what he loves 
from the multi yeah, from what could yeah, be I think, multiverse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he has this this beautiful uh um option now with the multiverse where he can just sort of pick and choose the elements that worked in other forms of Marvel media. Yeah. You know, where he can say, Oh yeah, I'll take me a Charlie Cox, I'll take me a uh Vincent D'Onofrio, you can keep your your Luke Cage, you can keep your Iron Fist, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You can definitely keep uh, your fucking uh, what's the what's the lady from Daredevil that was crying all the time? Oh, dear. Karen. Uh, Karen. Oh, Karen Page. Yeah, yeah. You I can have our Quicksilver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure John Bernthal is going to cross over too. I'm not saying I'm not saying Hugh Jackman's coming back. I'm saying that there's more of a chance now that he's coming back for at least maybe one more movie before they go forward with a new Wolverine, and they'll find they'll find a way to bring in a new Wolverine. Yeah, it's possible. I, I just think that you know, obviously, Wolverine's a character that they're going to want to have a future with. And, you know, by the time they are really deep into the X-Men stuff, Hugh Jackman's going to be, well, pushing 60. Um, you know, so I don't think I think they're just going to try to move on with the next iteration of that character, even though it's possible that we might get a cameo in fucking um, uh, the, the Madness movie. I mean, shit, we got Jamie Foxx coming back. Anything's possible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, what are the chances now that we get the reveal that um, Deadpool 3 is in fact going to be rated R, that Blade, starring Mahershala Ali, a movie that we know is being talked about and discussed, it's going to be in production eventually, will be rated R? Higher. I, I think I don't know though. It definitely better chances, but it's just their hands were so tied with Deadpool. It's almost like they had to make it R or not fuck with it at all. The, the backlash would have just been so severe, and they may still think that Blade is such an old property. The new Blade isn't connected to the old Blade, as far as we know. They may still try to push the PG thirteen agenda there, but I, I think the chances are better. Mm-hmm. Th- that it could be R. I think if Deadpool three gets to come out before Blade Blade starts production and is like the highest grossing MCU movie of all time or some crazy shit like that, then that again raises the chances for Blade getting that R rating. You know, money definitely talks in that kind of situation. But I don't know. I still think it's as of now. I still think it's very low that it gets an R rating. Tristan. Um, I think that the fact that they're allowing an R-rated movie into the MCU, I think that's opening just all kinds of new doors. But like Jake was saying, you kind of had no choice with Deadpool. It's not like you can go backwards after you already have your foot in, you know. So um, starting a new property, a new R-rated property in the MCU, I mean, that remains to be seen. But I think the chances are a lot higher. I am going to go out on a limb and say that Blade will be rated R. I think that Kevin Feige, as a fan of the character, is going to be viewing it as a fan. I think he's viewed all of these properties as a fan. I think he can kind of separate himself from a lot of this. I don't need a fucking R-rated Captain America. I don't need an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy, an R-rated Thor. 
But I think Kevin Feige, now that he's opened up the door for an R-rated Deadpool, is going to look back on the history of Blade and be like, you know what? This is an R-rated character that's been introduced into I know I know it comes from the comic books as well, but like I think he's going to look at what it's done cinematically, and I think he's going to look at the numbers, what these R-rated movies do, and I think he's going to give Mahershala Ali the chance to be in an R-rated Blade movie, just like Wesley Snipes had the chance to be in an R-rated Dead, Dead uh, a Blade movie that that dealt with fucking vampires and blood and fucking you know swords cutting up all of the, I I don't I don't know how you do a fucking Blade movie with all the blood and shit without making it rated R. And I'm not saying you have to have the character cursing and all this other shit, but I, I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say that Kevin Feige is going to, now that he's opened up the doors for Deadpool, he's going to look at blade as a fan and he's going to give us what we want an R rated blade movie. Like we've gotten with the previous three. I hope you're right. I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm not sure when this blade movie is going to come out. I mean, it seems like they're, or the you know TV show, whatever it is, it just seems like like their plate is so full. And we got that announcement almost two years ago. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, but it's been almost two years, and I don't think any track, um, you know, any any work has been done on it to move it forward. And Mahershala Ali is like he's like in his mid forties. Um, I just, I mean, you're starting a franchise with a guy who's going to be like near fifty, yeah. a, a very physical. Look at um, all the fucking roles character. that Jamie. Look at all the roles Jamie Fox is getting in his fucking fifties now. Yeah, I think th- I think Jamie Fox is a little bit more physically in tune um, uh, than Marshall Lee, who's a fantastic actor. Yeah, but I mean, like, man, like you're gonna have to match what Wesley Snipes was doing in his thirties. You know, I mean, I that's know. Wesley Snipes went all out for those Blade movies, especially like with. <laughs> with the fighting and the choreography. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I just wonder, I mean, cause you don't hear anything about it. I just wonder if it's one of those things that they thought was a great idea. And then they just realize practically it's not something that's in the cards for them right now. I mean, you, you just, I just don't see when it's going to come out or how it's going to be anything that we're going to see in the next three or four years. Man, I don't know, dude. I don't know. There's so much that they could do with a Blade series. I, I see him like, I don't know, Jake. I still see him like teaming up with maybe like Moon Knight on a future thing, on a future project. You know what I mean? Get, like, see, that's what I that's what I thought. We're I, I think that we're gonna see him cameo in something like Moonlight before we Moon Knight before we see anything um, yeah. that resembles like a solo Blade series. That would be cool. I'd like. I'd like that. I would like yeah. to see him show up in something. Get the hype. Make make sure that the hype is real for this character. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes it harder to make it R, though, when you start doing stuff like that. Because I mean, even though Deadpool is going to be R, it's going to be in the MCU. I still don't think that means we're going to have a billion Deadpool appearances and all kinds of different MCU movies. I think that he'll show up in MCU, MCU movies, but he'll be bleeped out. I think they'll play with that, man. They will play with that joke, dude. They will play with that joke. I don't know if he's going to be like a, a big character in those movies or if he's just going to be kind of like they'll bring him in for comic relief, you know, like in an Avengers film or something like that. But I think like in his solo movies, he's going to be rated R and they'll bring him into the PG-13 world. And he will definitely give us the fourth wall breakdown of like he'll break that fourth wall and let us know that he's in a fucking PG-13 movie. He might even fucking come out and be like, yeah, hey, yeah, I'm in this movie, guys. Uh, It's PG-13. So it's 
I got to do it. You know, I got to play it. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I mean, like, I, maybe, uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jack. I was going to say maybe it'll be like Civil War and like how Falcon brings Ant-Man in where he's like, oh, I know a guy. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. Deadpool's going to – And Deadpool might even fucking – going to know him. Deadpool might even say like, yeah, Blade's in this movie too and they neutered him as well. And then we'll get like this kind of like weird look out of Blade, you know, like a side-eye glance or something out of Blade, you know? Cause, like, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, weirdo? Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> – like Deadpool is not just a standard rated R too. I mean, it's like a hard R. Like, I mean, they oh. push it with the jokes. But how Dude, do you think? He got, he how got do you fucking, think he got fucking pegged in the fucking right. first movie? Yeah, I mean, he has freaking, you know, he jacks off in a soap dispenser. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, how is Disney going to market that and tell kids, okay, you can see these movies here, but you can't see this one here? Like, how do you it, think that's going to work? It's the R rating. It's it's the R rating. That's what they're that's what they're fucking putting out there that's what parents are gonna but see once once things are on the streaming service though like no one's paying attention to the rating they uh, these deadpool movies i think have already set kind of a precedent that they're r-rated so i think like that's i think there is a bigger kind of like shift when you go from like what i'm trying to say is like there is more of an understanding i think from audiences of deadpool still being rated r but then on the flip side like blade's been all all three movies all three pre- previous movies in that dra- in the in the blade um trilogy have been rated r i just feel that like if you have ryan reynolds character um teaming up with tom holland spider-man <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of you know, uh, middle America moms who are going to be like, oh, that guy that was hanging out with Spider-Man, I want to go take you to see his movie. You know, I mean, it's it's common knowledge to us, but I feel that Disney is going to have to really make it clear, don't bring your kids to this one. They'll break. Oh, yeah, they will. I mean, I think it's going to be that R rating and they might even have it in the trailer. Like, yeah, you know, I'm with he might even say in the fucking trailer, I'm with Disney now. Yeah. He'll break that fourth wall and be like, I'm with Disney now, but don't bring your kids to this. There might be a warning before the fucking trailer. <laughs> Deadpool telling you, don't bring your children to this. <laughs> oh, God. And you know every kid is going to want to see it even more if that's the case. I know I will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, think, you think Deadpool is going to be walking around Disney World? <laughs> <laughs> with mouse ears on? <laughs> Uh, news from Dark Horizons, Sony delays Marvel's Morbius again. So, yeah, having already pushed it back from early July 2020 to March 19th this year, Sony has once again pushed back the movie Morbius, this time by seven months, coming out October 8th. So, yeah, the Morbius the Living Vampire movie starring Jared Leto uh, a scientist suffering from a rare blood disease who attempts to cure himself, but instead becomes afflicted with a form of vampirism. This movie is now coming out October 8th. Uh, get, get that Halloween money if theaters are back open by then. That's true. That's true. You get that Halloween money. It's got to compete with fucking that. It doesn't have to compete with that new Halloween film coming out. Yeah, but I think it's a different kind of audience, potentially. Sure. I didn't uh, see why they did it, too, because Venom came out in October. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. probably, uh, they're trying to have lightning strike twice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm one of the, I'm one of the people that I'm looking forward to the Morbius movie. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't wait to see what they do with it. Uh, Tristan, I feel like you could 
not even give a shit about the Morbius movie. You know what? I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like sitting around checking my calendar, you know, to make sure it's going to come out on time. Oh, man. It's got what's his name? What's his name? Jared Harris is in it. Jared Harris from fucking Chernobyl. Is <laughs> Jared Harris from The Expanse is in Morbius. Are you kidding me? I don't know. I, I, I am. I, I, I loved Venom. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I loved Venom. I'm a Tom Hardy fanboy. And uh, I loved Venom. And, Have you rewatched it? Oh, yes. It's yeah. more hilarious the second and third time. I yeah. saw it. Dude, I saw it three. <laughs> I saw it three times in the theater, and then I know like oh, with A list. Yeah, I, and then Stars had it um, yeah. for a while, and I watched it on Stars. I think Jake, we own it on that Voodoo account, so yeah, it's it's fucking great. Yeah. Ridiculous is all fuck, but so much yeah. fun. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You, go ahead. Do you think? Do you think he's going to cross over Venom? I think Tom Holland's going to cross over. Um, and I think it'll eventually lead to Venom having the white spider on his chest, but I don't think right now Kevin Feige is wanting to have Venom cross over into the MCU. Yeah. We got a lot to deal with. I mean, shit. I mean, we're not even uh, talking about Shang-Chi and all the sequels and things that are coming out. I know. Oh, my God. So, and, and, and Shang-Chi's coming out this year. Is it this year? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just a few months after uh, Black Widow. Wow. I still think it's like the summer. Is that going to come it, out before Eternals now? I think it's coming yeah, out before yeah. Eternals, yeah. Yeah, Black Widow's coming out before Eternals. And I think with WandaVision, I think um, Winter Soldier and Falcon are going to drop right after that, right? Um, yeah. And then, then Loki right after that. So basically, it's going to be Marvel content for, what, the next five months? Like, just straight? I can see when does the, when does Eternals come out? It's hard to keep these dates straight because they keep getting changed all the time, guys. It's not. Like I know, I, I know. It used to be hard when it was static, but now it's like everything's shifting around all the time. It's worse Nove- than Tristan. November fifth, twenty twenty one, which is like you know they've used November for like the the Thor movies in the past. November fifth, twenty twenty one is when Eternals comes out, and then we're looking at for Shang Chi. That is going to be coming out. I think it's July. Um, yeah, July 9th of 2021. Mm. So three movies in the year. We're looking at Black Widow, uh, then Shang-Chi, and then uh, we're looking at uh, Eternals coming out. So three movies, WandaVision, Loki. I mean, 2021 is stacked if if all these things do get released theatrically. And then we get these series on Disney+. Plus. 2021 is stacked for Phase 4. Oh, yeah. After last year, that's awesome. I've been no Marvel content, so right, it's nice to right. nice to have it be back. Right. Maybe that's why a lot of fans are so eh about WandaVision, right? They went a whole year without any Marvel content and then they get this fucking homage to these shows that existed before they were born. Yeah. They're like, Man, I don't you know, if I want to watch Bewitched, I'll fucking watch Bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Who's your favorite yeah. dick? Dick York or Dick Sargent? Uh, Dick Sargent. He's the first one, right? Dick York was the first one. Oh, shit. Never mind then. Pretty sure it was Dick York was the first one. Dick Sargent was the second one. I'm all about, I'm all about Dick York. I'm a Dick York. I like the first one in Bewitched, whichever one that is. I like Dick York, whichever one that was. I think it was Dick York was the first one. Tristan, look it up. 
was yeah, Dick, Dick York, no, Dick York was the guy with the, uh, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, the, the first, um, was it Darren? Was that his name? Darren. Yes. Darren. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. News from deadline. <laughs> we, we, we gave everybody our favorite Dick. news from deadline captain america eyes return to the mcu as chris evans nears deal to reprise role in future marvel projects in a move that is sure to rock the marvel cinematic universe sources tell deadline that chris evans is cleaning the dust off his captain america attire as he is expected to reprise the role in the MCU, in some form. It's still vague whether the deal is closed, but insiders say it's headed in that direction for Evans to return as Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, in at least one Marvel property, with the door open for a second film. Sources add it's unlikely to be a new Captain America installment and more likely to be what Robert Downey Jr. did after Iron Man 3, appearing in such films as Captain America Civil War and Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, thoughts on this, and I have thoughts, I have thoughts, and then I also have, uh, what one of our listeners would like to see going forward with this character. Thoughts on this, um, yes. Tristan. Did you see Chris Evans tweet after that? What did he tweet? This is news to me. <laughs> oh, I'm like, God. dude, I'm like, it, it's deadline. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tatiana, Miss Lonnie. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I mean, I knew Cap would come back at some point. I, I didn't know it would be this soon. And I'm wondering, um, I've heard different theories about where he's going to end up. I mean, I'm wondering if he's part of the whole Chadwick Boseman retooling of Black Panther 2, because they're going to really need some credibility thrown at that film. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's very possible that he may be a part of that. He may be a part of um you know, I just hope he's not coming back to play, you know, a freaking, uh, you know, clone or, or something like that. You know, I'm pretty oh, sure it's going like to be a, something significant. Yeah. Like a scroll. Like a scroll or something like that. Oh, yeah. wow. That'd be fun. I think that'd be cool if that's what they did with it. Well, I mean, flush it out if they do that, you know, with the Secret Invasion TV show. But I think it's going to be something really, um, you know, something significant for him to come back. They must really need him for something. What, what what do you want to see, Jake? What are your thoughts on this? Do you think like, okay, I mean, we can all go back and be like, ah, oh, it was such a such a fitting ending for Captain America. I got to spend out his uh, years with Peggy, and they finally got that dance, and it was just such a fitting ending. I hate to see the character come back. And you know, comic books do this all the time, Jake, where characters have like these demises, or or like we see an ending to a character, and then they come back. We see it all the time in the comics. A lot of people are having a problem with kind of like having the character come back in the cinematic form because they can't separate the comic books from the from the or from the movies, you know, they, they, or they can't um, or they can't or they are separating the comics from the movies. But they want to keep it separate. They don't want it to feel like a comic book in that way that a character can come back. Um, you know, we've we've already seen uh, you know Scarlet, uh, excuse me, Black Widow is died and we're getting a black widow movie mm-hmm. um yeah i'd like to actually move forward and see him come back though like i don't want it to be some flashback thing i i think it'd be really cool to for some big enough reason i don't want to see people go pluck him out of time i want to see him make the decision 
to come back to present day for whatever reason. Okay. Um, if we, I like that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. I think it's just a little bit hackneyed where, Oh, we have to, the only way to solve this is if we go back in time, it's like basically in game all over again. And I think that would be a little bit redundant. What if, um, I'm going to give you an, I'm going to give you an example from, of what I was wanting the show to be. And it has nothing to do with really going back in time. And it also has nothing to do with the character going forward, but I want to hear what you, the rest of you have to say. Um, one more thing. If we were going to do flashback stuff, one of my favorite comic book covers of all time is the Jim Lee Uncanny X-Men cover with Cap and Wolverine and Black Widow all teaming up. And we find out about them being in World War Two together and all that stuff. I, I would love once we get Wolverine in the MCU to retcon that and see Wolverine and Cap and fucking World War Two together knowing who each other are. I think that'd be some fucking awesome shit. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be pretty exciting. That would be cool. Uh, what I want... Okay, hold on. Real quick. Joe Vitali from Vintage Gates got on our Discord, and he mentioned bringing Cap back as a villain. He said, how about evil Cap like in the comics? And mentioned how the multiverse is kind of perfect for this kind of stuff. So remember when we had Hydra Cap? Oh, yeah. How could you forget? Everyone got very, very mad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the that was the Nick Spencer run, right? Oh, yeah. He pissed off a lot of people. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, I, I, I would not be opposed to that. I think like, you know, it would give it would definitely um, give uh, Chris Evans something to chew with playing in, uh, with a villain. We've seen him. Most recently, spoilers for Knives Out. That's something that Rebecca Daling has never said. But spoilers, <laughs> for, <laughs> spoilers for Knives Out. Chris Evans, the villain in that movie. Um, I'm fucking with you, Rebecca. That's a joke. But um, I think that that would be kind of cool. Give him something new to play with. This is what – here's what I would want to see. And tell me what you guys think about this. I want to see a six-episode series we're Captain America. We watch Captain America after the events of Endgame. Oh, God. Term, return the stones. Return all six Infinity Stones. And <laughs> each episode is one episode per stone. I like it. I think that's something that a lot of people have problems with. It's just the logistics of that happening. So spelling that out and seeing that could be a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun adventures to be had, I think, in returning each one of those stones. Six episode series. There's six stones. Let's see how it's done. I think it would be a blast. Yeah, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, everyone wants to see how that Soul Stone return went. Yes, yes, <laughs> with, with with the Red Skull. Yeah. Is there any chance that Wanda Vision? Is there any chance that Wanda brings back the Red Skull? Huh. Mm, I don't so, think there's a zero percent chance. Yeah, <laughs> we, we saw we saw the Strucker commercial with Hydra, and I kept thinking to myself, like, is there a chance, like, with all these characters coming in and and Vision coming back, is there a way could she bring back Red Skull somehow? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It, it'll always be a shame that like Captain America's you know Joker character. Just never really got the play that he should have. I mean, he, he could that, should. Could that could that be his John Wick moment where he's like, I'm back. Red Skull's back. 
I'm That'd be really cool. I'd be here for it. We've only got one guy that can stop this guy. And it's like Captain America. Oh, that's that's fucking awesome, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like Red School comes back and we're like, oh fuck. Oh no. Oh no. And it's like he he's like, I'm back. Captain America's back to fucking take on Red School again. Yeah, that's kind of how it happened in the comics, I believe. Like, um, when Cap was killed in the comics by, you know, he wasn't actually killed. It was time displacement bullets. But it was all involved with the Red Skull and in his scheming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would love to see that character get his due. He deserves it. Well, I would love to just see, um, what's the actor from, um, who plays Aaron? On uh, The Walking Dead, the one that played uh, Red Skull in uh, Infinity War. Yeah, he did a fine job. Oh, he's so good. Uh, Marquand. Um, I can't think of his first name. But yeah, I love that actor. He plays Aaron in The Walking Dead. Played a great, great uh, Red Skull. You know, so I would love to see the character come back. Uh, News from Dark Horizons here. uh, Titled, it's titled, this article's titled, Cox spy uh, Cox spotted on Spider-Man set. So whoa, is, is that going to be R-rated too? Is this going to be the first? Is this going to be the first Chris Evans return? <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm referring to Chris Evans scarred that pussy and his dick pic. Yeah, he's never going to outlive that. He's never. I hope no. Deadpool makes a guard that pussy joke. I. Oh, that'd be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jake, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I fucking love that. Um, A month ago, this is from Dark Horizons, a month ago came a rumor that British actor Charlie Cox might... (laughs) That title, Cox Spotted on Spider-Man. <laughs> I know, that was too much. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, what, a, what an attention-getting title, Cox Spotted on <laughs> A month ago uh, came a rumor that British actor Charlie Cox might be reprising his role of Matt Murdock, Daredevil, from Netflix's Daredevil series in Marvel Studios and Sony's Spider-Man 3. Now comicbook.com reports that the 38-year-old actor has allegedly been spotted on the set of the production, which is currently shooting, and may have already completed filming his role. Reports of his possible casting came on the heels of reports about how numerous cast members from the four pre-MCU Spider-Man films at Sony were also on board to reprise their roles. Cox's Daredevil was the first Marvel Cinematic Universe series on Netflix and arguably the one that had the most explicit links to the MCU films, even if it was only limited to a few references to the events of Avengers. The show was canceled over two years ago, along with all the other Marvel net series at Netflix. And in recent months, Marvel has started to get the, uh, get back the rights to the characters, allowing them to be used again. Not just the rights. I, I think that that is misleading. I think that Marvel always had the rights to the characters. They didn't have the rights to use Charlie Cox as the character. Correct. They had to wait two years for that to happen. Yes, they could have had, and just like there was two Quicksilvers at the same time. 
Yes. Across yes. they they always could use the character. They just but, couldn't use the Netflix version of the character. Correct, a hundred percent. Uh, article goes on to say, indeed, earlier this week, Marvel's Kevin Feige was asked by THR about the possibility of those characters returning and responded that he was open to the idea, quote, everything is on the board. That's one of the fun things about the comics is that characters would appear and disappear and come and go. All of it is inspiration for the future. There are some great characters and actors from those shows. Um, you know, I... What was it? Skylar Schuster or Skylar Schuler from he's like a scooper from Disney Insider posted something on Twitter about how like Kevin Feige was asked about Charlie Cox's Daredevil and he nearly broke in the interview. And if you read the Screen Rant article, they 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 report it completely differently, saying that, you know, he was asked and he kind of like um you know how did they put it? They, they basically say he handled it well and that, you know, he kind of like dodged the question a little bit. And, and, um, I don't know. I just, I feel like he'll show up maybe in court with, with Spider-Man, you know, after the events of Spider-Man far from home. And, uh, he might just be his lawyer, but it might introduce Charlie Cox into the universe as daredevil. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I think you're right. I, I think people are going to be excited, but I think at the end of the day, it's not going to be that big of a deal, at least in this Spider-Man 3 movie. But going forward, he could come back as Daredevil, right? Yes, yes. I, you're opening the door for that, but I, we're not going to see him suit up in this movie, in my opinion. I would be surprised if he did as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be the hint of Charlie Cox's back. Type thing, you know, it's pretty much all we're going to kind of get from that cameo. Um, but it's going to be interesting how they handle him if he is back as Daredevil because it's like those first three seasons of Daredevil set that character up pretty well. And how do you, how do you, I mean, you can't just redo that again, obviously. And a two hour movie, I mean, is that going to do it justice? Um, I, I mean, like, where do you go from here? Yeah, could we get? I think you pick up you pick up where you left off. I think I I mean just like we have to assume people are going to know these old Spider Man movies and characters, you're going to have to assume you already know this Netflix stuff. So you think just kind of going like uh, basically fully formed and um, you know just uh, just hit the ground running type thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I really don't know because, like, there's a lot of other actors and characters that were involved in those Netflix series. John Bernthal's Punisher, you know, we had, you know, Foggy and Karen Page, and we had all that Iron Fist stuff. I don't know, like, you know, Kristen Ritter is as Jessica Jones. I think, like, all that stuff has to be, like, laid by the wayside, in my opinion, and they're just going to go forward with Charlie Cox. I think, like I said, I said Kevin Feige, I think he's cherry picking what he wants to, to pull from. Like these different multiverses or whatever, we've already, you know, and 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 it, God, if we're talking about that fucking Funko Pop, that fucking Evan Peters Quicksilver Funko Pop, what the fuck, dude? Is that real? <laughs> Is that real? Yeah. yeah, that's that's gonna be a trip if that happens. Yeah, and it's like, and it's not like you can just make Evan Peters her brother all of a sudden. I mean, it's. I wonder how they're gonna fit that in. Well, I mean, I think like. 
you know, I don't think that, yeah, he's going to be like her biological brother in this universe. But I think, I think that, I think, I think what, I think what Kevin Feige is going to do is that mutants have, the mutant gene has always existed. It's just, it's been dormant. And I think that Wanda somehow is going to activate it somehow. She's going to activate the mutant gene. Yeah, I mean, they could make it to where, like, mutants have been suppressed or something by some secret organization, and she somehow frees them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I think maybe the only mutant that's been around this whole time is probably Wolverine, since he's been around since, like, you know, the mid-1800s or something, late-1800s, whatever. I think Wolverine's probably been around, but all other mutants in the MCU – have probably been suppressed by, you know, who knows? We might find out that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been the ones that have been doing something to suppress the mutant gene going forward in humans. It's something in the water. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult, though. I mean, because, like, when you talk about Reed Richards, someone who's such a big figure in the Marvel Universe, you can easily just say, okay, he was lost in the, the quantum realm or something for 50 years or however yeah. they're going to explain it. But, like, how do you explain it's such a big figure as Professor Xavier has been here this whole time and doing nothing? Yeah, I think – don't we have to start from scratch? I know, like, are they going to take the Inhumans route? And I'm, I've mentioned this before. In the Inhumans comic book that Jonathan Hickman did, I think it was in a comic book called Infinity, and I could be wrong. It dealt with Thanos' son and stuff like that. But the Terrigen Mist – was released and the Terrigen Mist, all the people that were inhumans on the earth, once they got in contact with the Terrigen Mist, they became inhumans. And um, I keep thinking like maybe they'll take that route here where like Wanda is the catalyst and she releases some sort of magic that like brings the mutant gene to life. And we've got now we're dealing with, I mean, new mutants, right? Yeah, I think that's the better route. I, I don't want to see them do this. Oh, the government's had them locked away or erased from our memory. Or I'd rather just see it all just start fresh. Yeah, yeah. I, but yeah, you got you're bringing up a great question because like when you think of X Men, you think of Professor X. You think of like you know you think of the, you think of the school. You know these are things that you think of, and like these things aren't established in this universe. Right. As far as we know, like, and how, how would they have existed and not been like a focal point in the MCU up until this point? Like how, how, you know, so I, I think, I do think Wanda vision or Wanda, the character is going to be, she is a mutant in the comic books. I know they've tried to retcon that in the past, but I think like she might be like in, you know, at one point she said no more mutants, I think, and, and basically eradicated them. I think in this instance, she might be the one that brings them, brings them to the forefront. Yeah. I mean, if the Evan Peters thing is real, maybe, maybe the mutant gene comes from the other dimension. You hated that idea, Jake. If we were talking about this fucking two years, I didn't ago. say I liked the idea. I know. I, I just I, said I <laughs> bringing it up, You're bringing it up. I know. I know. I'm saying like this is something that you hated. I know. I know. And, and it's not like you're saying like, uh, oh, just because I'm bringing this up, I love this idea now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I, I don't like it very much. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's just such a 
such a tough thing to do. It's like if it starts fresh, then what do you do with all those established characters? Right, right. So, yeah. But I mean, in, in my perfect world, that's fine because I'm not really the biggest fan of we have to touch all these established character bases in the next five to ten years anyway. Like, I, I think the fresh start leads to uh, a lot more creativity and interesting things than just here's Cyclops again. What do right. they do? Do they, do they bring McAvoy to come back and play Professor X from another universe to, like, lead these new X-Men that have been born throughout the globe into this new – I mean, what do you – how do you – how do you – because, like, you, you can't have this Professor X character just come out of, <laughs> out of thin air. Yeah, the most powerful mind in the world just all right. of a sudden was just – you know, so, chilling in his mansion during the whole uh, end yeah. game. So then, do you, do you actually now that we know uh, that, that Evan Peters' character might be coming over because of this Funko Pop leak? Thank you, Funko Pop. You guys are fucking everything up. Thank God they didn't make a Grogu Funko Pop before we got that reveal. <laughs> Everybody would have known. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fabro wouldn't let anyone make any of the merchandise. Thank God. Exactly. So like, so like. Do they bring McAvoy over as like the established Professor X from the Fox universe of Marvel characters? I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Disney's all about making money, and they own the rights to all those X Men movies now, and that gives them license to package those movies up and sell them yet again. You know, right, right, right. They don't want those movies to just rot away and not make any more money now that they own them. Well, Sony is like with all the rumors that we heard from the Sony movies, they're trying to they're basically if they do bring Andrew Garfield, like they're bringing some legitimacy to those movies that they abandoned. Like those movies are important now if they bring Andrew <laughs> Garfield into this third Spider-Man movie. Yeah, those Jamie Foxx and all that yeah, stuff. Jamie Foxx. It's all important now. So holy shit. Yeah. Wow. I don't know, man. This has been an exciting week for Marvel, in my opinion, with all these announcements. It's fucking. Oh, I agree. The new show, um, all these announcements, all these casting choices. Oh, man. Yeah, they're definitely all doing DC this year. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's not saying a lot, but, you know, I, <laughs> I've enjoyed a lot. I'm looking forward to Suicide Squad, though. Oh, me, me too. You know, I, I you know, I don't care what people say. I enjoyed Birds of Prey. I love Shazam. I mean, I'm I'm very split. I still love Man of Steel. I'm very split on the DC stuff. You know, so. Um, but uh, that's all I got for Marvel news. Did you guys have anything else that maybe I didn't cover? I don't know. Nothing I could think of off the top of my head. Then let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we got good pop, bad pop. Cool. All right. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, one of the lowest-ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy tramp stamp Jake. What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. 
All right. Hey, we are back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. You know what? Real quick. I don't think I'm going to put out that Funko Pop picture on Facebook or Twitter, Jake. I, I think it, it's too much of a spoiler. I feel like a dick. If people want to see it, if they listen to the episode, they can send me an email, brian at popcultureleftovers.com, and just title it uh, WandaVision Funko Pop, and I'll send you the picture there. How's that sound? I think that's the right call. Yeah, yeah. I got excited. I got excited. Ryan Jennings, you excited me, sir. You excited me, sir. I was titillated. <laughs> Yeah, we forgot how much of a spoiler pussy community we live in. Well, I mean, yeah, and I don't want to—I don't want to ruin it for anybody just by throwing it up on fucking Facebook or Twitter for people to see if they didn't want to be spoiled about this going forward. So, yeah, some, if you listen, if you—if you didn't skip ahead and you wanted and you heard the spoilers and you want to see that picture, then uh, yeah, send me the email. All right, good pop, bad pop. Um, I watched uh, episode one of uh, American Gods Season 3 on Stars, and uh, it's back. I mean, this is... What a wild fucking series as far as, like, the release. Because, like, you know, we got... The first season, I think, came out in 2017, and then we had to wait about a year and a half for Season 2, and here it is, another year and a half, and we finally get, you know, Season 3... And, you know, the original showrunners for, you know, season one, Brian Fuller and Michael Green, they were fired. And then we get season three. And then on the season three, we get this previously on that, you know, shows like what happened in seasons one and two. And it basically glosses over season two, like three fourths of the previously on is from season one. So if you didn't watch season two, that's fine. I mean, I, I say in my personal opinion, I would say watch the last two seasons of the, excuse me, the last two episodes of season two and you're good to go. And you can just start season three. It's now was season two with the showrunners that got fired. It was, or was it already new people? New people, like they brought in new people, and um, it, it's like the, it's like it's almost like they wanted. It's like they they wanted to bring it back to season one roots, and they've kind of like they haven't retconned what happened in season two, but it's not important. And they've 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 had cast resignations after Brian Fuller's firing and you know the actress that played um, Wisteria she's gone and um, media Jillian Anderson had to be recast so in season two we find out that the gods can change their faces and that means they can also change the actors that were playing them when they need to. And so convenient. <laughs> we had media played by Jillian Anderson in the first season. And then in the second season, we got new media. And then season three, they've now swapped out Crispin Glover's character of Mr. World for Dominique Jackson's Ms. World. And so it's the same character, but a different actor playing it. And it's, I can't blame Glover for leaving after season two. They gave him nothing in season two, in my opinion. 
he was kind of an afterthought in season two. And, um, but American Gods is back. That's the big thing. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like I saw, I watched season one. I even did a podcast about it. And then season two came out. I watched the first episode and then I just dropped off. And then when I found out that it is coming back for season three, it was coming back on, you know, January 10th. I was like, I've, you know what? I got to get caught up on this. And so I did. I watched season two and then they dropped season three's premiere. It starts off, you've got like this, this heavy metal concert at the beginning, and it's like, we find out like this heavy metal concert is devoted to, uh, people that are like fans of, of Odin, played by Ian McShane, he plays Mr. Wednesday, and the lead singer of this band is Johan, played by Marilyn Manson, so Marilyn Manson makes an appearance in the first episode of season three. Um, season three, we've got the new gods. They're still trying to recruit Bill Quiss, um, the god of love, the goddess of love. They're still trying to recruit her. She's super important to their cause, and she's she's being pulled back and forth between the new gods and the old gods. Major, major development here with Laura Moon in the first episode. I'm not going to not going to spoil it, but a major development with her character in the first episode of the third season. And then Shadow Moon is now dealing with who he is, his distrust issues for for Mr. Wednesday. And um, I'm dude, I'm back in. I'm fucking back in on American God season three. I'm going to be watching this week to week. I'll give the first episode a high taste it. And I'm hoping that this reclaims its fucking Tupperware days of season one. Um, but, uh, I'm back in, I'm really back in. This is such a weird kind of like show to be on stars right now. They, they, they started to go with like these female centric shows on their network with like Vita and, uh, P Valley and, um, oh, I can't think of the other one that I really enjoy, but, um, they started going, so this seems like, it seems like it's the odd man out as far as their programming, but I'm still, I'm still invested. I'm still going to watch it. It's just, I feel bad for everybody that fucking watched season one, had to wait a year and a half, watched season two, had to wait a year and a half and we're fine. Like, I'm just, I'm lucky that I came off watching season two fresh, to be quite honest with you, because it's, 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 it's a fucking long wait between seasons on these. Yeah, so you didn't love season two, huh? I didn't hate it. I honestly didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Um, it's not of the level of season one when it was Brian Fuller on that show. Like, it's not at that level, but it was still, it was still interesting enough. And, um, I think that you have to, you definitely have to watch the last two episodes of season two before you watch season three. I think that that's super important, but I think everything else you don't really have to watch because like they, they really, like that previously on, dude, three fourths of that is season one. That's funny. So they know where their strengths lie. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. American Gods is back on stars people. So if you're a fan, you know, get back on it. Uh, Batman, Soul of the Dragon, this released on video on demand, uh, Batman, Bronze Tiger, Lady Shiva, and Richard Dragon joined forces when they come to realize that they share a common acquaintance. The martial arts master that trained them has been missing for a number of years and under mysterious circumstances. 
When a cursed relic resurfaces, the mystery of their dead master reopens, and Batman and his former classmates must face off in the ultimate test of their martial arts skill, uh, skills to gain control of this dangerous relic. I think this is the 40th entry into like the DC animated movies. It's directed by uh, Sam Liu and executive produced by Bruce Tim, and it's featuring an original story not based on any comic. It stars David Guyantoli as Bruce Wayne, uh, Mark, De- Mark DeCascos from, um, he was in John Wick 3, and he's, he's a martial artist, and he's in a lot of movies. Um, Mark DeCascos, he plays Richard Dragon, Kelly Hu as Lady Shiva, Michael Jai White, as Ben Turner, this Black is Dynamite. Black fucking Dynamite, dude. I love that movie. <laughs> Jake, have you seen Black Dynamite? No, dude, you got to watch Black Dynamite. It is, oh my god, I had not seen it in probably it felt like a decade, and I think I went back a couple months ago and watched it on Crackle. But it is somewhere where you can stream it without commercials now. And Black Dynamite is fucking hilarious. It's like this love letter to like the seventies black exploitation films. It's got, you know, the, like the, the martial arts and all that shit. And Michael J. White's a legitimate martial artist too. That I didn't know. Yeah. This is his actual, I think this is his seventh voice acting job in a DC animated movie. Oh, you can watch, it's on Sling. So you, if you did want to watch it now, it's not even on Crackle anymore. You have to rent it for two ninety nine or buy it for 13 bucks. It's great though. I fucking love Black Dynamite. Fucking hilarious, but yeah, it's um, worth the, it's worth the rental definitely. It is. It's really good. Jake, I think you would love it. I think you would love it, dude. Nice. I added it to my list here. I, I put it on my iTunes wish list too. So if it goes on sale, I'll pick it up. There you go. Uh, James Hong plays O Sunset. James Hong, you'll remember him as, um, in, um, what's the movie? Um, Big Trouble in Little China. He played the villain in that movie. Hmm. You know, I must have the girl with the green eyes, that guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jamie Chung, uh, as Jade. Nguyen and Josh Keaton as Jeffrey Burr. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this, this was, uh, this was a new release on video on demand and it's like, it's set in the seventies and very kind of, um, martial arts and, uh, uh, inspired. What did, what did you guys think of this? what did you think of this one, Jake? I did not get a chance. Oh, I thought you watched this one. Did you get a chance to see this one, Tristan? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Um, yeah, I mean, it has that similar um, Batman the Animated Series animation style. Um, for the most part, I mean, it was serviceable. I mean, it was okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna low taste this movie, and, and the reason being is because it's called Batman Soul of the Dragon. There is no reason why Batman's in this movie. Like, I don't see how the hell Batman fits into this movie. Shouldn't it be called? That- shouldn't it be called Richard Dragon? Yeah, I was going to say the main character is the uh the Walmart brand um Bruce Lee guy. Yeah. Um yeah, he's um like he's like the main character. Batman's not even the best fighter on his team. I know, yeah. <laughs> like and and he kills. And he I mean they all kill. They kill everyone. <laughs> it's like why is this guy Batman? I have no idea why they made this a Batman movie aside from the familiarity of the property. Um but I mean it was it was entertaining. I like seeing the team working together. 
Um, you know, I like their, uh, you know, uh, their group dynamic, but there's literally I mean, no kind of backup. There's no, there's no like story leading up to like, why is Shiva this amazing fighter? Yeah, why is she like the the best one out of all of them? And, right. There's and, nothing and, like when you watch movies like Kill Bill. Like we understand why yeah. Beatrix Kiddo is why the bride is the fucking shit. We follow that character the whole time. This one just fucking it bounces all over the place. We don't understand why Richard Dragon's the shit, and we also don't understand why Lady Shiva's the shit. Yeah, and and it's just weird to see Bruce Wayne just get his ass kicked by people. Like, yeah, it's just, that Bron- was just weird to me. Bronze Tigers beating the shit out of him. <laughs> I was pissed off at that man. I was really pissed off at that dude. Like he legit beat the shit out of him, and then just said, "Okay, you've had enough." And and then they have a good laugh, and they're friends. Yeah. Oh man, I give it. I give it a taste. It. I did kind of like how they set it up for like the second movie. You know. Spoilers, yeah. yeah, there's gonna be, they, they're definitely setting up for a second movie here. But, man, I don't know, dude. There's parts I loved about it, and then there's parts I absolutely couldn't stand. And, yeah, you did not have to have Batman in this movie, and I think it did, it, it fucking did a disservice to the fucking character that we wanna see. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was gonna be like a Batman black exploitation kung fu film, and, and it was, you know, like like the Batman genre mixed into that. But it was basically a kung fu story that yeah. just threw a cape and cowl over someone. Yeah. I mean, that's basically all it was. I would yeah. personally wait for this one to drop streaming somewhere. I don't think it's worth the fucking nineteen ninety nine to buy this oh, one. Oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> no, no. These movies always go on sale so fast, too. Because I, I, I buy all these DC animated movies, and it's usually a month later you can get this shit for four to four to ten bucks there you go that's how you're gonna do this one yeah like if, if you want to watch some martial arts shit that's fucking awesome animated watch uh, yeah it, it's not bad it's not bad but, but no i would say i would say if you're going to, if you want to drop money on something fucking watch uh, drop money on uh scorpion the oh know, yeah the mortal combat movie yeah yeah that's one of my biggest regrets for forgetting at the tuppies that shit was so awesome oh man it, it showed up in my tuppies i fucking love that movie man i fucking loved yeah. it dude so good did anybody watch the ultimate playlist of noise on Hulu? Mm-mm. I did. Marcus, an audio obsessed high school senior, le- learns he must undergo brain surgery that will render him deaf and decides to seize control of his fate by recording the ultimate playlist of noise. And uh, basically what that means is like, you know, he's 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 starting to have these seizures and, and he's got I think he's got like this tumor in his brain. And, and you know, once they go in to to take care of this, it's going to affect his brain. It's going to they're going to have to take out like all the, the auditory part of his brain where he's not going to be able to hear anything. And, and hearing aids aren't even going to be able to help him. And uh, it stars Kean Johnson. He was uh, he played Marcus in the movie. He's from Alita Battle Angel. And then Madeline Brewer, she plays Wendy. She was in The Handmaid's Tale. She's also been in uh, Cam on Netflix, the the horror movie on Cam. I think it was a Blumhouse movie. And then she was also in uh, Hustlers. And um, what did you think about this this movie, Tristan? Um, I know the 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 synopsis doesn't reveal everything going on in this kid's life and about his yeah. past, and I, I we can get into some of that. But like, what did you think about the ultimate playlist of noise? Um, I mean, it was a well shot 
well-made movie. I mean, it was very paint by the numbers, in my opinion, until it gets to the end. Something did happen that I didn't expect. But for the most part, the movie was very predictable, in my opinion. And yeah. it's a movie that, that uh, you know, it's just a young adult rom-com that has been done 20 million times before. Um, I mean, the, the actors are good. You know, it's, it looked like it was well shot and, and well made. But, I mean, there just wasn't anything in it that set this movie apart from other films that I've seen before. Um, there's a much better movie about hearing loss, and it's called The Sound of Metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I agree yeah. with that 100%. Yeah. I don't know, man. The, like, you know, we find out, like, at the beginning of this movie that he's got, like, this reverence for his brother who's passed away. His brother had house had got caught on caught on fire and his brother rescues him from this fire and 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 it's called the ultimate playlist of noise he's gonna basically he's got one month to listen to all the sounds that he wants to hear before he dies and he's gonna go out and record them on his brother's old like you know uh cassette recorder well not dies before he loses his hearing before he loses yeah. his hearing i apologize yeah, yeah. before he loses yeah. his hearing he's gonna record all these sounds that he wants to hear before he loses his hearing and one of those sounds is um he finds out that his brother had sung his brother was a musician sung like a like a demo for his punk band and a guy in new york city has this 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 cassette and he's going to listen to his brother he wants to hear his brother's voice one last time before he before he loses his was that guy's email not working yeah no shit (laughs) (laughs) can you just can you just send me that as a fucking wave file dude that'd be cool um but uh you know some of the sounds are are interesting sounds that he wants to hear and he, and he you know there's kind of like a love interest that he meets played by Madeline Brewer and I, I enjoyed her in this movie I thought she was very good I will give this a taste it and there are some like super emotional scenes I think that it was like after he had the surgery and the way that they fucking played that with like you're literally hearing nothing like if you have like the the subtitles on it says at the bottom silence and you get that mm. for a long time. And I thought that that was pretty powerful there. But you're right. Sound of Metal with Riz Ahmed is like, like, um, leaps better than Much. this. This is definitely, yeah. this is definitely targeted towards like a YA audience, a youth audience. Yeah. yeah definitely. Audience. Yeah. Um, so I'll give it a taste that it's the ultimate playlist of noise. It's on Hulu. I would recommend at least watching this one. It's, it's definitely worth a watch. Um, one night in Miami. This uh, premiered on the 15th on Amazon Prime Video. It's um, a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 60s in a room at the Hampton House in February of 1964. Uh, directly after celebrating Ali's surprise title win over Sonny Liston. And it's the first feature directed by Regina King. Regina King's had a huge, she had a huge 2019. And, um, it's from a screenplay by Kemp Powers based on his stage play of the same name. It stars Kingsley Benadier as Malcolm X, Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown. I'm a big fan of Aldous Hodge. Ever since Friday Night Lights, I loved him in Brian Banks, uh, 
what what was that what men want i thought he was i thought that was a funny movie i thought he was good in that um uh, he's the new hawk man He's the new Hawkman. Thank you. Yeah, yeah he's the new Hawkman. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. plays uh, Sam Cooke. And uh, it's also got um, Eli Gorey as Cassius Clay. And I'm just going to start off real quick and say that this is a Tupperware for me. This is my favorite thing that I think I watched this week. Same here. What did? You, yeah, I want to hear what your thoughts are about this movie, Tristan. Yeah, um, it's a tough work for me. I, I loved it much more than I even thought I would. I knew I was going to like it, but I was so impressed by Regina King's um, filmmaking skills. Yeah. Like it did not feel like a movie that was made by uh, Brenda from Two Two Seven. You know, in her first movie. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is like her first movie, and it felt like it was someone who has done this many times before. And just the camera work and and the chemistry between the actors and everything was just was just so well made. Um, the guy that played Malcolm X, that Kingsley Ben guy, yeah. was fantastic. Yes. I thought, yeah, um, he was he was great. Like I mean, it's like he wasn't overplaying the role, and and he was just in this pocket where you really felt that you're watching Malcolm X. It Dude, you get you get lost in these performances. You get yeah. you get lost in these performances. This is one of those movies yeah. where it's like I am not doing anything. I'm not fucking around with my phone. I'm not doing anything. I'm lost. Yeah. And I was really worried about Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. I was. That's a hard role to pull off, too. I mean, not too many people can. I mean, we've seen it done many times. We have. Try to imitate, and I think that guy did a really good job as, as far as getting that early Cassius Clay um, bravado and personality. Down. Dude, him. That was. You're talking about like him and his interactions with Jim Brown, his interactions yeah. with with uh, Malcolm X. I mean, his interact, every, all their interactions, like his interactions with Jim Brown, I thought were amazing because you've got Jim Brown, who's like kind of like a more seasoned NFL player. And he's yeah. a little bit older, and now you're you're, you're at you're at Muhammad Ali at, at the at the height of his of his career after beating Sonny Liston, and he's 22 years old. He's still yeah. super young, and he's still you know what I mean. Like his 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 ego is through the yeah. roof, and this guy yeah. this guy is fucking killing it. As this, yeah. I get lost the way he sounds like Muhammad Ali. If you shut your eyes. Yeah. It sounds like you're listening to the real Muhammad Ali. Dude, I was blown the fuck yeah, away, man. dude. I mean, it could easily come across as a as a cheap imitation or a caricature if you do it incorrectly. And this guy, yeah, he he nailed it. And um Leslie Odom Jr. Yeah. Um, I know uh, I think you haven't seen Hamilton, right? I have uh, not. Brian? I have not. I've I've maintained that Leslie Odom Jr. In my personal opinion, is the most talented person of the Hamilton cast. Over and De- over David Diggs. Over over, Lin- over David Diggs. Over too. Lin like, Manuel I, I, Miranda. Yeah, I mean wow. Lin Manuel is more ta- is talented in different ways. I mean, okay. he's like the 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 creative mind behind everything, but right. he's not the best. See, I think the person who has the best singing, um, rapping, just stage presence overall, in my opinion, was always Leslie um, Odom. And going um, going into I, I've always thought that going into and, this with with his character of Sam Cooke. Here's the thing: you've got you've got Malcolm X, one of like the leaders of the civil rights movement. You've got Cassius Clay, uh, played by Eli Gorey, you know, later known as Muhammad Ali, who's kind of like he's trying to figure out like, am I going to be a member of the Nation of Islam? And 
you know, I mean, that's a big step in his career as a boxer and, and as a, as a, you know, supporting the civil rights movement. You've got Jim Brown from the NFL who, you know, like we can talk about his acting career after that. And we, and then Sam Cook as the singer, you've got, dude, like when I was watching this, like this is based on a fictional story, but I'm thinking about all these powerful black men at this time. And it was like, it was like, it was like the formation of the Avengers back then. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these, these, these yeah. guys are like some of the most powerful, uh, voices in, in black America in the sixties. And they're all together in this room, dude. And I was like, this is like the fucking like Avengers forming at this time. Like, I, like to be a fly on the wall if this was a real thing that happened to be a fly on the wall and to like listen to these it's 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 an amazing kind of sto- it's an it's a I, I was I could not stop watching this I could not yeah. stop watching this yeah and it's it's um I think it's based on a play right yes and um and it kind of the dialogue is very heavy um there's not a lot of um, scenery changes and it, it feels like a play sometimes. But like you said, uh, you get locked into the dialogue. It's not one of those films where you just start drifting off and getting bored. It's because these four different guys are so different yeah. that you're just engaged the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, and I give it a high tempo where I really think that, yeah. um, no one really knows what actually went on in that room, but like just the way that they would kind of, kind of figure out, okay, where were these guys mentalities at this time in their life? Um, and how would they interact? How would they conflict? What are their similarities? What are their differences? You know, that was just really well played out. Um, the eerie thing is how two of these guys had no idea they would be dead in a year. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah, by, crazy thing too. by December of that fucking year. Yeah. Fucking, uh, we lost Sam Cook. Yeah. And we lost, and shortly thereafter we lost, Malcolm X. And I mean, um, there is there. The only one that's still around is Jim Brown. Jim Brown's still alive. Oh man. After seeing this, I'm like, man, someone needs to (laughs) get that guy in a room and just spill what happened in this. Pick his brain, man. Pick his brain. I mean, and you know, Jim Brown, you know, they talk about his, um, his acting career and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I, I, the movie that they were referring to that he did while this was going on in, in, uh, 1964, that was Rio Conchos. And then like mm. three years later, he did one of my favorite world war two movies to this day, the dirty dozen, yeah. you know, and he went on to have like, this guy was OJ Simpson before OJ Simpson was OJ Simpson. And he didn't kill his wife. You know what I mean? Like, right. This is like this, this fool retired at 29 too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're in your, you're in your fucking physical prime between 27 and 29. He was like the best football player in his prime and then just retired. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to take on acting, man. And it's, and yeah. he, and he had a decent acting career and he's, he's, he's still been working up until, I mean, most, uh, pretty recent to be quite honest with you. So yeah. 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 He was, um, he was in some black exploitation films as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he's someone that you don't, I don't think gets enough props and, and accolades as, you know, he's still one of those living legends that we don't talk enough about. This is basically, you've got Malcolm X talking to these guys in this room in the Hampton Inn about how powerful they are and what they should be doing to help the civil rights movement. At the same time, you've got Malcolm X who's kind of like basically on the outs. 
of being part of the nation of Islam and he's about to leave the nation of Islam and not be a part of it. And he's, he's worried for his life. And you can tell that in this documentary that he's worried for his life. He's worried for his family. And, um, you know, he's trying to get, he's trying to get powerful men behind him, you know? And, um, it's dude, I, going into this, I kept thinking to myself, like, they're really not going to do a lot with Sam Cooke. And I was blown away with what they gave Leslie Odom Jr. in this movie. And yeah. just like the interactions that he had with Malcolm X in this one moment, I'm thinking like Malcolm X is right. The next minute I'm thinking Leslie, I'm thinking Sam Cooke is like, oh my God, he's making a point here. He's making yeah. a, he's making a huge point here where they, where they talked about, um, he talked about getting royalty checks from the, from the Rolling Stones. Yeah. That part there, I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I know. He, he basically says, um, you know, I, I had a Bobby Womack sell his song rights to the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And he said that guy was sad for six months until those royalty checks started coming in. Right. Right. (laughs) He's like, he's like, um, you know, first Malcolm X is kind of criticizing them. Like, why are you, selling these guys art and he's like do you know who makes more money the guy who who wrote the song um that went number 94 for the black artist or the guy that <laughs> hits number one for the white artist that right. guy's making the most money exactly so, yeah so it's like he's basically they're both they're both fighting the civil rights struggle in their own way in their own know? way and here's the yeah. thing like you've got you've got um malcolm x who throws it in his face like Bob Dylan wrote this song that you should have wrote about the struggle. A, yeah. a white man is writing a song about the struggle that you should be writing. And it's like that did kind of like, you know, and that's one of those things I think in the back, in the recesses of Sam Cooke's brain, like he knew that, that that's the song that he should have been writing. You know, he's writing like all these fucking like Justin Bieber songs where it's all about, you know, love, love, love and all this bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like yeah. you should be writing these songs that speak from like, you know, um, for, for, bla- for all black people, you should be giving black people that voice at this time and not just trying to fucking play at these places where, you know, you're trying to get accepted by white people who will never accept you. And I think that goes back to like one of the first, one of the earliest scenes in this movie when Aldous Hodge shows up at, uh, Bo Bridges, um, oh, man, yeah. house at, in, in Atlanta. And I did not see that scene going where it went. And when it went where it went, I was like, oh, my God, what a fucking piece of shit. I thought that, like, I thought Bo Bridges' character was going to be an ally in that moment. And you find out he's, like, the worst of the worst. And, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was basically trying to show you that no matter how great of a football player you are, no matter how revered and admired you are, yeah. you're never going to escape the fact that you're black. Yeah. Like that's basically what that whole scene was about. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, it was a good movie. It was just something Dude, that it was a great movie. And I don't think people are giving Regina King the credit. And I don't think critics are giving this movie the credit that it deserves. I've heard critics come out and say, Oh, it's a great movie. Regina King. This is a first great entry. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. It's, I, th- in my opinion, this is one, this is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. Yeah. I agree. Jake, you gotta watch this, dude. It's yeah, I can't wait to see this. I, I'm a giant Sam Cooke fan. Even the even the Bieberish stuff that he does. I mean, Cupid is one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, on top of that, he's got a change is going to come and a lot of other stuff that was really important. But oh yeah, what a fucking travesty! I mean, he was like in his early thirties when he died. And yeah, yeah, you know what's crazy is I've actually just out of curiosity just driven around the spot where he died, and you know, just because I I'm just a freak like that, I just like seeing famous places where these events happen. Um, it's not too far from where I live, but yeah, wow. it, was, it was a tragedy. It was just a very I mean, he had a thing with women and, you know, all kinds of issues with that. But, yeah, I mean, he had a tragic end. Mm. Yeah, I think there was still a lot of great music to come from him, though. I don't, I don't think he, by any means, peaked on, on his music. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. This- yeah, yeah. And, and Leslie uh, Odom Jr. is yeah. actually singing the songs in this movie and he sounds so so much like the tracks like this sam cook tracks i was wondering that dude because i was like is this are they pulling this from sam cook recordings or is this actually leslie Odom? he's actually live singing or not live singing but he's actually re-recording those songs yeah that's incredible uh this was yeah. my favorite thing that we watched this week this was um i will watch <laughs> i will watch this again and i'm dude i'm so glad to see aldous hodge fucking getting great roles and becoming this actor that like you know when you watch friday night lights and he pl- he plays voodoo in that you're just like you know he's just like this brooding kind of like you know badass football player you never know that he has this kind of range and then you, you start watching you know some of his movies brian banks i loved brian banks i thought brian i saw that in the theater and i was just like oh my god you know i dude i root for everybody that was in friday night lights i love that whole ensemble cast kyle chandler um, Adrian Palicki, uh, Taylor Kitsch, Aldous Hodge, uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Journey Smollett Bell, that whole cast, anything that they do coming out, it's, it's awesome to see, like, you see, like, shows like Freaks and Geeks where you got, like, you know, James Franco and Seth Rogen and, and, uh, Sam Levine and I'm trying to think, like, all the people that came out of Freaks and Geeks that were huge, you see, you, I'm all, you're also seeing that with Friday Night Lights. It's like they had lightning, mm-hmm. they had lightning in a bottle with that fucking show. And Aldous Hodge, even though he played like a small part in that show, has really turned out to be a great actor. I thought he was great as Jim Brown. When he, when he, when he, when that, when that fucking, um, uh, one of the, one of, uh, the Nation of Islam, um, guys kind of like went up against him, try like, you know, going toe to toe. I was like, dude, you do not want to go up against Jim Brown right now. <laughs> Did you recognize that was the guy from uh, John Wick? Who's yeah. The hotel. The hotel guy from John Wick. Yeah. 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 I Tupperware the fuck out of this. Everybody needs to watch it. It's on Amazon and it's called One Night in Miami and Regina King directs it and, uh, this definitely might come up for this year's tuppies, Jake. It is, it is, it is, it's worthy. You need to watch this one, man. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I, every time I watch anything on uh, Prime, they've been showing trailers for it, and it, it looks really incredible. Yeah. Outside the Wire on Netflix, uh, a team of U.S. Marines are ambushed in a DMZ in Ukraine in 2036. So this is set in the future in 2036. Uh, as they ask for support, a lieutenant who is a drone pilot disobeys a direct order and launches a drone strike. Two Marines are killed in the strike, but 38 are, are saved. 
as a as punishment, the pilot gets sent to a new post in Ukraine. Here he meets a captain who is highly advanced, an experimental biotech robot that looks like a human being but really is an advanced super soldier. This one stars Anthony Mackie. He also serves as a uh, producer on the film. He plays the android officer who works with a drone pilot played by Damson Idris to stop a global catastrophe. Um, I also want to point out that former pop culture leftovers guest Emily Beecham is in the movie as well. So we've had her on the show in the past. I interviewed her years ago when she did Into the Badlands, and she's in this movie. Um, did you get a chance to see this one, Tristan? Yeah, I saw it. Outside the Wire, what did you think? Um, I thought that this was a movie. from the from the chappy universe comes outside the wire it seems right Um, dude i kept feeling like this was like a sci-fi version of training day that just didn't land the way that they wanted it to land yeah i mean it wasn't terrible i mean we have um anthony mackie i mean he's not happy being Falcon and Captain America, he has to be fucking Bucky too. It seems <laughs> he's basically the Winter Soldier. Um, he was like the most un-android android I've ever seen on film. Yeah, like, like he was basically a robot, but there was nothing really about him that was android-like. He just seemed like a very enhanced human. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we got Euron Greyjoy from um, Game of Thrones in this thing. Um, it was it was okay. Um, it didn't hold, I mean, I was getting kind of bored to be honest with you. And I was looking at my phone. I was you know, doing could, all kinds of other shit. They could have easily cut out 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm going to give it a low taste it. I'll give it a taste it. There's, there's some stuff that I really enjoyed in this movie. There's I, I, what I really liked about this movie is like, you've got this young Marine who's this drone pilot and him just kind of like, Nobody knows that Anthony Mackie's character, this captain, is this biotech robot. Nobody knows. It's very classified. He looks superhuman. And if you shake his hand, his hand is warm like a human. The rest of him is cold. Like they made him to where he would come off. Like he, when you meet him, he, he's very much like a human. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you. Don't fucking even look at the poster for this one. The tagline on the poster gives away the fucking the movie. Don't like like if you want to go in just fresh, don't read anything. Uh, don't eat. Don't 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 look at the poster. Um, but I love the interactions between those two. And when the when when this young kid kind of like realizes that he's uh he's this robot, and I just love the the interactions between those two. Um, some of the other stuff, I was just kind of like, it was just not as interesting. They could have cut out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no reason for this movie to be two hours. Yeah. Um, and, um, the leads are okay. I mean, like the, the main guy, he's, um, uh, what is he on that? He's on that show, uh, Snowflake. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah. He's great. He's, um. He also had a really good episode in the uh, Black Mirror series as well. Snowflake is that uh, the FX series about cocaine? Yeah, okay. yeah, John okay. Singleton. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He's um, 
mean, he's a decent lead and all that, but like you said, it, certain movies just um, they sometimes need something that just kind of pushes it over the edge. Yeah. And this movie was just like in this zone where I wasn't turning it off, but I also wasn't glued to it. Yeah, I thought <laughs> some of the action, like when Anthony Mackie's character does start doing some of this action like it's kind of reminded me of like you know he's doing like this fast paced action it reminded me of like john wick meets upgrade and he's fucking you know taking out people and i was like some of that looks it visually it looks cool they introduce these robots that the u.s military have invented called gumps and they're kind of like the ed-209s you know if we're talking about robocop they're kind of like the ed-209s in this where like these you know they, they can send out these robots um, to, to fight their battles for them. And, uh, that was kind of interesting. I don't think that they did enough with them to be quite honest with you, but, uh, it's a taste it. Yeah. It's a taste it overall. It's nothing that like, you know, I mean, I think bright was even a better movie from Netflix and it's not yeah. like, it's not like I'm begging to see more bright stuff, but I think we are getting more bright, but, um, this is one of those where it's like, I don't, I don't even care if they revisit this movie at all. It was, it was, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it exists. I'm glad that I was able to watch it on Netflix and not pay to see this in the theater. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, that, that's, that's about it for Outside the Wire. Yeah. Next. Black. <laughs> Next. Be- I did not add that to my list. <laughs> do not, do not. But you got, oh god, you gotta watch One Night in Miami. So fucking good. Um, between Black and Blue on, uh, this is a video on demand. You can get it on Vudu. You can get it, I think you can get it many places. Between Black and Blue, it's a uh, documentary. Um, Tristan, did you get a chance to see any of this? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's a true crime documentary series explores the extraordinary story of two New York City detectives who are convicted of the sensational 1975 murder of a Denver businessman. Their decades long fight to clear their names and the hunt for one of the confessed gunmen who may hold all, who may hold all the answers, a man placed into witness protection by law enforcement over 40 years ago. It's directed by Sheldon Winston, uh, Sheldon Wilson and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a documentary and, uh, we've got, um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. One of our listeners is actually his, it's his, it's his father that is in this movie, Mike Borelli. And it's his father that's in this movie. He wanted us to watch uh, this documentary series, a four-part documentary series. Um, I've watched the first two parts. Jake, I know you watched the first two parts. I'm going to finish it. Um, how much did you get to watch, Tristan? I watched all four. Nice, nice. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Um, Jake, what did you think about Between Black and Blue? I liked it a lot. I'm going to give it a very high taste. It. Uh, I thought it was a great crime doc. Um it made me want to watch the next episode at the end of each one. It just, man, it was so messed up how like the popularity of the Godfather films really came into effect and messed this guy's life up. Yeah. Like I I just couldn't believe like how movies could bleed over into real life and bring this awareness and sensationalism to this guy that it did. I mean, I feel like if that movie would have never came out, he never would have got convicted for this crime almost. Even. Right. Yeah. It's so fucking bizarre. And it's just, um, man, you just wonder how often this kind of shit happens. Like how, just how many people get locked up or in trouble for things they had nothing to do with whatsoever. So, and you could, 
it was very interesting the people that chose not to be interviewed or take any part of this. Yeah, yeah. Almost had a lot to say about what was real than the people that did show up. And, well, the fucking well, even the guy that did show up that was like the fucking uh, detective out in Colorado, like everything he said, it was like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Come on. Like that guy, that guy was frustrating as hell. Like, uh, he, he drove me crazy. I, I thought that this is, I, this is fascinating. I can't wait to watch the, the final two episodes of this because yeah, it's crazy. Like how they wanted to just peg this on someone and it's clear who did it. And yet they're going after the wrong people. And, um, I don't know. I, 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 I think it's incredible. What do you think, Tristan? You watched all four episodes. Yeah, um, this thing made me sad, man. It's like, it's one of those situations where, you know, I, I understand that there's disparities as far as um, sentencing and, and, and convictions um, along racial lines. Um, but, like, you, we have these two innocent guys, uh, one black guy, one white guy. They're both convicted of this crime they have nothing to do with there's no evidence against them at all and the guy who is somewhat affiliated with this murder is given a thousand dollars and told to get lost like it's just <laughs> the weirdest shit and and man like i just really felt for for both of them and and especially bob davis the black guy who's basically just sort of affiliated with with uh um mr uh Borelli. Um, they're just friends and he just somehow gets wrapped up in this thing. Um, that guy, Bob Davis, man, he had just the kindest eyes. Too. Yeah. And it seemed, mm. he, he seemed so like, like he didn't, he wasn't as pissed off as he should be, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, he was just kind of like, almost kind of like in his face was just sort of like, well, that's fucked up. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to have to go to prison for something I didn't do. You know, it's like, you know, I really felt for him and his family and the fact that this was done to them and, um, I'm not going to spoil what happens at the end, but man, like, it's just not a happy ending, mm. you know, and it's and it just makes me upset that this system exists. And like Jake was saying, like, not everyone gets a fucking documentary <laughs> like this happens all the fucking time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This I, I thought it was interesting how they talked about how, you know, they decided what they wanted the outcome to be and then they just kind of molded all the evidence to fit the verdict they'd kind of already decided mm -hmm. rather than let the evidence speak for itself like they always found an excuse to make the narr the evidence cram into the narrative that they'd created and just fucking wild yeah bob davis was just there to visit his friend and then they pin him on this murder and then you know, the, the way that the gun disappeared in the sewers, like these guys, they're cops. They know like that's, that's how, you know, like, like these guys are cops. They know that they, they, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't throw the gun in the sewers like that, like a, like just a common criminal would. Yeah. He said they laughed when they heard. Yeah. Thrown in the sewers. Cause he, he said Bob himself had talked about like, or they would go actually comb the sewers. Mm-hmm. To find the weapons, and more often than not, they, that's where they would find them. Yeah, and the, it, like the gun was like uh, they found it in a sewer that was close to like where Dupree lived, right? The guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. They fudged all the time, like you said. He was visiting his friend, and yeah. that was like 
that was like a week and a half, two and a half weeks before the murder happened. And, oh, so they just crammed that to fit the narrative. He was there staking the guy out, trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that this documentary gets picked up by, like, Netflix or Amazon or something. Because, like, right now you have to rent all four parts. I hope that, you know, Netflix or Amazon picks this up and more people can get eyes on this. Because I, I thought it was, uh, I think I think it's pretty fantastic so far. Yeah, very well produced. Um, very well done. Yeah, I want to, uh, one of our listeners like he he it's his father that's portrayed in this documentary and he wanted us to watch this and I definitely think that this is I I definitely think this is something people should be watching. If you're into true crime, this is right up your alley. It's called Between Black and Blue and and you can get it on Vudu. I'm sure you can just go to the Just Watch app and you can find out where all the different places where you can uh, purchase this. I thought it was really harrowing hearing about the uh the guy that was murders murdered's wife and that tale oh, was, God. was really crazy. Yeah. And even her herself didn't think that those two were the killers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The one witness to it is basically saying these guys didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And then they, you know, they, they find a way to make that fit the narrative. She was taking pills to go to sleep. So she obviously doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. I mean, it's sad. It, it all boils down to people who just don't want to fucking do the work and investigate. Right. And they're just like, it's easier just to pin it on someone. It's terrible. Yeah. And, yeah. and they talk a lot about that whole unit that was created. And it was basically like them making this crime fit that narrative was a way to justify them having the the crime unit that they had. So it's just all to move checks, you know? This guy just wanted to fucking move to Colorado and make pastries in his retirement. <laughs> you know, that's what it came down to. Yeah. He was not this, he was not the mafia crime boss of Colorado that they made him out to be. And it, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Between black and blue, I give it a, um, I give it a high tasted as well. I got to finish this. What, what did you rate it, Tristan? Uh, high tasted. Lockdown on HBO Max. Uh, Lockdown follows a couple who plan to execute a heist of a jewelry store. It was entirely written, financed, and filmed amid the COVID-19 pandemic. It's directed by Doug Lyman and written by Stephen Knight. Stephen Knight from uh, Peaky Blinders and FX's Taboo with Tom Hardy. The film stars Anne Hathaway and uh, Chuetel Ejiofor. Um, with Stephen Merchant, Mindy Kaling, Lucy Boynton, Mark Gaddis, uh, Clayus Bang, Ben Stiller, and Ben Kingsley in supporting roles. And, um, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna give this, um, I think there's a great movie in here. Guys, is this, is this, if this movie came out 10 years from now, would it be a better movie? Or is, no. or, Hold on, or <laughs> would it be a better movie? Or right now, or is it just a gimmick because it's the pandemic? Mm, I, it's definitely it definitely felt like a gimmick because of the pandemic. I I don't think it being a period piece ten years in the future makes it much of a better movie, though. Okay, okay, okay. I did some research on this film because. I don't know if you know where the you know the film shifts at one point and it just turns into a completely different movie. And I was wondering 
okay, is this the real movie? And they just had COVID restrictions and then just started building this different other story. Like I wasn't even sure if that's what happened. Right. But it just it just felt like two different fucking movies. Like mm-hmm. the first 70% is completely different from the last 30%. And, and it was weird because, I mean, this is like the first real big studio COVID era movie about COVID. And, um, and it, I thought it was weird that it was very, it felt like lockdown. It felt like COVID restrictions. But if you look at that last 30% of the movie during the, the, the heist part of the film, like not every, like no one's wearing masks. No one's wearing masks. It's, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, I don't know. I I just kept you know like Jake. I kept thinking like you know it's like it felt like very gimmicky gimmicky to me because it's like you know the movie that's filmed during the COVID nineteen pandemic lockdown and, about the lockdown. Right, 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 and. And like, if you read the synopsis, it's talk, it talks about this jewelry heist. But if you watch this movie from the get go, you have no idea that this movie's leading to a jewelry heist. No, no. I did not read the synopsis before watching this movie. And yeah, it was, it was quite a left turn that that's where it went. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was going to be like about this couple and how their relationship has been affected by the lockdown. They were getting ready to break up and now they're forced to live together because of the lockdown. And like, will they, will they, or won't they, you know what I mean? And it was not that it really wasn't that it turns into this jewelry heist. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, it's like, does the movie get good when it gets to the jewelry heist or does like, is that where the movie falls apart? And I don't know, man, I just think like none of it worked too well and what's fucked up about this is like it comes from some of my favorite people i love mm-hmm. i love stephen knight i love fucking doug lyman i think Anne hathaway is a pretty damn good actor i love chuetta edgia for i've been they're a big, too good for this movie they are, they're definitely too good for this movie for <laughs> <laughs> like he like his character like in his acting and and the way he delivers his dialogue like it's like it's almost like he was taking it too seriously. Like, I'm like, dude, like this movie is not that good. You need right. to tone it down. <laughs> that's where, that's where I feel like the gimmick came in. Like, it's like yeah. guys were filming the, we're filming the fucking, the pandemic movie that's, we're filming it during the pandemic. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's where the gimmick kind of like plays into this. And I don't know, Jake, that's why I asked that question is like, you know, 10 years from move. I think we all can like, I think 10 years from now, any, and we're going to see a lot of this in Hollywood. We're going to see a lot of this in Hollywood. 10, 15 years from now, we're going to see a lot of movies where people are wearing masks and we're going to be like, Oh, this takes place during the 2020 period. This takes place yeah. during 2020. I think we're going to see a lot of this going yeah, forward. It's really, it's really hard to enjoy this kind of movie when we're still in the thick of it. Right. It's, like, I just don't, I don't want to fucking escape into more COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. Will this movie get better as time goes on? I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a good movie. I I, I fucking hated this movie. I'll give it a low (laughs) taste. It sounds like Jake's tossing this movie. I am tossing this movie. I, I hated it. I think there was a good idea for a good movie here. I agree with that. I did not like how light and fluffy, the relationship was kind of played for on screen. I, I didn't think it ever felt 
serious or dramatic. And I think the idea of a couple that was going to split up right before the lockdown happens and then being locked in a place together could be a very dramatic and interesting concept for a movie. But here it was almost like played tongue in cheek and for last for most of the movie. It, it didn't feel like the movie took itself very seriously. And I thought that was a disservice to the movie. Like it just couldn't find its feeding as far as thematically. Um, one of the scenes that I did like was when, um, Paxton finds Linda smoking again and she has a big monologue about what caused her to start smoking again. I thought yeah. that was one of the only really decent scenes in the entire movie that where I actually felt like the humanity of it all and it didn't just feel cheesy as shit. Um, I agree with Tristan <laughs> that Chuittle kind of played it like way too hard like the stuff with him reading poems to the street and stuff i just thought so much of it was just over the top and unrealistic in a movie that i thought its strengths lied in being as realistic as possible especially with the relationship factor and the will they won't they break up of it all and i thought the end was so fucking terrible yeah where she basically is just like I think I'm falling back in love with you. And he's like, Oh my God, are you? And then they're back together. And this was just a spoilers. I mean, dog crap. Yeah, I don't care. About that. I don't, whatever I have to say to stop people from watching this movie, I will say because this was a duty awful. to stop people. Jake is basically yeah. like Han dies. Mike drop. <laughs> yeah. Except Han dies was, was, a movie that people cared to see and should have seen. Yeah, um, yeah. This, this is one of the worst things I think I've ever watched for the podcast. Yeah. And it was long too. Yeah. It was way too long. Way too long. Yeah. Fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and those zoom cameos were annoying to me. I'm like, okay, you're just telling, I bet Ben Stiller is doing this from his house. Yeah. Ben Stiller, Mindy Kaling. Um, I was surprised that we even saw Steve Merchant show up in this movie later. Yeah. Oh God. The character that they get to lie for him and his whole monologue. About that was terrible. Lie. Fuck that. Oh God, that was good. Smash that, my head against a coffee table. That was, this that was, was so bad. That was the worst part of the fucking movie when they got that character in there. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Did anybody, Tristan, what are you rating this thing? Low tasted. Low tasted. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, did anybody get a chance to see his house on Netflix? You know what? I saw it a couple months ago. Really? Trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was out around the, um, like Halloween era. I kept, I kept hearing, yeah. I kept hearing about this movie. And so I was like, I know I'm a little late to the party, but I, yeah. I kept hearing about this movie and I was like, Let's cover it. Let's fucking cover it this week. It's a refugee couple making uh, a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war torn South Sudan. But when they struggle to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface, it's written, direct, uh, written and directed by Remy Weeks from a story by Felicity Evans and Toby Venables. It stars one Moo Masaki, uh, excuse me, one Moo, one me. Mosaku, and he's uh, one of the leads in um, the Gangs of London series by Gareth Evans, which is phenomenal. Uh, Soapy Dirisu from Lovecraft Country, and then Matt Smith from Doctor Who. And what did you think about it's a it's a 
This is a very different kind of horror film. What did you think about this one, Tristan? Yeah, I gave this um, a high tasted. Um, I really like uh, Wumi uh, Mosaku. Mm-hmm. I really loved her in Lovecraft Country, and she's great here too. And you know, some really scary visuals. I remember, um, you know, some good jump scares. Um, it's also one of those horror films that gives a reasonable solution to the age-old question of why don't they just leave the house? Right. You know, um, you know, there's a reason why they're stuck there and they can't go. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a high tasted for me. I'll give it a high tasted as well. I think like this is on Netflix. People should be watching this. Um, yeah, it's like, it reminded me, it's like, it's like one of those stories where it's like, these people are trying to like, they're trying to move to England to give themselves a better life. You know, they're, they're they come from war torn South Sudan where people are dying. There's, there's people fighting each other all the time. People are dying all the time and they try to come to England to make the, their lives better. And then like, they're thrown into this fucking house that has like this demonic presence and uh, it starts to ref- uh, it starts to affect the relationship it's like it's like um a little bit of um oh fuck what's that fucking movie amityville horror meets the eye or something i don't know it's a hmm. terrible terrible comparison but you know they, i uh i'll give it a high taste as well i i think like there's parts that I kind of like was like not into, but like, I think like, I think the ending is satisfying enough. I think like, and that, I think like that's what you got to base a horror movie on is kind of like the ending. And this is a horror movie that like we, we haven't seen a lot. Like these are characters that you don't see pop up in, in horror movies a lot, you know, you know, these, uh, these refugees from fucking Sudan. And like what they're doing, dealing with here, and they're dealing with like a lost love, and you you find out more about like you know this lost love that that throughout throughout this throughout this movie, I didn't know that was a big twist for me, Tristan, at the end of the movie, finding out mm-hmm. more about the character that they kind of like um, they lost. Who's that dog? Yeah. Who, who's that doggy? That was my little doggy. Oh, uh, what kind of doggy you got? Um, she's a like a toy poodle mixed with Chihuahua. Ah, you got a little yapper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to to mute at the right. <laughs> no, man, doggy's gonna be doggies, <laughs> dude. You can't, you can't, you can't stop a doggy. His house. It's on Netflix. I I think people should watch this one. I dug it. I liked it too. Um, yeah, like it was uh it was uh one of those. Halloween October films that I, I watched and yeah definitely resonated with me and it's uh it's good to see them thinking outside the box in the horror genre. Yeah, yeah. Oh uh, wow. This is a this is wow. This movie, this next movie that we're gonna be talking about. Um let me just what's the t- title is Pieces of a Woman. It's dropped on Netflix. Did this get theatrical released? I know it came out in twenty twenty. It came out. Yeah, of- it's one of those films that um, you know Netflix, one of their Oscar contenders that they release in theaters as well. But I don't know if it, I don't know if it actually shows up in any theaters or any yeah. theaters open right now. Yeah, exactly. Like where'd this fucking play? When a young mother's home birth ends in unfathomable 
tragedy. She begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. It's directed by Cornell Mandrusco from a screenplay by Kata Weber. It stars Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa Kirby from uh, the last Mission Impossible movie. She was also in uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, also stars Shia LaBeouf. Uh, Molly Parker, she was in Netflix's Lost in Space. Uh, she was also, she was also, uh, the, one of the main characters in Deadwood. Um, Sarah Snook, Eliza Schlesinger, Ben, Benny Safty is in this one, one of the Safty brothers. Jimmy Fails and Ellen Burstyn. Uh, Martin Scorsese serves as one of the executive producers on this movie. And, um, I first heard about this movie uh, you know, weeks ago, and then I saw Quentin Roberts from The Real Zodiac was kind of like talking about this one, I think, in like in a chat thread that we're in, and he was raving about this movie. And I talked to him about this movie a little bit on the latest uh, PCL Patreon episode, and um, he loves this movie. And so I couldn't wait to see it. And, um, You've got a movie here. It starts off with a home birth. You're six minutes into the movie, and I feel like after that, you're like 20-plus minutes, and you are in this home birth. It's, And you've got a midwife there played by Molly Parker, and trying to deliver Vanessa Kirby's baby. You've got Shia LaBeouf playing the father. And things kind of go sideways things 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 it's things are happening in this birth and and you're worried about is this baby going to make it you can hear a strong heartbeat and then later you don't hear that same strong heartbeat from the baby and she's trying to push this baby out at home and it's a question of um guys how 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 much are we going to get into spoilers on this one i think um what happens with the birth is not a spoiler and very much the plot of the movie. It's in the trailer. Okay. okay. I would agree yeah. with you. So the baby, the baby, the baby is born. We get a very quick moment with um, mother and the baby bonding, baby crying, and then the baby passes away. And I'll tell you, like, you, you know, we're at the 30 minute mark and You've got Shia LaBeouf running outside and basically pulling the paramedics out of the ambulance and to bring them into the home. And it just that when that when that shot just kind of like stays on that ambulance, I'm guys, I don't know about you. I was super emotional and fucking crying in that moment. Like, wow, this is it was super fucking powerful. Like. Like, I couldn't believe what this movie was doing. And it's, it, it, it's this movie about like, how, you know, is, are, are we blaming the midwife for the death of this baby? Should, should, should she have, should she have brought, uh, should she have contacted like the authorities, uh, no, excuse me, the, uh, should she have brought in the ambulance much sooner? Did she do something wrong here? Was there, was there negligence? Is the baby's death you know, is she, is it, is it, is it her fault here? And you've got like, 
every time this movie does these time jumps and it shows like this river and it shows a bridge, a bridge. Yeah. And, and it keeps doing these time jumps and we see like where these characters are, you know, going forward. Like this affects their marriage and we're learning about a trial that's going on. And I don't know. I Tupperware the fuck out of this movie. I thought it was super fucking powerful. It's super depressing, but it's a super fucking powerful movie. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on Pieces of a Woman. What do you think, Tristan? I Tupperware too, man. And and I Tupperware for a couple reasons. Um, the filmmaking is just fucking outstanding. This is a, a gorgeous-looking film, even given the real subject matter. And those long one-take shots are not easy to pull off. And the fact that this guy was able to... I think they there's the 22-minute long take in the very beginning with the childbirth, yeah, which is just fantastic. And I, I just find myself looking for breaks and, and ways that they were cheating it, but it was real. You know, they just didn't take the camera off for 22 minutes. And... And um, then there's another scene in the home, um, like a family gathering. That's another long one take. And it's just filmmaking on a different level. And, man, the performances of uh, Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Birdson, like, I just thought were fucking fantastic. Like, I've never gotten a boner from a woman that was over the age of 80 until I saw her give that monologue. <laughs> she's like, she's she's insanely good. And I just want to fucking be able to, you know, fucking not need diapers and shit at that age. And she's giving Oscar level performances at age 88. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Jake. Yeah. She's, yeah, it was, it was a great movie. I, I, I thought it was, I know certain factions of society, this is going to resonate with even more than it did with me, but someone who's so far removed from this type of subject matter still found it very touching. What'd you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm going to give it a very high taste. It was a very good movie. I actually, I was as much emotionally impacted by that 30 minute opening as you were, Brian. I actually had to watch this in two chunks. I, as soon as it was over, I kind of hit the button to see how long it really was. And I was like, that was just so intense. I got to like, let my brain settle down for 30 minutes and then come back to this movie. And that's what I did. I just kind of took a breather and then watched the whole second two thirds of the movie after that. I, I can't imagine watching this in the theater and just like not being able to take just kind of a pause and just to recollect myself after that. It was a lot to endure. I mean, and not in a bad way, but it, it was just really powerful filmmaking. Um, I thought the sound editing in this movie was fucking off the chain too. I felt so bad for the midwife character at the beginning and just the position she was put in. And there's that scene where, the mom is holding the baby and she's just looking in the mirror, just like, Oh, thank God that's over. Thank God. everything's yeah. Okay. And the sound mix, like you kind of hear what's going on in the distance. And that's when she realizes that the baby isn't responding the way it should be. And then you see like her relaxing, just turn into, Oh my God, I have to turn it right back on again and, and figure out what's going on. And oh, I just felt so bad for that character. It was like she wasn't even the midwife that was supposed to be there. She was a replacement midwife. She and was like she was the Dante of clerks. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah, and just how I can't even I kept putting myself in her shoes, especially in that opening scene. Like, how do you when like the couple is asking you if everything's okay? 
like the mom has some important work to do. How do you tell, like, it'd be so hard to tell her, no, that there's complications. No, something may be going wrong. No, you need to call 911. And I think she even like gathered that, that she had to stay strong for the mom and give the other, give this information to the, to the father character and let him do those important things while she kind of stays in her own realm and tries to get through this childbirth and does what she needs to do. But yeah, I thought Ellen Bernstein was also fantastic. I, it was a great family study, I thought. It was just between the sister didn't have a big role, but there was still a lot to do with her and just how she interacted with her sister and the stuff with mother and daughter I thought was really powerful. Like we've all either been in families like that or have friends that have families like that where sometimes it seems like relatives are more in it for status than they are for actually loving the other family member. Mm -hmm. And some of the decisions they make, you know, seem questionable if they actually do love the other person or if they're trying to just look a certain way on the outside to other people. And I thought those areas were explored really well in this movie. Um, Yeah, this was a fantastic flick. Why the high taste it? Why not the Tupperware? What? What? Where does it? It's it's a movie. It's a movie I'll never watch again. I I, yeah. I have a hard time giving Tupperwares to movies that I will not revisit. And I there's no way I would revisit this movie. I can understand. It's not. It's not like I was like, oh man, let's watch this fucking tragic childbirth again. But I think the the, the performances for me in this Shia LaBeouf and fucking you know Vanessa Kirby and uh, I mean I just I. I have to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was just super powerful. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's not. It's nothing that I would watch again immediately. But you know, given a few few years, I might watch this again. It was. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't have any like on the surface faults I can point at that it doesn't get a Tupperware. But my ratings are kind of like my own personal likes and dislikes when it comes to things too. Sure. Yeah. I and get so it. it's hard to like put this on the same Tupperware pedestal as like guardians of the galaxy for me, you know, or just, right. just throwing out something. Yeah. But, but so like, I'm giving it the very high taste it. Um, it, honestly, I, I completely understand you guys Tupperware and I, I, I validate that. It's just, I just have a hard time giving it my own personal Tupperware stamp. Gotcha. All right. All right. Yeah. Pieces of a woman. I highly recommend that you watch this on Netflix. It is, uh, it's an incredible piece of acting. Shadow in the Cloud. Shadow in the Cloud on a stormy night during World War II, a female pilot with top secret cargo talks her way on board a bomber plane about to take off. The crass all-male crew reluctantly agrees, but their suspicions about her identity and the mysterious cargo quickly grow. Just then, a shadow appears in the clouds. Was it the incoming Japanese fleet or caused by some other sinister stowaway? It's directed by Roseanne Liang and it stars Chloe Greats, Moretz, Taylor John Smith, Nick Robinson, Beulah Kuali, and Callan Mulvey. And, uh, so anyway, I'm real quick. I finished this movie. I watch it. I'll, I'll talk about what I thought about it here in a moment. But this name pops up written by Max Landis. Did you notice that, Jake? I didn't know. I, did. I, didn't, I didn't know either. I didn't know. I had no. And we know Max Landis has been kind of like a hot topic right now uh, on social media because of like he's been accused by, what is it, like eight women of like sexual harassment and shit like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, 
and you know, I was a big fan of Max Landis after, um, I was a big fan of his work. American Ultra. American Ultra. Well, and before that, Chronicle. Oh, yeah. Good call. And, um, I had no idea that this was written by Max Landis. And, uh, then it all started to click. <laughs> You're watching this movie and I'm going to get into it here. But I'm watching this movie and like you've got a character here played by Chloe Grace Moretz. She plays flight officer Maud Garrett and she's just able to do all these amazing things and you're wondering how. How does she know how to do all this? How is she a great, you know, fighter pilot? How is she great at, you know, firing these guns? How is she great at survival? How is she great at all this stuff? And <laughs> and and then I Jake, do you remember how Max Landis, after The Force Awakens came out, he was on social media and he is going off about how Ray is a Mary Sue and how she is just able to do everything when the time, you know, when, when it calls for it. She's just, she's a great pilot. She's, she, she picks up the force better than anybody that we've ever seen in any movie. She's just, he labels her this Mary Sue and goes off on this, on this long social media rant about how Ray is a Mary Sue. Oh, I'll never forget. He trolls us with this character in this movie that is 100% a Mary Sue. Am, am I wrong here to say that, Jake? No, not at all. Not at all. So. Yeah, I, I can see that. That I'd kind of made those connections too once I saw that it was written by him. Well, I didn't. I hadn't quite reached the level of troll, but I had reached the level of oh, so you're going to do the exact same thing you complain about. I think he's trolling us with this character. I do. I think. Yeah, he's- that, that's. I hope that's the case. That's that's better than <laughs> you. <laughs> actually doing the thing that you made fun of so much yeah well let's talk about the movie all right so max landis is is, here's the thing here's the thing um the company has tried to you know the production company has tried to distance themselves from max landis but they bought the script they knew it was written by max landis yeah they tried to say it was rewritten but I think a lot of what Max Landis wrote bled into this movie. And so I can't really kind of stick up for the fucking movie studio here. I think that they knew what they bought and, and, um, they tried to distance themselves from Max Landis. And I think that that's bullshit. I think that they knew, uh, I just think it's bullshit. I think it's 100% bullshit. What did you think about the movie, though, Jake? I'm going to give it a taste it. Actually, um, the description of it sounded like the dumbest sci-fi original movie I could ever imagine. Uh, I actually ended up enjoying it a lot more than I thought I would based on that description. I kind of like movies that take place mostly in one setting. And I thought that worked really well for this movie. I, I thought I liked the way it introduced all the other characters while she was stuck in that like gunner cockpit the entire time. Yeah. Um, and I thought I had a really strong last 20 minutes that I, I wasn't quite ready for that took me by surprise. So yeah, I, on paper, this looked like what was going to be the dumbest thing I was going to watch for this episode, but I actually ended up quite enjoying it. What'd you think, Tristan? 
Um, I gave it a solid tasted. Um, it was mainly just on the basis of it being a World War II era film. I mean, I just, it's hard to really just not enjoy any movie of that era, even though there have been some bad ones. But this one, you know, it was, it was okay. You know, I thought, like you said, you know, the character wasn't Mary Sue. I mean, she's basically fucking Wiley Coyote falling from a plane and getting blown back up into it. <laughs> <It's pretty laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I was just thinking when I was watching this movie, I was thinking of Tom Holland and Civil War. This movie doesn't obey the law, so this is at all. <laughs> you know, like it's just like has just these weird like um physics flaws in it. And um, you know, she uh she gets blown up uh, into the plane, you know, like uh not a scratch on her. She's like crawling around the plane while it's flying at full speed. I mean, it's just a lot some things you have to just kind of let go <laughs> but you know it was a it was a creative script you know that gremlin bat monkey thing you know yeah. that whole thing was pretty unique um i wasn't bored yeah yeah it's fucked up here's the thing i i don't like i used to be a big fan of max landis and then we find out all these things about him and i'm like oh fuck yeah you know we've got like so many different people accusing him of you know these accusations that it's like you got to take notice like you know, we got to cancel this guy. He's a fucking asshole. On the flip side, I really enjoyed this movie. I hate to say that. I hate to say that because like, but I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, I thought like, you know, it felt like very like, like, you know, like, oh, there's something on the wing of the plane. It felt like amazing stories. Or, or Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it felt like Twilight amazing Zone. Amazing Stories, too. Yeah. Honestly. There's like an Amazing Stories episode, it really felt like, where, you know, the the guy draws the wheel to land the plane. Right, yeah. And then, uh, I mean... The, oh, that was Twilight Zone, wasn't it? No, that was Amazing Stories, where they draw the wheel. The, okay. The, okay. the monster on the wing of the plane was originally the William Shatner Twilight Zone episode, and then when they made the Twilight Zone movie, it was... Um, What's his face from uh, Third Rock from the Sun? John Lithgow. John Lithgow. So they did that one twice. They did that one three times because it's in the um, the Jordan Peele remake too. Oh, they did it for the CBS All Access. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I uh, fuck it. I'm gonna Tupperware it. I fucking had a blast oh, wow. with this movie. I really thought it was a lot of fun. I mean. Um, and I'm not saying I'm, I, I'm not saying I support Max Landis. I just think that this, like, I can kind of separate from, you know, the creative side from like what I, I can separate the artist from like the art. And I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed like the, the fucking, um, it felt like it was an eighties movie and then they added in, but it was set in the. 1940s during World War II, and then they had this synthy music, and I thought Chloe Grace Moretz was a lot of fun in this movie, and like none of these thoughts that I had about the Mary Sue shit really popped into my head until I saw it was written by Max Landis. Yeah, same. None of this, and and like, and that's the thing. Like I, you know, like maybe going into this movie, if I would have known it was written by Max Landis, I would have come out differently. But like after watching this movie, I was like, man, I had a fucking fuck ton of fun watching this movie. Um, do I want to see more movies from Max Landis? No, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying here. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying here. I don't support him and I don't support him and what he's done. But 
You know, just the same as I don't support Bill Cosby, but man, I can go back and watch like Bill Cosby himself and, and I can watch like the old episodes of Cosby show and I love those shows, but, um, God, I know it sounds terrible that I'm giving this a Tupperware, Jake. No, I don't think it sounds terrible at all. I, I had a lot of fun with this movie and I can see how you would Tupperware it. Um, yeah, it's, you got to separate the art. The artist from the art. And I know that's really hard to do it sometimes. Is, it sometimes is. I can't do it. Yeah. But but here, I, I was able to do it. And this movie was a lot of fun. It had, had a really great third act. That yeah. Just, I, I was laughing and in a good way. Like, I think the movie is very self-aware of how just kind of over the top it gets at parts. And I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. 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 So that's uh, Shadow in the Cloud. Um, last thing we're going to. That gonna... thing had a real vagina mouth, by the way. Oh my god! Is that how you viewed? Is that how you view vaginas? That's how I viewed that one. Oh god! <laughs> yeah, those fucking gremlins, man. They look. Have you ever seen those bats? Um, that are. Have you have you ever seen those bats that are like literally that size from that other country and shit? Mm-mm. There's like these giant. Have you seen those, Tristan? Those giant bats. Yeah, like they're huge and they, um, yeah, like they'll sleep upside down. It looks like a toddler. Yeah. Like there's pictures of those bats and they'll fucking post them on the internet and people will be like, are those real? And yeah, they're called giant golden crowned flying foxes and they have huge wingspans. They're giant. They're huge fucking bats, Jake. They're, uh, from the Philippines. And there's like pictures of like, like, there's a picture of a guy that I've seen on the internet and there's this giant bat and it's huge. And it, it's, and people were like, is that real? Is that a real fucking bat? And people would be like, oh no, it's real. It's not real. And I looked it up and like, these bats are real. These things are fucking ginormous. These fucking Ugh. bats. Oh my God. Yeah. They're fucking too. Yeah. But then every once in a while I'll get on Reddit and I'll see like videos of people petting bats and how sweet bats are and shit. And it's just like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh, there's no way. There's just no way. Oh my God. They're so creepy. I had a, hey, maybe I, I had a bat in my fucking garage once. I think scared the shit out of me, dude. Oh man. <laughs> Things are ugly. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe I missed this when I was watching the movie, but did they ever explain why the gremlin wanted the thing that it was taking? No, and it was it was definitely <laughs> it was definitely going after that for some reason, right? Yeah. No, I, I just think they like to cause trouble with uh, World War Two planes. Oh my god, <laughs> that dude! That scene where she is fucking going outside of like the gun turret and uh, she's on the underside of the plane and she's making her way towards what she's trying to recover and it's upside down. I was just like, dude, I was, I was totally into that the whole time. Yeah. I wish the poster hadn't have spoiled that moment. Like the only image I knew from this movie before seeing it was her hanging on the outside of that. thing. I didn't see that poster. I saw a different poster. Ah, oh, you're lucky. I, I thought just even seeing that visual was enough for it not to be as exciting for me. Wow. It was like waiting for that, like, Fast and the Furious, like, dumb action moment that you knew was going to happen. Yeah. Um, last movie that we're going to talk about is Hunter Hunter. 
And, uh, Joseph and his family live in a, in the remote wilderness as fur trappers, but their tranquility is threatened when they think they are being hunted by the return of a rogue wolf. And Joseph leaves them behind to track it. It's written and directed by Sean Linden. And, um, this is, um, it's a theatrical movie. I think you can watch it on video on demand. I'm not 100% sure. But what did you guys think about Hunter Hunter? Jake, I'm dying to hear what you thought about Hunter Hunter. Oh, no. I hated this movie. This was a toss-it for me. Um, I just found all the characters to be completely unlikable, from Joseph the father to his wife to his daughter to the cops to the to the whatever. The, I didn't like the wolves. Um, I didn't think it was ever scary nor did I think it was ever thrilling. Um, I thought the ending was unnecessarily disgusting. And I, this was just not a movie I liked at all. I thought all the answers came too conveniently in the last half an hour. Um, just lots of obvious duh moments in that last half an hour too. I, this movie did nothing for me. I did not like it. Uh. Did you guys like this thing? Tristan, what did you think? Uh, dude, this movie, like everybody <laughs> is loving this movie. <laughs> Um, for me, dude, it was a high taste that I liked it. Um, didn't love it, but like I, I think it just took a turn that I didn't see coming. I thought it was going to be a movie about a guy versus the wilderness, and it it takes a different turn and, and turns into something else. And it does have this big what the fuck ending, um, and that was just enough to to make me enjoy the film because it just went somewhere that I did not expect. Um, it's not a great movie, but it's a movie like I had such low expectations going into it that they were raised after I watched it. Um, it's, you know, um, it's a, it's a high tasted for me. I'm with Tristan here. Like it's not a Tupperware for me, but it is a high tasted. Like I was like, I, I, you know, I was watching this movie and I was kind of sucked in. You got this family that's kind of like living off the grid and for one reason or another, the, 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 the father has made the choice that this family is going to basically live off the grid and live out there in the wilderness. And the daughter has never been, you know, to the city or anything. And, and then, you know, the, the, we've got this attack of this wolf and, and the father goes out there to fucking take care of the wolf. And then all these other things start to happen in the movie. And, um, there's this twist at the end. And then, yes, Jake, you're absolutely right. I can see you tossing this. This is a definitely toss it movie for Jake. I 100%. Like the ending is super gruesome, but I feel like for people, for me, I felt like, I felt like the ending was justified for like what had happened. Like that's like, that like as gruesome as it was that's what i want to happen that's what i want to happen that's what was deserved in that moment and man did i i didn't want to see that with my eyes it was so gruesome but my god that fucking it it was deserved that needed to happen and um you know, it, without that ending, the movie is like a middle of the road taste it for me. But with that ending, I, I catapulted up to a high taste it. Yeah, it was yeah. all about the ending for me. Um, just the fact that maybe 30 minutes before that ending happens, if you would have gave me a multiple choice list and said what's about to happen, I would not have guessed that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, it's like um, yeah, it was uh, – it was good to see Devin Sawa from uh, the Stan video in that. 
That's funny. <laughs> I was more interested in what was going to happen next than what we saw, to be honest with you, especially how dopey the cops were portrayed. Like, I wanted to see, like, what their reactions to taking this person down to the uh, county was going to be. Like, after all that happened, like, there are a lot of questions left unanswered in that movie. Yeah, like, what's her story afterwards? You know, how do they react to that? Was that person the person that was doing all the things that were happening? Oh, 100%. Yes, I think so. Oh, I think so too, but it was never, like, actually, like, stated, or there was never any, like, you know, they didn't point to anything saying that it for sure was. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I I have more questions too, but I don't want to spoil this for anyone that actually wants to watch it. Yeah, yeah, Hunter Hunter, it'll probably pop on pop uh, pop up on a uh, streaming service, I would say, within the next few months. Not for the squeamish. The end is very oh, disgusting. Oh my god! Yeah, that's I knew as soon as we got to the end, and you told me that you watched this, Jake. I was like, Jake is gonna hate this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i can't even get you to watch the third john wilk john wick film because of the violence like how are you going to be able to handle this yeah and i'm i don't know you're like you're like my grandmother with movies i don't have a problem with gore i I have a i was just a real desensitized to gun violence in movies for a minute there and i'm kind of over that phase but (laughs) okay all right all right all right um this was just, I don't know, needlessly. It was uh, justified, in my opinion. I, I guess. In, in a real-life situation, if that's what's happening to me, then, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. I get it. But, woof. It, it just went one scene too far with it, in my opinion. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Didn't enough blood leave? Or, or- <laughs> I, was, I, on the flip side, was like, oh, my God. This is so super disturbing. I can't believe I'm watching it. But please, Go farther, please. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I mean, I really just expected a guy to shoot a wolf, and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can we just just end this movie with somebody killing a wolf, please? Uh, All right, guys. Let's jump into news. I'll play the news bumper real quick. I got one story in news. We're going to wrap up. Hear ye, hear ye. Read all about it. It's a lift of a news, and there's no doubt about it. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. Listen to this. We talked about insert coin last week. Uh, NBA Jam. This comes from Dark Horizons. NBA Jam game. Uh, NBA Jam game gets a documentary. Best Cross the Studios has optioned Ryan Alley's book NBA Jam with plans to produce a feature documentary about the history and success of the famed arcade video game. Emmy nominated Sean Menard. Uh, the Carter Effect will develop and direct, initially released more than 25 years ago, Midway Games team support, uh, sporting title-shattered records and earned more than $1 billion in quarters. In the process, it became an iconic piece of pop culture, one of the most famed arcade games made alongside other early 90s arcade staples like Street Fighter II, Mortal Kombat, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, X-Men, and The Simpsons arcade game. It also spawned several home adaptations, sequels, and remakes with the title converted from the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis Mega Drive in 1994. We're getting an NBA Jam documentary. I am super fucking excited for this. I cannot wait. Yeah, I I Tupperware that news as well. I I finally got a chance to watch Insert Coin a couple days after we did the podcast. Yeah. um, 
Oh, man, it was the highest of Tupperwares for me. I loved it so much. And I thought one of the most fascinating segments of it was, surprisingly, the NBA Jam segment. Boom so shakalaka. I, oh, yeah, my boom God. shaka. I loved seeing that guy. Yes. And hearing him do. He was so proud of it. And the filmmakers got some really great footage in that movie. Uh, one of my, I can't believe they interviewed the creator of Arch Rivals and got him as bitter as fucking possible in that interview yeah. about NBA Jam. That absolutely cracked me up. But, yeah, I think um, – Man, just that 15-minute segment for NBA Jam just felt like so – like there was so much more to talk about. Yes. But, you know, in this movie, we had to talk about other big midway hits and kind of the decline of the industry as well. And I'm excited to see a movie that gets to spend its entire two hours just focused on NBA Jam. So I can't wait. More bowler hat guy. Oh, God. What's your, hey, what's your history with NBA Jam, uh, Tristan? Have you, was that like a game for you back in the 90s? Yeah, man. It was uh, something that I would play um, frequently on, um, was it Sega Genesis at that time? Oh, my God. Yeah. I think they released it on pretty much every system. I played it. Yeah. Like, I was a major arcade guy. I used to go out to yeah. the arcade and play Yeah. Yeah, we played in the arcade first, and then it came to the home console. And I remember we had like this code where you can get all these secret characters and shit. Like you could get like the uh, the um, the team mascots and shit like that. Yeah. Um, for some reason, my go to was Charles Barkley and Kevin Johnson. I was always playing with those two. Oh, fucking the the the, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, yeah. Fucking KJ. Oh my God. Do you remember? Oh, Jesus Christ. Do you remember when the Phoenix Suns got, uh, you know, it was post Barkley, post KJ, and they got fucking Anthony Hardaway and Jason Kidd? Yeah, that was, uh, was that like, that was after the Barkley era, right? That was, yeah, that was after, that was, uh, that was after the Barkley era. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was that it was that Phoenix Suns team that I would play with. Um, I think it was the one that went to the finals with the Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Ninety-three. Yeah, ninety-three. Yeah, I love I love that game. I don't know why that was my go-to. Paul Westfall, the um, coach, the Paul Westfall, the coach of the Phoenix Suns that year. He he just recently passed away within the past month. Oh man, he went on to I think that. he went on to coach the Minnesota Timberwolves for a while. But yeah, Paul Westfall passed away. Within Who the was past. your go-to on that game? Oh, dude, it, me and my buddy, Jared, when we would play NBA Jam, I was Scott Skiles, and he was Shaquille O'Neal. So it was huh. like we had the dominant force. He was he was the guy on the inside fucking, you know, banging the boards and fucking doing the dunks and shit, and I was the guy shooting from the outside, Scott Skiles. He had an amazing three-point uh, percentage in that game. So that that's oh. who we went with all the time, Scott Skiles and fucking Shaquille O'Neal. So correct me if I'm wrong, the arcade – version you had like more than two players right you can switch in and out different players from a team it depended they had mm-hmm. they they had they had uh they had games that just had two players and they didn't they have like the four player game so it depended yeah, it depended on which one you played yeah. didn't they have nba jam like championship edition where they added the additional players i think so yeah i i the, like the later on uh, in other editions, I would play. I didn't always. I, I didn't always play the Orlando Magic. I would play with the Atlanta Hawks, and they had it was Steve Smith. I'm trying to remember the other guy on the Atlanta Hawks at the time that we would play. Was it Dominique? 
Uh, Neek was gone, man. Neek was, oh, in, was like Neek was in Greece playing, man. They, uh, it was, but I would play, I would play uh, as Steve Smith and somebody else. I think on the Hawks. I didn't Steve Smith play for the Knicks too? I, I got, I'm, I'm fucking like, I don't, I drank a shit fuck ton of wine right now. I apologize, I don't remember. But there, I, dude, I used to play, I used to play the those NBA Jam games all the time. I fucking love them. And a documentary about this, I cannot fucking wait. Yeah, I was blown away to hear about the rubber banding. I, I I was kind of aware that that was going on, but I never knew it was actually programmed into the game to where your percentage chance of making shots with five seconds left on the buzzer was basically like 99%. Yeah. You could just shoot it from fucking anywhere and make the basket. Unless you were the Chicago Bulls and you were playing against the Detroit Pistons. Oh, really? Yes, because one of the fucking developers of that game was a Pistons fan and fucking hated the Chicago Bulls. So if you're down, if you're down and you're shooting a three-pointer at the final seconds and you're the Chicago Bulls, you always lose. It was That's rigged. Funny. It was rigged. I always just thought, like, if you hit jump as or shoot as close to the peak of your jump as possible, it would increase your odds. So, like, in moments like that, I'd be like, oh, I hit shoot at the perfect apex of my jump, so I made the basket. <laughs> but no, no, the developers had me conned. That's, a, that's awesome. Oh, my God. I love that game so much. I cannot wait for the documentary. I'm going to buy that fucking documentary. I cannot wait. Yeah, I bought Insert Coin just on you guys' Tupperwares, and I... <laughs> That is definitely. I, I wanted to watch it again, like three days later. Yeah, yeah. It was just so well done. I loved here. I loved the whole Terminator Two section. Yes, and just like they went from Revolution like, X, Revolution X. Yeah, and that was cool too. But the Terminator Two is just really fascinating because these guys were just like in a fucking like closet making these video games, and the next thing you know. Like just hearing about that meeting with James Cameron and how he treated them with the same respect that he himself is. Yeah. It's like yeah. filmmakers and designers and creators and just how respectful and helpful he was to those guys. It really gave me a lot of respect for Cameron in a way that I'd never had it before. What's his name? The actor Robert Patrick. Is it Robert Patrick? Oh yeah. That, just the whole T2 section really blew me away. Just the access that they got yeah. with the actors and just what the actors thought about it. It was just fucking incredible. Did you ever play Hit the Ice, Jake? The oh, I love I loved Hit the Ice. Oh. Hit the I liked ice. all those games, all the uh, NBA Jam inspired games. I fucking yeah. notoriously hate football. I fucking love Blitz. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love it. <laughs> it's great. Um, I I forget what the um baseball one was called. Uh, Hit Time or something. Oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue. But they had a baseball one that was very much in the same vein. Yeah. Yeah. I, NBA Jam kind of set off that type of sports game where it was less about regulations and capturing all the rules perfectly and more just about arcade fun. But you could still play as your favorite NBA players. Which, yeah, which like exactly. you couldn't, you couldn't do that in double dribble. No, or, or our tribal. Or our tribals, or, you know, yeah. Or any of those games. And double dribble, man, they would like change race in the middle of the play. <laughs> it would be like a white guy would just turn into a black guy in the middle of the fucking <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong about that. There was some crazy, what the fuck? crazy that, blipping. Are you kidding me? That white guy did not dunk like that. Get the fuck out of here. That's, that ain't. <laughs> 
<laughs> who is who is the who is uh, was it Bre- was it Brent Barry, the white guy that won the dunk contest back in the nineties? No, Jesus. yeah, yeah, yeah it was Brent Barry. Yeah. It was Brent Barry. He did the jump from the uh, free throw line. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Hey, you know that jump from the free throw line. That jump from the free throw line that fucking Dr. J made famous, that Jordan made famous, what was the difference between the Dr. J dunk from the free throw line and the Jordan dunk from the free throw line? What was the difference? The fact, the difference was that Jordan had his back. Like he brought the ball back, like past his head when he was jumping. Okay. That's what I remember. Uh, What I remember is Jordan, unlike Dr. J, who just ran the ball, and jump from the free throw line. Jordan dribbled the ball and dunked from the free throw line. And Brent Berry just had long ass arms too. That just stretched Dude, his, his shit. His shit looked weak as fuck. <laughs> that was just a terrible year for the dunk contest when Brent Berry wins. Go <laughs> oh, girl, Spud yeah. Webb. Spud Webb. That was a great dunk contest. I still think the best dunker in the NBA was back in 2000 when Vince Carter won the dunk contest. The arm in the net? Dude, everything. Yeah, the arm in the net, dunking from behind the backboard. I mean, the arm in the net was fucking, that was just like mic drop moment right there when he fucking dunked it and he's hanging from his fucking arm in the net. Yeah. Yeah. Vince Carter was, I love Jordan. Jordan, I think, is the best player to ever play the game, in my opinion. But yeah, I'll give you that. Best dunker ever is Vince Carter. Yeah, and that dude had a long career. Yeah, yeah, dude, and, and it was cut short last year because of the fucking pandemic. That was his yeah. last year. He's forty three years old. Forty three years old, still playing the game, playing for the Atlanta Hawks. It's his fucking. It's his. It's his. La- it's his last dance. That's his fucking. Like I'm leaving. And it gets cut off because of the fucking pandemic. I felt so bad for Vince Carter last yeah, year. Yeah, he needed a better send-off than that. I agree 100%, man. Tristan, Jake, fucking, I had fun. Yeah, same. Yeah, this was a fun episode. I was excited to talk about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Guys, just like all good left, hey, we're done. We'll see you next week. I don't know what we're talking about next week. I, I, can't, I can't even think about what we're talking about next week. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, Jake. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll come up with something. I, I know what we're talking about. I'm just too lazy to look it up. Tristan, <laughs> Tristan, thank you so much for joining well, us. I'll Dave. tell you what you need to be watching. Servant just dropped the second season. Servant just dropped. I haven't watched it. Have you watched the first episode? Not yet. I'm I haven't watched it tonight. I'm going to watch it how too. Many, how many episodes is that first season? Was like it 10? 10, something like that. Yeah. Ooh, that's a lot. Dude, dude, it's worth it though. You should watch it, dude. It's fucking good. All right, I do want to see it. Maybe I can fit in a binge of Servant this week. Yeah, I need to. I need to get on it. I need to get on second season. I need to get on the second season. I love the first season. It was fucking incredible. Guys, we'll be back next week with episode three sixty five. Three sixty five, Jank. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. The march to four hundred. The march to four hundred, sir. That's what we're calling this. This is the march, the official march to 400. 400. It begins. It begins. <laughs> the march to 400. <laughs> <laughs> we should have done the Spartan stuff for the march to 300. What the fuck? Oh, man. No, episode 300. I think I did drop a uh, 300 
thing on that episode. Oh, good. I'm proud. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I, think I did drop like, this is Sparta. And I don't know. Maybe I did. <laughs> I feel like you would have. Uh, that's totally me. That's totally me. Guys, just like all good leftover sand, they're doggy bags. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. With episode 365. That's how many days there are in a year. We'll see you. We'll see you then. Later, guys. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless. But I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap! Toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Be sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcast that original and good. I've already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft of crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap! Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.